Friday night, Poker Fraud Alert Radio is still the one that calls out all the scams and shadiness in poker. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. This is being broadcast and recorded live on September 22nd, Friday Night Live at 8.37 p.m. right now. Pacific time is the time this is being recorded and broadcast, but you may be hearing it at a different time if you're listening in the archives. If you are a new listener who's listening tonight to hear about the Gardens Casino scandal, welcome, and we'll get to that shortly. Just want to get through the normal intro stuff, which I'll try to speed through. Sometimes this takes like an hour, but I'm going to speed through it so we can get to the Gardens Casino scandal, and then we're going to get to a rare sponsor for the show. But a sponsor who's actually offering something, it's a service, that I think is very needed in poker. So I was very excited to get this sponsor, not just to get money in my pocket, but also because I think that it's something that uh, is very useful. So we'll get to that. We will be uh, putting the sponsor on after the Gardens Casino segment and uh, interview him, and then uh, we will do the rest. So if you want to call into the show... The phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355 is the phone number. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. Mount Charleston is a mountain that's about 40 minutes away by car from Las Vegas. It gets snow in the winter. It's about 30 degrees colder than the Las Vegas you know. And I have a cabin there with an old 70s rotary phone that forwards to me wherever I go. 
And it's a separate phone number into the show. That number is 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line. You can call either number to get through to the show. But if I don't answer, don't panic and don't hammer the show 15 times in a row. Just wait. Just wait like 15 minutes and try back when I might be taking calls because I don't want to interrupt the flow of things here with taking calls all the time. I will tell you in advance tonight we're not going to take calls until after both the Gardens segment, unless it's a relevant call about the Gardens Casino thing, and the sponsor segment. At that point, if you want to call in, then I'll take some calls. I'll even let you guys know before I move on to something else. If you want to listen to the show, there's various ways to do it. You can, of course, just click on the radio tab near the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com and listen there. Uh, If you have an iPhone or iPad, you can click on the link for that. If you want to, you can listen through the TuneIn app. TuneIn is an app you can get on your phone. You can listen live on there. And you can also use the Call to Listen line. The Call to Listen line is just a regular phone number. It's located in a shack in Carroll, Iowa. It's a regular phone call. Someone asked, how much does it cost to call it? Well, it costs the same as calling any other number in Iowa. So if you can call Iowa for free, then it's free. If you can't call Iowa for free, then it is not free. But it's it's a great thing because you can call it up, and you don't need the internet. You don't need a smartphone. You don't need a data plan. If you do have a data plan, it won't even cost you one byte of data. And it doesn't buffer or pause or freeze. It just plays the show. It just works. And when I'm not live, then... It will play a rerun it picks randomly from our library of almost 250 shows, actually more than 250 shows, including the Brandon shows, and run it as if it's live, and then when that's over, it will pick another one and another one and another one until we go back live again. That phone number is 712-775-8162, 712-775-8162. It is the call to listen line. Tens of thousands of minutes are listened to on it every month. Hundreds of thousands per year. I'm not exaggerating. It's the truth. So we have a lot of phone lines into it. It'll never be busy. 712-775-8162 is the call to listen line. If you forget these numbers, don't worry about it. Just go to the radio tab on PokerFraudAlert.com, and they are all listed right there. You can text the show at any time by texting the main phone number to the show, 775 372 8355. However, beware, I might read your text on the air unless you asked me not to at the beginning of the text. And don't say, don't say it at the end. Don't write something really embarrassing and then say at the end, oh, by the way, don't read this on air. But by then, I will have read it on air probably. And you can do it before, after, or during the show. We have a free roll on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. A big one tonight. At least big one by our standards. Every week we give away $50 or more on the Poker Fraud Alert free roll. And there's no catch to it. You just go to the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which you can find on a tab near the top of the screen. You need a separate account there, but it's completely free. And it does not even require play chips. You can just sit down and enter the tournament. The tournament actually began two minutes ago, but don't panic because you still have 23 more minutes to register with a full stack. So this week it's a $150 free roll, and it came from two sources. $100 came from C-Money with a condition, which I decided to honor. And $50 came from Starbucks Spunk Bucket, who named himself after something Ken Scaler did in a Starbucks. 
<laughs> you can use your imagination. So $150 this week for the free roll. And I thank you guys for that. And the way the money breaks down is as follows. First place, a cool $75. Second place, $35. Third place, $20. Fourth place, $13. And fifth place, 7 We actually pay five spots this week. 75 35 20 13 and 7 And the good news is this is a small field. It's not like you're going to be competing with 2,000 people. There's going to be fewer than 100 people in there. So you really have a good shot at winning the money. And I'll send it to you by bank transfer, by Bitcoin, by cash or check if you've accumulated about $100 or more of winnings here, or other methods that you might be able to think of. You can send me a PM, Dan Space Druff, on the forum, or you can email me, dandruff at pokerfraudler.com to claim the money. However, to qualify for the money, you have to understand and know the rules. Pokerfraudler.com slash free roll. Pokerfraudler.com slash free roll. Exactly as it sounds, all lowercase. That will give you all the rules as far as qualifying for the free money that's given away every week, which is almost always thanks to the listeners, not even from me. Somebody else I'd like to thank who gives away money sometimes and is here just about every week doing the show with me in the year 2017. Calwad, hello. Only when there's slushies to be had. Well, yeah, that's... Uh, you actually don't give it away to everybody. You give that just to Brandon. But uh, <laughs> Fucking Brandon. So we we have uh, a big story tonight. At least to me it's big. And, and to, to tell you the truth, Poker Fraud Alert is really the lead poker media that's covering this. Even Poker News has picked up the story, but even they wrote in their article that it came from here. They, they linked the site. They quoted me. Uh, they, they they got a lot of their information from here. I, I wasn't the first one to talk about it on social media, but I started seeing rumblings about this on Twitter, and I decided to look into it myself, and I was pretty outraged by what was occurring. And this was at the Garden Is this, is this about this uh, thing between uh, Kilgore Trout and, and Larry? <laughs> no. <laughs> Thankfully not. It's, it's, oh. it's between the players of the Gardens Casino in their $1 million guarantee tournament and, and Gardens Casino, who has decided to uh, cheat on the guarantee and screw the players. And we're going to talk about that tonight. And if you're here to listen about that, then welcome. And if you're just here in general, then I don't have to welcome you because you're going to be here anyway. Here's the rest of the agenda for tonight, and then we'll get going. Uh, we will have our sponsor on tonight, who is an attorney. It's an attorney that uh, fortunately is, is not one who's suing me, but is actually one who's sponsoring the show. He recently found the show and enjoys it. He said he, he said he's surprised how quickly the five or six hours goes by. He said when he, you know, when he first saw the five or six hours, he's like, oh my God, how am I going to listen to this? But then it just, it just zips by while he, uh, I'm not sure what he does while he listens, but uh, he enjoyed it enough to not only listen again, but to sponsor the show. And he has a service that I think is very needed in the poker world, and that is an arbitration service for poker-related money disputes. So we're going to talk all about that and what he offers. And, and I'll tell you, I, I think that's such a good idea that I actually considered doing this myself. And I'll you tell gotta, you... That, you got to point Jungle Man at him. <laughs> I, I should. Or I, anyone that's dealing with Duan, right? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I was considering doing this myself, like, like putting myself out there to do it. But I'll tell you guys when we get to that segment why... I chose not to do it, and why uh, this this uh, attorney is actually uh, a better choice for doing this than me. So uh, 
when we do that segment. It's, it's not. Just, you know, I don't want to have like boring sponsor segments where we talk about some like really awful, boring thing. I, I think this is actually interesting and very needed in the poker world and very appropriate for this show since we always talk about scams and you know one guy scamming the other guy or or two people who can't agree on what you know, you know who owes what. So I, I think that's very relevant here. I was on the Stones live poker stream in Sacramento. Some of you watched me. Ah, uh, when was that? They I were, missed it. It wasn't that exciting. You you can go watch the archives of it. It's uh, what what day? What night? Was it was it? it was on Monday. Oh, the that's Hans, right. the Hanson kid right. was there. I was I was watching the the plants in my garden grow on Monday night. So <laughs> the, the Hanson kid the Hanson kid watched it. I heard about that. But but uh, yeah, you, I was on the Stones Live Poker Stream in Sacramento. I drove over four hundred miles each way to get there. I will talk about my experience there and something I did after. Which had nothing to do with poker. How how long did it take you to drive four hundred miles? Uh, it was actually more than four hundred. It was like four twenty, and it took me. Uh, I mean, four twenty, huh? Yeah, I know. No jokes about that. I as a clean show here. We're not gonna we're not gonna make drug references here. But uh, I I took about uh, probably six hours or so. God damn. Maybe a little bit less. <laughs> Five and a half to six. I I can put. On the, the list of things that I would drive six hours for, I mean, there are only a few things. And I'm not sure that a limit poker game is one of yeah, them. Yeah, well, I'll talk, I'll talk about why I did that. I was, I was, <laughs> I was questioning myself, but I, I did it anyway. How many, mi- how many hundred miles were you in the drive before it crossed your mind? Like, what the fuck am I doing? Uh, probably 200, like right in the middle. Two, right around 200? You're yeah, like, what but, am I doing? Well, yeah, I because be it, it's a point of no return then. Like, like, like uh, at, at that point, I might as well complete it. It's right yeah. in the middle. All right. Uh, Phil Helmuth, I think, feeling a bit threatened, has been mocking Fedor Holtz on Twitter and his uh, his tournament success because he's passed Helmuth in uh, in lifetime caches as far as uh, not number of caches but the amount cash. And Helmuth mocked him, and Negreanu got mad and responded. So we'll talk about the little uh, spat they have. Keep in mind the two of them are friends, so it, it wasn't that vicious of a spat. But uh, I thought it was an interesting discussion that was brought up. Well, in Northern California, you can enter the Matrix. That is the, conce- the Casino Matrix. That's a poker room in San Jose. And three players, three players were kicked out of Casino Matrix for going north, which some people don't know what that is. Going north means if you're playing in a no-limit game, you add to the table beyond the maximum buy-in. So Not uncommon. Three players did this who were regulars there. They got kicked out, and they moved their action over to B- Bay 101, causing some controversy. So we'll talk about that and whether Bay 101 or its players should be frustrated or outright outraged by this. Of course, we have another uh, Kate Hall being ridiculous story. Kate Hall is no. using – she's using a new – method to get attention. She's doing something to get attention I've never seen done before for the sake of getting attention. She's claiming that she's autistic. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, I, I've never Makes seen no that used... Effects, I, I've never seen that used to get attention before. I've never seen people say, like, look at me, I'm autistic, when they're probably really not autistic. Uh, really strange, but... Uh, We'll talk a bit about that. That's just I couldn't believe when I read sure that. Sure, she didn't spell artistic wrong. <laughs> you know? She actually posted a link to a, a pretty interesting article about 
autism in females, how it's underdiagnosed. Like I agreed with a lot of the article, but I just uh, I, I don't think just she's autistic. It's underdiagnosed doesn't mean that you have. It. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Insane. Okay. Uh, the PPA, the Poker Players Alliance, has posted an online survey, and they're considering now expanding to not just being the PPA, but maybe the PPDFSA, because they want to also become perhaps the lobbying arm for daily fantasy sports and their legal battles. So we'll talk about the survey. I'll, I'll even read you some parts of the survey and... We've... I'm going to make a, a bold prediction, Druff. What? That the, the PPA at some point also becomes the, the PPES. What would that be? Oh, I, I guarantee you that e-sports. this is yet another oh, e-sports? kind of organization that is going to straddle over into esports, yeah, hoping okay. hoping with all hope to get involved in that. Right. I, I think you're probably right. Yeah. We, there's been a lot of talk about fake news ever since Donald Trump coined the term. And now everything is accused of being fake news. But actual fake news was utilized to advertise the 888 Casino. A, a, a fake news story was put out there, a pretty outrageous one, that involved 888 Casino and uh, got some pe- people pretty angry. So we'll discuss what happened there. Now, if you know the answer to this one, don't reveal it in the chat room. And Calwatt, if you know the answer, don't reveal it. But I will ask you if you know without looking it up. But just don't say who it is. I can't just shout it out? No. You'll ruin the whole segment. You'll, you'll ruin the But sus- I've, I've, I've recently been diagnosed with Tourette's drug. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, much like Kate Hall, I found out later on in life that I actually have Tourette's. <laughs> that's, that's a good experience to just like, be really obnoxious on the show. Then I, I, can't, yeah. I can't even blame you. So the question is, which famous actor has two World Series of Poker final table appearances? I, j- I just found this out. Do you, you have any idea? Don't don't say. I believe I believe I know, okay. but I'm not sure. We'll we'll talk about that when we get to it. But yeah, the, a famous actor. I really mean a famous one that probably most just about every one of you has heard of. The only hint I'll give you is that if you're very young, you probably have not heard of this person. But if you're eh, probably 35 or older, you've almost surely heard of them. And they have two World Series of Poker final table appearances. And a fairly Any bracelets? deep and a, no, and a fairly deep main event cash as well. Hmm. Speaking of uh, gambling, Hawaii, which is one of the least gambling friendly states in the nation, probably uh, Hawaii and Utah are the they're, they're the two in the US that just really hate gambling. Hawaii is deciding to crack down upon the illegal gambling that is in existence in that state. So if you're playing poker in an underground room in Hawaii, watch out. They're probably coming for it. So we'll talk a bit about what they're doing there and why. Finally, editorial, which I have a feeling, Cal, why, you said you're sick again? Yeah, I got a, I think it's something from one of my kids. Now, people keep saying that. Well, I, I get a lot of colds. I think you get as many as I do. No, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I kind of had like nothing like major, but... Just not been feeling that great, you know. Okay. Little little bit stuffed up, but I, I took some Nyquil and I've got my cognac here. What could go wrong? Okay. Well, if uh, I have a feeling you may be gone by then because it'll be pretty late, especially Probably. where you are. But it's already getting <laughs> close to midnight where you are in, in New York. But uh, the editorial about the new health care bill, which is put forth by Republicans, why I feel it falls short yet again. Why I think it's a failure. Why I think this is yet uh, another stupid health care bill put forth that will not solve any of the problems 
and in some cases make the problems worse. And I, I just feel that none of the politicians understand what to do. None of them have any idea. So we'll talk about this new health care bill in the U.S. and why I feel it falls short again. That is at the end of the show. So if you're not from the U.S. and don't care, or if you are from the U.S. and don't care, then you can just turn it off then because there won't be much more. So that's the agenda tonight. And I want to just quickly jump into the lead topic about the Gardens Casino. This really bothered me, even though it had nothing to do with me. I, it didn't hurt me personally in any way. I didn't play it. I wasn't considering playing it. None of my friends are playing it. But it's a story much like Lock Poker, which again had nothing to do with me, which just really bothered me, and I wanted to get involved in exposing. Because I, I, sometimes when these stories come down, I picture myself if I was, if I was there. I picture how I would feel if I were a victim of it. And it gets me mad. And I don't like to see things like this happening in poker, especially by like semi-major card rooms in, in a big area like Los Angeles. This wasn't a tiny card room in the middle of nowhere. This is a Hawaiian Gardens, which is, is a growing casino that's actually attempting to compete with commerce in the L.A. area. So it used to be known as just Hawaiian Gardens, in the city of Hawaiian Gardens, which is kind of by Long Beach, California, which is southern L.A. County. Uh, it's definitely not the main poker room in the L.A. area. That would be Commerce. Uh, a lot of people have not been there. But for those... The Commerce or Hawaiian Gardens? Uh, Hawaiian Gardens. Well, it's in a kind of shitty area, isn't it? Well, they all are in kind of crappy areas. But yeah, the area is not very good. Well, this one is like... Out of the shitty areas, this is the shittiest, right? I, I don't know. There's there's some that are pretty bad, like that Normandy that had its trouble. That was in a horrible area. And uh, even the Hustler isn't in a very good area. Commerce isn't that good of an area. I, I don't know which is the worst of them. Hawaiian Gardens is not a very good area. I'll acknowledge that. Uh, the, the bottom line is you have to be careful in the parking lot in all these places. And they just recently spent a ton of money revamping right, it. Right, right. So, so let me give you a little yeah. bit of background on Hawaiian Gardens, and then we'll talk about what's happened here. In, in 2016, they were plagued by something that has been going on with some a number of Valley card rooms. Apparently not commerce, or at least commerce hasn't been caught for it yet. But uh, something has been happening that the bike was busted for in April, and Hawaiian Gardens uh, got in trouble for in July of 2016, was the allowance of money laundering. And when I say the allowance, I don't mean that they were laundering money. I mean that customers there were laundering money, and they looked the other way. For whatever reason, I don't know if these were regular players or new regular players, or or, uh, or or maybe they were tipping the floor men. Whatever it was, lots of money was changing hands. There was a, a lot of cash transactions there that were supposed to be. There's no way we could say they didn't know, right? Right, right. No way. And the, in fact, they were warned as early as 2011 that their procedures to keep track of and get the identity of those making large cash transactions was inadequate. They were warned in 2011 and 2013 and still did nothing. So they just, they just let it keep happening. Why, I'm not exactly sure. They must have, someone there must have felt that. somewhere. Yeah, it's either kickbacks <laughs> or, or maybe these were people who actually played there sometimes. They wanted to keep them happy. I, I don't know what, you know, like it's possible someone came there, dumped some money as a big fish, and said, oh, you know, by the way, I want to do these transactions. I don't know what way it happened. I, I never really looked into it. I don't know if it was publicized at that detail. Uh, from what uh, I, I can pretty much guarantee you, someone's palm got greased. That's somewhere. what I, that's what you I know? think. It was probably something like and that. And it may be a combination of all these things. Like, too, for right? example, a woman named Michelle, and I wonder if it was the Michelle who appeared on here at you know, Kilgore Trout last week. But uh, 
a woman named Michelle came to Hawaiian Gardens and made like massive cash transactions. I don't know how big, but uh, like like on they they had suspicious activity reports on her, which they're supposed to file uh, on on several different occasions, like five or six occasions, or maybe even more than that. And yet they never had her full name. She just called herself Michelle, and that was enough for them. Like they they filled out the report of the suspicious activity, but they're like, you know, like who did it? Uh, Michelle did it. <laughs> that was that was what they submitted. So obviously, well, maybe the, she was like Prince, you know. Where she didn't <laughs> just we just went by one name. Maybe she could t- change her name to a symbol. She's like, like or even a symbol, yeah, yeah. The, the, like a do- yeah, well, a dollar sign. Yeah, yeah. the dollar sign <laughs> made these transactions. Yeah, so yeah, so th- things like that were happening there. And in 2016, they got in some trouble for this, and. In early 2017, because of the trouble they had with the feds involving the uh, the poor handling of keeping track of the of the transactions of the large cash transactions. By the way, for we those actually you, we actually call that just looking the other way. Yeah, for for, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, the, the federal government requires this. Just not not just casinos, but any business. Any time ten thousand dollars or more in cash changes hands, whether you buy in for 10000 cash or whether you uh, whether you cash out for 10000 Maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's 10001 I'm not sure if it's 10000 or 10001 It's not really important. But they have to fill out what's called a CTR, which is called a uh, cash transaction report. And that's just basically telling the federal government that you're doing this, and this, way, this is a way for the government to keep track of large cash transactions to prevent money laundering. And Casinos are a common place that money is laundered, so they're very concerned about that. And I think recently people have been choosing under the radar poker rooms to do this. So the bike got in trouble in in April. Hawaiian Gardens got in trouble in in July. And and even if you don't do ten thousand, let's say you keep doing nine thousand over and over, they're still supposed to because they're supposed to keep track of how much you do in 24 hours. You can't do the trick of, oh, I got like 9,000, then five minutes later, I'd like 9,000 again. I'd like 9,000 again. You can't do that. In fact, even if you don't do it in the 24 hours, if you just show up every single day and cash out 9,000, they're supposed to recognize you and then fill out what's called a suspicious activity report and secretly report you to the government that you keep showing up to get 9,000. And and doing that is a crime. If you try to avoid the filling out the CTR forms by just getting 9,000, 8,000 over and over and over again in a short period of time, that can be called structuring. That can also be a crime. But so, so it's up yeah, to the, the average casino can't even run a fucking poker tournament right. Yeah. So. Like, let alone keep track of someone who's coming back. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah so, well, I'll, I'll tell you, like, commerce is very poor at this. Commerce, they, you just walk up there, uh, whatever you want to cash out as long as it's not more than 10,000, they just give to you. They don't, they don't ask any questions. Uh, yeah. The casinos in Vegas are, are much more diligent about this, I noticed. But but in commerce, like anything less than ten thousand, they don't they they don't even look who you are. They just okay, here you go. <laughs> so uh, I'm surprised that number hasn't gone up over the years, like to coincide with inflation or something. They they never do. It's that. been ten thousand for as long as I can remember. Yeah, they, they never seem to do that. Same with the 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 requirement of you hit a, a slot machine payout of more than twelve hundred. They they haven't changed that in just, ages. Yeah, you know, I mean. Same with the hundred dollar bill. Seems a little weird, but okay. The hundred dollar bill has been the highest bill for a long time, and they're not uh, changing that, even though it's worth less than twenty was in the early seventies. Well, that's a different different matter. I mean, they they in theory want to do that to help with counterfeiting. They don't want to make it easy to lose to move large amounts of money. Yeah. So, anyway, back to Hawaiian Garden. So, they almost lost their license in 
early uh, 2017. The, the state of California was reviewing whether they should keep their license because of what they did. However, at the same time, they, they took a gamble, even while their license was in potential jeopardy, and put $90 million, $90 million into renovating the place. They basically changed it from a crappy tent-like uh, structure, a very uh, ghetto-looking room, to a, to a real poker room, to, to a decent place, a decent-looking place. Obviously, $90 million will get you a lot. So they, they put $90 million into it, even thinking that perhaps their license could go away. So their license, which, which expires like in late 2018, what I meant by go away, the state was considering revoking it. But it, it didn't happen, obviously, because they're still in business here in September of 2017. And it looks like they've squeaked past that situation from last year. So, and, and by the way, the city of Hawaiian Gardens, which is a small city, they depend on a lot of that revenue. So much that the city had to assure people that if, if the casino lost its revenue, if the casino lost its license and could not uh, contribute tax revenue to the city of Hawaiian Gardens anymore, that the city would survive. They were the, People were actually afraid the city would not even survive without that uh, the casino there. They got so dependent on it. So they changed the name at some point from Hawaiian Gardens to Gardens Casino, I think because Hawaiian Gardens had a bad connotation because a lot of people knew it was not in a, in a good neighborhood. I think we lost Calawat from... No, uh, you got him back. Got you back, okay. So that's the background on the place. Uh, I've gambled there once in my life. A long time ago I played there when it was the tent. So I have not been to the new Hawaiian Garden since the renovation. Uh, I, I really have very little experience there personally. However, uh, a poster on our forum and listener to the radio show who goes by Joe D. He gave a nice report on the thread I created on the scam scandals and shadiness forum about what's going on here. And he really likes it there. So there's some good things about the place, apparently. But this tournament we're going to talk about is not one of them. So with their renovation, they put all this money into it because they are attempting to compete with Commerce. Commerce is the biggest card room in the world. There is no bigger poker room in the world than Commerce Casino. Yeah, first time I went out there, I was amazed. <laughs> it really is like walking into a uh, a football stadium. Yeah, there's there's you know? two very large rooms full of poker, and then upstairs a, a tournament area. So I mean, it yeah. just it's it's massive. So they they're trying to compete with Commerce to take away some some of their action, and uh, they say they put all this money into it. They weren't happy just being the, the side poker room for, for locals in the, in the Long Beach area. And the, one of the things they've been doing is trying to run some substantial tournaments. So they actually ran one, I think, last year or, or earlier this year. They, they ran one before, which went fairly well, but it was associated with WPT and managed by WPT. So the, the chances of something going wrong was not very high because uh, the WPT was involved. And they obviously have a ton of experience. And they have a ton of say in what goes on. But this series, I believe, is the first one, the first major series they're running on their own over there. And they, they didn't bring in that. Uh, what was that? That shitty company that <laughs> that they couldn't even pay the payouts. Oh, the, the PPC Aruba. The, yeah, that's it. Well, it's fine. They didn't bring them in as consultants. No, but there's a bit of a connection, to, which I'll get to in a second. Oh a, my a, a God. small connection. Of course, not, there. Of course, there. Not is. not to the people, not to the perpetrators, but to someone involved in that story. There's a bit of a connection. So. 
This is called the uh, the Gardens Poker Classic, the seventh annual Gardens Poker Classic, which means it's it's taken place before. But uh, I, I don't know in previous years if it had a guarantee. But this year, the Gardens Poker Classic had a guarantee for its main event, which began on uh, September 16th. And the guarantee was... One million dollars. Million dollar guarantee. And there were 14 scheduled starting flights. Two per day starting September 16th. And... It'd be 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, 20, 21st, 22nd. Seven days, two starting flights, one at 11, one at 3. And those 14 day one flights would then combine into a single day two, which would be on September 23rd, which would be tomorrow. And then day three would be the final table on Sunday, September 24th which would be shown on both CBS Sports and streamed live on Poker Night America. So you can still see the original structure sheet. If you go I to poker- thought it was going to be a, yet another pay video on Poker Go. <laughs> poker Go is probably happy that they didn't touch this one. So if, if you go to Poker Fraud Alert in the Scams and Scandals of Shade in his forum and take a look at the Gardens Casino thread that I started you can see I, I put a link to the structure sheet where it still lists the original schedule and all the other information. Now, let me tell you a bit about guarantees in case some of you don't know. A guarantee simply means that that is the guaranteed prize pool. No matter how many people enter, that's the minimum guaranteed prize pool. Now, if, if a lot of people enter and it, it breaks the guarantee, then it'll be more than that. But the saying there's a million-dollar guarantee means that there cannot be a prize pool less than $1 million, no matter how few entrants they get. So, uh, Ralph, I've been around the poker world for a while, and what I've learned is that guarantee doesn't mean that that is actually going to be guaranteed. Guarantee just means that we're printing this on our marketing literature. I, I learned that from <laughs> Hard Rock and any number of other tournaments, so I, I don't know about the information that you're talking about there. <laughs> well, that's what it's supposed to mean. And unfortunately, some shady casinos find ways to worm out of these guarantees when the number of entrants falls short of meeting it. Because what happens if it falls short? Well, then the casino has to cover the rest, and that's called an overlay. So if, let me just give you a, a very simple example. If, if it's a $1,000 buy-in, and there's a million-dollar guarantee, and they get 900 entrants, then they've collected $900,000, but there's a million-dollar guarantee, so where does the other 100 come from? Obviously, it comes from the casino, and they don't like that. Then they lose money on the whole thing. So that's called an overlay. Whenever, there's a, whenever it doesn't uh, get to the guarantee from the number of entrants and the casino has to put uh, in its own money. It's called an overlay, Druff. It's called a layoff. Because whenever the guarantee isn't met, someone loses their job. <laughs> guarantee. <laughs> yeah, that's the guarantee. Someone loses their job. Mm-hmm. So, well, actually, it, it's funny you mentioned that because that has a little part in the story, too. But we'll get to that a little bit later. So... That's, that's the way the guarantees work and the overlays work. And when people hear of a guarantee, there are a number of players who say, hey, I have a feeling this may not make the guarantee, and they play with the belief that it won't. Now, sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes you think sometimes as a player, which, of course, you, you wanted to not meet the guarantee because that makes it a uh, much more positive expectation for you. In fact, if you're an exact break-even player and then you play in a tournament with an overlay, you become positive expectation in that tournament. 
even if you're a slightly losing player, you can become positive expectation if there's an overlay. So if you think there's an overlay, and or you think there's going to be one, you, you can never know for sure, but you think there's going to be one, and you go and play it, then you know, you're taking the chance, of course, that there may not be one, but if there is one, then you can benefit from it a lot. So a number of people come and play those guaranteed tournaments, number one, with the hope that there's an overlay, and number two, just because the, the guarantee makes it a, a, a big prize pool that they're happy to play in. So it's very... Yeah, that's imp- what a lot of uh, guys that I know that play for a living were getting all hyped up about the uh, the guarantees that they did down in the Hard Rock down in Florida. Right, right. And in fact, they, they fell short one of the times, and they, they did cover it. I'll give them credit for that. So that's, that's why... Uh, so a lot of tournament players get very excited about these guaranteed tournaments, especially if it's ones they think may not make it. And a lot of people play for that reason. And so, so it's, it's a double-edged sword. The casino can benefit from a guaranteed tournament because it will attract more people. And often... I, I actually prefer the analogy that it's a double-ended dildo drop. <laughs> it fucks both ways, you know? <laughs> so it, 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 it really can. So if, if, the, if they get enough entrance to be higher than the guarantee, then the casino has benefited from it. And if they don't get past the guarantee and, and the casino has to put in its own money, then the players benefit. And that's that's the chance the casino takes by holding a guarantee tournament. If they don't want that to happen, if they're afraid of the overlay, then it's very simple. Don't hold a guarantee tournament. So let's get back to this one. Remember, there were 14 starting flights. And by the way, I see someone trying to call in. Uh, we're not taking calls during this segment here. So uh, uh, if you if, if you have some real relevance to the story, like if you played in it or something like that, uh, maybe we'll put you on text uh, 775-372-8355. Otherwise, uh, I don't want to be distracted with phone calls right now. But uh, there were 14 starting flights, two per day. They had completed 10 of them by the morning of September 21st, which was yesterday. And they realized something, that they were nowhere near on pace to make that million dollars. That they, it was going to be a big overlay. And they, they just were got to pay some people to start playing, right? So not what those Aruba guys did? <laughs> well, they were the well, it depends which Aruba guys. There was the UB Aruba tournament where they just uh used those uh super user accounts and just uh, cheated people to win seats and then handed them away. And then there was the uh the PPC Aruba more recently where they just didn't pay people who won. So but but this one they noticed 10 flights in out of the 14 that there was no way they were going to come close to, to meeting that guarantee and they were going to have to contribute a lot of their own money to it. So what did they do? They decided that they were going to add flights to it. They were going to add five more flights. And in order to add five more flights, what they were also going to do was... Delay day two by two days. Mm-hmm. Which is horrible for reasons I'll get into shortly. Horrible to do at both on both ends. It's horrible to add flights in the middle to a guaranteed tournament and horrible to delay day two for two days. But they did both and they announced it. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, honestly, the delaying the day two is probably the worst. Cause yeah, people that have made travel plans, right? And show. that happened. That happened. People who actually have made day sure. two were were said, "Crap, I have I have plans for September twenty fifth when it's supposed to be over the day before, and now that's just day two. 
So, I wonder if that was part of the plan. <laughs> like, hey, you know, some of these guys just won't come back. <laughs> That's the new overlay, or people who just can't come back because of the, the scheduling. So yeah. this is what they put on their website. Notice, new sessions have been added to event number two, one million guaranteed main event. And then they listed them all, and what they showed is they added a 6 p.m. flight, so a third flight on Friday the 22nd, which is playing right now. It's three hours in. Then they added two flights on Saturday the 23rd, tomorrow, and two flights on Sunday the 24th, and then moved day two to Monday the 25th, which had previously been slated to take place on Saturday the 23rd. And then the final table, of course, is also two days late on Tuesday the 26th now instead of the 24th. In addition, they are running more single-table satellites through Sunday the 24th and mega-satellites through Saturday the 23rd, and I guess they're having some drawings to to win seats as well, uh, also through Sunday the 24th. So they're doing all they can to get more people in this this event, so they're not going to fall short of that million dollars, and there will not be an overlay, or if there is, it's a more manageable one for them. Now, what's ridiculous oh, the, here... The Enron executives end up in casino management or yeah. something? What's ridiculous here is they, they just put $90 million into the place. So they're not broke. They came up with $90 million somehow. So to, to do all that, to try to compete with commerce and then pull something like this is, is unbelievable. That's a terrible business decision because it's not like this could, would break them. It's not like they, they can't afford this. They're, they're, I can almost guarantee you to do that work that they had done. I mean, it's almost inevitable that they got loans to do it um even if they had the money laying around it still sometimes is a wise strategy to uh take out a loan to do it and then you know hopefully that you make up uh the interest in the additional business that you're going to get from doing it yeah but they, they, if you're going to st- still if you're going to do something like that you have to have enough uh, operating capital to where something like this happens you you can't do this they i don't think they understood the bad publicity this is going to give them so they, they added those five flights, made, making it 19 starting flights instead of 14. And, of course, the delay of two days is horrible because people – something about a tournament is you always know when it ends. Barring a true emergency, like, like if a hurricane comes through, which obviously can't happen in Los Angeles. If a hurricane comes through, an earthquake, which I guess could happen in Los Angeles, some kind of actual disaster that cannot be foreseen, like an act of God. Nickelback comes to town and plays a concert. <laughs> when people so can't get there. Something terrible. Oh, I people can't get there. Everyone will be going to see Nickelback and clogging the, the roads. But some something that actually prevents the tournament from taking place. It has to be delayed. Okay, fine. You can't help that. But any other reason you know that the tournament's going to end when they say it will end. And that's that's something about tournaments. You can schedule around them. You can say, okay, the final table is on the 24th. I can leave on the 25th. I can leave town on the 25th. I know the tournament will be done. So that's what I some mean, people Charles, did. Even 14 starting flights was a lot, but 19 is ridiculous. Yeah. And for it, a tournament? Yeah. But, and and you, know, you know what really bothers me here is that they didn't just add five flights on uh, you know, before the whole thing started when some people came out there thinking it was 14. They did this in the middle. After 10 flights had already taken place, they yeah, added five more. Some people so, went, oh, fuck. Yeah. So some people, they, a lot of people already entered. A ton of people already entered and busted and said, hey, I would not have entered this if I knew there were 19 flights or if I knew they were going to add flights if they didn't make the guarantee. Like that's, that's information people need to know before they decide if they want to spend money on this. They, they changed the terms after 10 flights had played, which is insane. They also changed the day two after 10 flights had played. And there's the question, how are the t- people informed who made day two from those 10 flights that it's changed? And there were some people who have reported that they were not contacted in any way. Now, these people know from, from reading social media, but not everybody does. 
it should not be required that you read social media to know that the day two has changed. Yeah, now, it's not their responsibility to find that out. Yeah. And and I, you know, this is this really is like changing the rules of the game halfway through. Yeah, you know? I mean, it really is. You can't you can't do that. And there have been some tours that have been infamous for canceling guarantee tournaments or or just not honoring guarantees. The Partouche Poker Tour. I guess it's more the Pardouche Poker Tour. They, in yeah, France, I was going to say, what did you call me? They, 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 were, they were infamous for doing this. But, uh, you know, just canceling the tournament because you think it's not going to make the guarantee, that's very scummy, too. But that's not even as bad as this because at least it doesn't take place. At least no one, no one spent any money on the tournament. They may have spent money on traveling to get there and all that, and it's still really crappy, and I'm not defending it. But this is even worse because they actually let the tournament begin and play 10 flights. And then they changed it. Then they added five flights because they're like, ah, it didn't get close enough to the guarantee. Let's add some more. Let's add five more flights so we get closer. Who knows? They could even add more. <laughs> if it still doesn't get close enough, they could say, hey, you know what? We're going we're gonna to add uh, five more. They could, they could keep just delaying, delaying, delaying until they get their million dollars in, in, in buy-ins. It's insane. And, and the, there were people complaining on Twitter that they had other plans for the 25th and 26th that now they have the unenviable situation where they either have to just ditch their stack on day two or uh, or miss whatever they had planned. Someone who t- tweeted they had a vacation planned for the 25th. It's not fair to them. It's not fair because it's supposed to adhere to that schedule barring some kind of real emergency. And no, not making the, over, not making the guarantee and having to contribute money is not an emergency for the casino. <laughs> well, the casinos are so used to being the ones that always win money no matter what. They're probably just like, you know, hey, this can't happen. We can't do something where we actually lose. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, so when they do this, in case you're listening and still think that this isn't completely outrageous, when they do this, it completely ruins the concept of a guarantee. It it makes the whole guarantee a sham. They should not run guarantee tournaments if the guarantee does not mean anything. Because they know all they sold you was a guaranteed piece of shit. That's all it is, isn't it? Hey, if you want me to take a dump in a box and mark it guaranteed, I will. I got spare time. But for now, for your customer's sake, for your daughter's sake, you might want to think about buying a quality product from me. <laughs> so that, that, was the, uh, that was actually the, the tournament director of uh, Hawaiian Gardens. Could, couldn't hear it. Oh, that's too bad. I thought I thought I had your sound on. This is maybe because I had to call back. That's probably why. Okay. Well, anyway, I see someone's trying to call. Let me see if this person texted me. The person has an area code in that area, which also also makes me. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's throw him on here. I think I think it's uh, I think it's Ray Davis. Throw him on here. Ray Davis, is that you? Raymond Davis. So, so do you have something to add to this uh, situation with the uh, with the gardens? I think it's garbage. Yeah, it, it, I, I don't know. Who, I don't know who would make that decision, but it's pretty bad. Um, they they'll lose more by making that decision than they did by just playing off the guarantee. Um, I mean, and this this will actually set a precedent that they're going to lose a lot of people. Wait, hang on, Ray. I, I can't. I can't hear you. I can't hear you very well. You sound like you're in a tunnel. Are you in a tunnel? Can you hear me now? Yeah, much better. Much better. Okay. It's it, it's like now they're in damage control, but but the damage has been done. Uh, it, it's such a bad precedent for poker. I mean, you just can't have a guarantee, and then 
because you're going to miss it by 200, 300,000, whatever they were going to miss it by, decide to add some flights. What about the people who booked rooms for this specific tournament and did their scheduling, and they they know that they know the day that day two is now. You what about the people who made day two and got jobs, and this is the only flight they knew when the finals was. That's a, that's now a good point. Those people, they, people right, right, and that's a good point because the day two and three were on weekends. They're on Saturday and Sunday. So right. day, so and now day, you're going on weekday when people got jobs. Right. So someone and, and it, day one went far back enough to where you could have scheduled yourself to play only on weekends. You could have played the day one right. near, near the beginning, and then you could have played days two and three if you made them on the weekend as well and not missed any days of work. Again, right. now here you'll have to miss uh, a day of work on Monday and a day of work on Tuesday if you make the final table. And you could say, yeah. well, you could say well, the final table. Pe- what What about the people who can't miss work? Yeah. You know. Or, or that need this money, or or say if you booked a room and now your room is up, and now you can't get a room. Now you got to rebook, or you booked the flight. Now you got to change your flight because you know what day you was coming back on, or whatever. Yeah, there's you, right. You know? There's so many. There's so many it, different it, it ways to get screwed. It, yeah. Yeah, it makes it so inconvenient for the poker player that's bringing your casino business. You know. Yeah, and and, and I um, think they don't realize. I think they don't realize how much bad PR this is going to be, how much the word is going to get around. Everybody's hearing about this. This is uh, this is getting out quickly. Uh, that's why I've been pushing this very hard, and that's why I think everybody should, should uh, spread the word about this and say, unless... And there's only one way they can make it right at this point. There's only one way... One thing they can do, I've thought about it. I thought about, like, what can they do? Now that they've already done it, what can they do to make it right? And I, I said what they should do is be honest about the number of entries that were at the end of the flights that were scheduled. So at the end of the flight, the 3 p.m. flight today, was, which was the, supposed to be the last flight, see how much was there, and then add whatever the difference is between a million and that to the prize pool. So if they were whatever the overlay was supposed right. to be, add that anyway to the prize pool, no matter what it is. Then at that point, even though they've still delayed it by two days and made huge inconveniences for people, to at least saying, okay, we were wrong, and to show we were wrong, we're going to put back all the extra money that we were going to get out of this over, that we're going to put it right back there so we didn't gain from this and the players still gained from it. Then, like, their people will say, okay, they, they did the right thing at the end. But they're never going to do that. They're, they're just going to hope this goes away. I can tell. They're just going to, there's no way they're yeah. going to make this right. Yeah. And, and, and I'm surprised because I got, I, I got so much, I know Rusty, Rusty who runs the card room. I know him. I don't, this couldn't be his decision. This had to come from higher up. I know Rusty. For 18 years, it's no way would he make a decision like this. He's always for the players. I don't know if he's still there. I'm pretty sure. Last time I was there, he was there. So um, Rusty is one of the best in the business, and I can't see him uh, not fighting for the players and saying this is wrong. Yeah, well, I, I was hearing I, I that too. You, I promise you, this was from higher up. Yeah, I was hearing that too. I was hearing that the tournament director is, is a nice guy. The the staff is well, pretty nice there, and that and that they think that someone who who goes there a lot to post this Joe D on the site. He said he also thinks this came from upper management, and that the, right. definitely just smells like something that is a decision from an out of touch executive. Yes, you know, for mm-hmm. sure. And so, a lot of these guys that are, you know, the higher-ups really kind of are out of touch with what goes on there. 
Yeah. So, and, right. I, and I think I think they believed, even though I'm sure the tournament staff told them. I think that whoever made this decision really believed they could just sneak it by and say, "Oh, you know, we're just adding some flights. No big deal. Oh, extra satellites, extra, extra ways to win your way in. Great, great news, everyone." And I think they didn't understand how angry everyone would get from this, and that how awful this would look for the casino, which has spent so much money on these renovations, is trying so hard to compete oh, with yeah. commerce, and and now is is throwing a lot of this away. A lot of this p- potential goodwill, a lot of this uh, possibility of being a, a second good option or a third good option in in L.A. Aside from commerce and the bike, they uh, they're throwing a lot of that away by doing things like this. Nobody's going to trust them after this, especially. They, they, yeah, they were a solid number two. And, and, and commerce, by the way, last week commerce had an overlay of about a hundred thousand, and they they paid it. They just hundred and three thousand. Yeah, they paid it. They just they ate the hundred three thousand. And that was that. Yep. And, and that's even if it was more than one hundred three thousand, which I think this was going to be. And I'll I'll give you the numbers shortly from someone who went down there and checked. Uh, I th- I think that uh, you just have to do it if you're going to run a guaranteed tournament. You are taking a chance. You you are gambling. The right. casino's gambling at that point. If if you don't want to take that gamble, then do not run a guaranteed tournament. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it where. We're going to run a guaranteed tournament and get all the benefits of that, but if we don't meet the guarantee, we're going to pull really shady shenanigans to get out of it. You can't do that. If you if you think you're going to have to do that, then don't run a guaranteed tournament. It's that simple. You 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 know how many times the Venetian Casino has eaten guarantees? I I, I haven't really followed it, but I'm sure they have a lot of times. Uh, so many times throughout the years. I mean, throughout this last year, since I've been. Like going there, it's like my home, and they have eaten so many guarantees. Tommy Larosa and his staff, I mean, they don't even blink an eye. Yeah, they they just add the money, add the money. During the World Series, they almost they had a almost a three hundred thousand overlay, and they didn't blink an eye. Yeah, you and know? that's what you have to it's do. It's just so it gives your casino such a black eye, and people remember this. They do. That's people the problem. Remember this. This don't go away. I mean, it's, it, you look at the Real Grinders group, and it's six posts about this incident. There's just, just different people posted. Well, also, what are they going to do in the future? You're talking about almost 10,000 poker players. What, what are they going to do in the future when they run other guarantee tournaments? People are going to go, ah, oh, I don't want to play that. They're going to they're screw us again. Like, screw, screw the Hawaiian guards. We're not coming oh, yeah. back. They're going to screw us in some way. That, that, that people, that's going to be in people's minds, especially if they run guaranteed in the future. And even if they don't run guarantees in the future, still, people are going to go there feeling like, I don't trust them. I don't trust them to run this tournament fairly and honestly. I'm just going to stay away. I'm going to go to Commerce instead. That's what they're going to think. So, hey, Druff, I see an opportunity here. What is that? We, you know, you haven't done a prank call in a while. What do you think about an outraged Colonel Nigel Faberchamp calling the Hawaiian Gardens <laughs> and asking what he's going to do about his his flight back to England? Yeah, I was. Con- it's funny. It's hooked. funny you mentioned that. I was considering that. I, I hadn't announced it. Or I, you could have a pissed off Chico Loco. He's like, "What the fuck, man? <laughs> Why do you do this to me? You chuck me around, you know?" <laughs> okay, so so yeah, so we're gonna we'll we'll, we'll probably do something like that. Anyway, uh, Raven, uh, thanks thanks for calling in and giving your take here. We're gonna uh, complete the segment here and uh, and uh, thank you thank you for your uh, input here. I've got to give a shout out to uh, Back East Scott. Make sure you guys make the real grinder series. I'll, I'll meet all guarantees out of my own pocket. Okay. Are there guaranteed in the re- Are there guarantees in the real grinder series? Nope. Okay. Well, that, <laughs> n- now we understand why. Okay. Thank you, Raymond. Okay. Thanks. 
All right, it's Ray Davis here. It's perfect. The the perfect nexus. You know, Colonel the the Colonel has got a flight back booked back to England. It's already booked. It's an international flight, and he's outraged that he's is going to have to rebook and recancel everything. Okay, well we, we might ha- we might have to do that before you finish this segment. Let, or let me, Chico Loco could just go loco. Let, let me yeah. let me read you what uh, Joe D said. Joe D is uh, he's. A listener to this show and also posts on the forum sometimes. He goes to Hawaiian Gardens, and he said that this is where he learned to play live tournaments about 13 years ago. So it's close to his heart. This really makes him sad to watch this occur there. He said, the tournament director is a really nice guy, as are most of the staff, many of whom have been there since I started playing, some of whom I know and hang out with occasionally socially. The food is really good and used to be cheap until the recent renovations. I guess they raised the prices on the food. Uh, with with the renovation during the past few years, with an entire new Vegas-style casino as compared to their old tent-top tent card club, uh, they were trying to get out of the minors. They ran a successful WPT 500 tournament this May, but that was run and marketed by the WPT, as far as I can tell. They participated in a three-casino California championship last year that included the bike and commerce, but that was run and heavily marketed by uh, Mo Quantum Reload from the bike. The current tournament situation, though, was surrounded by some Poker Night in America cash games and appears to be run strictly by Hawaiian Gardens and its management. The outcome is very unfortunate, but not that surprising. The management has always seemed to me to be very cheap and always trying to cut corners, which appears to be confirmed in the news stories that have been posted regarding the feds and uh, money laundering supervision. For example, after they opened the new poker room and started to try to run larger tournaments, I suggested to the tournament director that they upgrade their website uh, to contain a blog, since most people like me like to know who has moved on in these multi-day tournaments, their chip counts, seat assignments for day two, etc. Something minimal that a high school kid could do at minimum wage, quite frankly. Uh, Of course... They didn't listen to me, and the lack of info still persists today. The day two return list I saw this morning for their current million-dollar guarantee, not posted anywhere, by the way, he actually went down and saw this, showed 83 entrants moving on to day two through Wednesday's heats. That is the ones that uh, finished as of uh, the end of the 20th. So again, there were the 10 flights done. There were 83 people moving on to day two. He says, since 8% move on, I calculate that as 1,038 total buy-ins. And at the $500 entry fee, that's $519,000. They were supposed to have four heats left, two on Thursday, two on Friday, which probably would have added another $250,000 at most to the prize pool, leaving an overlay of in the neighborhood of $250,000. By adding four more on Saturday and Sunday and rescheduling day two to Monday, under normal circumstances, they may have gotten close to the guarantee. However, it looked like to me that a very, there was a very small turnout this morning and my guess is that the turnout will be small this weekend due to the negative circumstances. So he's saying he, he was observing the, turn, the tournament uh, today. He, he, he went down there this morning, and he noticed very few people were playing the tournament. So he thinks that uh, they're not even going to benefit much from this. He thinks very few people are entering now that this has happened and everyone's pissed. Sure, because like you said earlier, you have no idea whether they're not just going to add another 10 <laughs> yeah. flights or postpone it another week. Yeah. You know? So they may, they may not even reach the, the goal of, of, of getting closer to the guarantee because people are, are just going to start boycotting it. Uh, he says, again, I blame management and not the tournament director and staff who are really good people. No doubt some heads are going to roll, and they may be lucky to keep their license due to recent uh, prior problems. Uh, I also think it's wrong to, to blame 
and drag Poker Night in America and or Matt Glance into this mess. I seriously doubt that any legitimate poker series will be affiliated themselves with uh, Hawaiian Gardens again for a while. So, uh, anyway. Here is... Let me talk about the Matt Glance thing and the P- Poker Night in America. What, what is Glance involved in this again? Somehow he's always involved in our stories this year. The poor bastard. People have been harassing him because of his affiliation with Poker Night in America, which is going to be streaming the final table and also ran some cash games from there. And people were saying to Matt Glantz, you always complain about injustices in poker and when the World Series does stupid things. You're always the first to come and complain when the players are getting screwed, except when it has to do with Poker Night in America, and then you keep your mouth shut. That's where people are complaining to him. And they said, look, Poker Night in America is being unethical. They should cancel their streaming of the final table. They should pull out completely and say F... Hawaiian Gardens and just quit the whole thing. And and they're contractually ma- they may not be able right. To so 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 they're mad at number one for Glance for not bashing Hawaiian Gardens here when he bashes everything else that that screws players. And then they're mad at Poker Night in America for still streaming this final table. So this is ridiculous. As you just said, this is something already in place. This isn't a matter of them deciding to come back next year or do other events with them. This is something already in place that they probably have some kind of contract. And if they just say, hey, we don't like the way you're running this tournament, uh, we're pulling out now and not streaming it, this could be a breach of contract and they could be liable for damages. So, Well, just like, remember Ty Stewart? Yeah. Remember when he, when he gave the, uh, the PPA or whatever the fuck they are, the, uh, the, the middle finger? The... the, you know, uh, the Sorry, what yeah, is the, G- the, the uh, GPI? Yeah, the Global Poker Index. The yeah. PP, PPI, whatever. Gave them the middle finger. I guarantee you that he wanted to do and say something like that for the past year. But he couldn't because they were con- contractually obligated. But as soon as their contract was up, you know, yeah. that's when he's able to actually do something. Right. So, so, and, and that's true for both what Matt Glantz can write about them and, and also what, uh, what he can do, what he and Poker Night in America can do. Right now, they, they can't just pull out because they don't like the way it's being run. They they probably have a contract. They probably could be successfully sued for pulling out here. And also, they're just the broadcaster. They're, they're not involved in running this. This is not a Poker Night in America tournament. They're just streaming it. They're streaming a tournament. They're just a broadcaster. It's, it's like ESPN streaming or, or broadcasting uh, a sports game. Even if one of the teams has done something unethical recently, you can't get mad at ESPN for broadcasting the game. And that's, to play the devil's advocate, though, Druff, isn't that kind of the same argument that Helmuth made regarding UB? You know, I'm just the face of the site. I don't know what the hell is going on. Well, first of all, he wasn't the face of the site. Well, he was the face. First of all, being the face of the site is different than just broadcasting them. And and, and second, uh, he, he was an owner there. And, and uh, you know, if, if you are the face of the site, that's a different story, especially the face of an illegal illegally operating online poker site where any kind of contract with them would not be void would not be valid in the US anyway to be enforced. Uh, right. Basically something like that you could bail out of any time and say hey this is illegal and you guys are stealing so goodbye. Like like there's no way they would be able to successfully sue him for that. And he didn't even well, You're claim- right because you're right that this is analogous to hiring a videographer to come in and and film something, mm-hmm. you know? And it's not like the uh, the Video, uh, the the television. I can't even speak tonight. It must be the Nyquil. But the the person who's televising, it's not up them to decide, you know, the quality of this thing or, or whatever. It's just they were hired to come in and do this. Yes. You know? So so and and also, as far as legality here, there's been some discussion of this, and this may be illegal 
but but kind of from the consumer protection standpoint, when I say illegal, no one's going to go to jail for this. It could be to where they could be civilly liable, to where they could be successfully sued for this in a class action suit. And by the way, there is some exploration of that already in possibly having that done. Uh, or maybe they can lose their license for this, or this can affect their license in some way. That's all possible. But um, this is not illegal to the point where companies working with them can just pull out and say, oh, we're not going to be part of this illegal enterprise. It's not like uh, it's not like they're uh, dealing drugs from there and <laughs> Poker Night in America says, okay, well, this is going on here. You guys just got uh, convicted of this. So we're, we're, we're bailing out. It's not right. like that. This is there just- are usually clauses like that in, in most contracts, but it's but like you said, this doesn't cross that line. It doesn't cross that yeah. line. So that's what they, they they have to do it. And why isn't Glance going around bashing them? Well, because Glance works for Poker Night in America, and they currently have a relationship for this uh, this series. And if he were to go out and just bash the hell out of them, then again, he or Poker Night in America could be liable for uh, for destroying the product here. Where whereas third parties who are who do not have a relationship with them, such as me cannot uh, be liable for this because all I'm coming out doing is uh, telling the truth about what happened and then giving my opinion, which is my right to do. But uh, if, if I had a contract with them to promote this and to broadcast this and then I go on Twitter and bash it and it fails because I bash it, or in part because I bash it, then that, you know, they could make claims against me. So that's, that's why it's very tough for someone like Matt Glantz that uh, he can't come out and say as much as he probably wants to. And but we also don't know. Like, we can assume what his opinion is, but maybe he just doesn't think it's that big of a well, deal. Well, actually, no. We, which we, I would disagree with, but... No, we, yeah. do, we do know what his opinion is, because he tweeted this. Oh, <laughs> He okay. tweeted, The Gardens Casino's decision to add flights to the Million Dollar Guarantees event is very disappointing to me personally. I am confident I've done all I can in private talks with Gardens Management. It is important to note, Poker Night in America is a production company that has no input whatsoever on management decisions at Gardens Casino. Poker Night in America is a good brand that continues to broaden the reach of poker, but in the end, Poker Night in America is a production company and does not make any decisions with regards to running any poker rooms. So that's about as far as he can go, I think, without, uh, you know, he didn't say they're they're scamming people, they're cheating people. He just said, I'm disappointed in their decision. It's disappointing personally. That was approved by the... uh Poker Night in America marketing department. Yeah, so that's uh, that, yeah. that's like he pretty much went as far as he can without really going overboard bashing them and really saying how unethical they are. He's just saying, you know, I'm disappointed with this. I, 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 I've tried to tell them not to. They're not listening to me. We don't have any power over this. We're just broadcasting it. Uh, sorry. So he's saying without directly saying it. I agree with all you. They're really being scummy here, but this is all I can say at the moment. So fine. I, wh- but again, like Ty Stewart's seemingly you know tame comments about the uh, ppi really was you know corporate translate corporate uh, speak translated really was pretty harsh you know mm-hmm. saying that you're you're disappointed in their decision you know from a, a corporate point of view is uh not exactly the most flattering thing oh yeah you know? yeah and and, and he, he's saying this because he's been taking a lot of heat including from Commerce Tournament Director Matt Savage, who has really jumped on this. He's jumped on Glance, and he's jumped on uh, bashing the Gardens. And, you know, the Gardens deserve to be bashed, but Savage, he is running tournaments at a competing casino. And, in fact, they have tournaments at the same time. I think for the first time in a, in a long time, they actually have tournaments, a major tournament series running together. These Not together, like, cooperatively, but it, competing with each other. So... I'm sure he's thrilled to watch this, and oh yeah, and because they're 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 trying to become 
competition for commerce, so he's glad to see them basically smacking themselves down, and he's trying to stomp them in the ground harder. And someone suggested that because commerce fell 103k short of the guarantee last week, and that they may not be very happy with Savage over there at Commerce for allowing that to happen, maybe this helps distract uh, Commerce's management from from that situation. Maybe this is well. Know. It also probably makes them realize that the decision that they made to just pay it was a really good right, one. right. They, he, Based he, on the he, amount of negative PR that they're getting, they yeah, should be very happy with them at the right. Moment. So that, right, so they, he can turn lemons into lemonade by saying, okay, yeah, we had to pay under three thousand, but now we can show off how we are ethical about it. And our up-and-coming competition is not. So that's why you should play at Commerce. And that's, that's why Savage is probably pushing this really hard. That's also just, you know, corporate 101 is when you see your competition's dick in the dirt, you stomp on it. Yeah. You know? But he's, he's also you know, stomping on, on Mac Lance and Poker Night in America, and I, I don't understand that. It's he's just stomping, a, on, stomping on Glance's junk, too? Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, it, it, it shouldn't be happening. That, that should be left out of it. I agree that Gardens, they deserve everything they get. Now, what, what can you do about this? I, don't, I doubt Garden is going to do anything to make this right. What you can do is you can report this to the California Gambling Control Commission, which may or may not do something about this, but the more reports they get, the better. Maybe they will look into this and say, hey, uh, we don't like this, and we're going to do something about it, maybe, maybe, especially because they may already be on thin ice. So uh, you can call, call them up. The licensing telephone number is 916-263-6292. That's 916-263-6292. And the main phone number is 916-263-0700. Now, if you forget those numbers and don't feel like rewinding it to hear those again, if you just go to cgcc.ca.gov, cgcc.ca.gov, you can go to their webpage, and you can just click on About Us, and then go to... Put it in uh, the show notes, man. Contact info. Uh, contact us. Yeah, I guess you can put it in the, in the uh, description on how to contact them. So so you can co- contact them and, and tell them about this. And if they, I think if they get enough complaints, they will look into it. Now, it, it's unclear if this is a violation of, of California gaming law. I don't think we've seen this tested before, but it, it might be. It really might be. And furthermore, what about a lawsuit? Well, Mac Verstandig is a lawyer who seems to like to get involved in poker-related matters. And he told Poker News that he's currently examining the situation and seeing if this violates consumer protection laws. And if he determines that it is, that uh, maybe he will file a lawsuit, like a class action suit against them. So he hasn't said he he is taking a case or is going to be suing them, but uh, he said he is looking at this very closely to possibly do so. And I hope I hope his findings are that they have violated some sort of consumer protection statute in, in uh, California, and, and I hope that uh, a lawsuit is uh, comes to pass against them and, and they lose. I, I hope that they get punished in some way. They, this, this just should not be happening. This should not be happening. And look, Glantz even said he tried to beg them not to do this. So it's not like they did it and didn't realize they were doing something wrong, and now it's too late, which of course it isn't. I mentioned they could just add, they could add on into the prize pool whatever the overlay would have been had they really stopped it, stopped the day once when they should have. But uh, they're not going to do that. 
I'd be shocked Ruff, if they we did. got a we got a question from the chat. Yeah. Uh, Brittany Brittany Grinder hmm. Brittany yeah. Griner's clip. Yeah. Says is uh, Matt Ver- Verstendick is he related to Amanda Stinkcum? <laughs> it's actually Do we not have any f- knowledge about. It's that? actually not Verstendick. It says Verstendig. Oh, it's not Verstendick. No, okay. it's Mac Verstendig. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's the situation. That's what's going on at this moment, and we, we people are playing right now. People are playing right now when they shouldn't be. the The six p.m. flight was added for today, and then there's two flights tomorrow and two flights Sunday. And I don't even know if, if all the day two people are going to be contacted. Some people have said they have not been contacted yet, even though they know day two is Monday. That uh, no one contacted to tell them they had to find out on their own. So that now, yes, I guess people can show up tomorrow and be told, "Hey, come back two days later." But that's a pain in the ass. That shouldn't even be happening. So that's that's really bad. The whole thing's really bad. So okay, um, I, I told the sponsor we're going to call him at nine thirty, and it's nine forty-seven right now. So uh, it's always nice to start off on a great note by making the sponsor wait. <laughs> That's probably why we probably why we have no sponsors except uh, this new one. But I have to give the people what they want. And what we're going to do here is we're going to make a call to Hawaiian Gardens. Nice. Now, Poker News said they haven't returned any calls. Like, so they, they're probably expecting calls about this, and they probably had angry phone calls already. So this is the problem with making these calls in these high-profile situations is that sometimes they're already ready for the outraged phone calls and they're not as responsive as we'd like. Yeah, for, but make they're it not ready. ready for Chico Loco. I guarantee you that. Okay. Well, we'll see. I haven't even decided who I'm going to be yet. Cardiff Casino Hawkins, Area Comer is speaking. Yeah. Can I split through that poker room here? Um, VIP room? Yeah. No, I want to speak to the tournament director or someone who, who run the, the tournaments you got here. Let me, let me speak to one of them. To the tournament? Yeah, the tournament area. Can, it, can, you, can I be over there? Yes, please. Oh. Hawaiian Garden. Oh. It's going to do my own hold music. Maybe they're just not answering the phone. Wouldn't be a bad strategy. <laughs> it's like, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Nobody touch it. They'll stop. They'll give up. Just let it keep ringing, guys. Don't touch it. Come on, man. This is bothering me. I don't want to hear that ringing. No, no. Don't touch it. Do not touch it. Touch it. What? They're going to keep letting it go like the like 25 ring. No, do not touch it. Do not touch it. Oh, come on. I'll just get rid of them. No. I said do not touch it. Let it keep ringing. They, they can't wait forever. No one lets it ring forever. No one. Oh, come on, man. It's been like, like 30 rings already. Let's just stop it. Let's just call it. Let's just, let's just pick it up and hang it up. No, then they're going to call back. They're going to call back if you do that. Tournament section, how can I help you? Yeah, is, is this is the tournament. Uh, I, I want. Can I talk to someone who's in charge here? 
Yeah, uh, he's actually not around right now. Oh man, let me let me tell you, man. I, I I'm very very pissed off about this. Okay, the fact that you guys you added all these these extra flights to this main event tournament you're doing here, it's it's really really mm-hmm. getting me real angry because uh, I I made the day two of the tournament and I thought it's going to be tomorrow and it's actually going to be on the Monday. Is that correct? Yes, man. You know something is going to happen. Okay, I got the problem with my green card. They're going to be sending me back somewhere. All right, there's no point to talk about what is that about, but they're going to send me back on Monday. And I said, I still got time to answer the tournament because even if I win the tournament, it's over by Sunday. But on Monday, I won't even be in the country no more. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So why, why do they add these flights to the tournament? Why, why do they add the flights I mean, to the tournament? Was, that was, it, wasn't even, it wasn't even tournament staff. It was through management. So... I mean, there's, we can't really question that. So, so management, they say, we, we, we can't get the guarantee. We don't want to pay no money. So we're going to just like add, add flight to the tournament and make two days later because it, it, it screws me up, man. I can't, I can't even get there. I, they're going to have me on a, a, one of those buses that goes across the border. You know, I, I ain't going to be there no more. I thought, I thought maybe this is my, my ticket, you know, at least to having some money back there. Now I can't make it no yeah, more. I mean... So, so what, what, I, can, what can I do about this? You know, like, I, I make a day two, and I, I have a pretty good chip stack, and I, I think, you know, the people who make the, the day two, they don't look no good. You know, I, I think I'm better the player than they are, and I think, oh, maybe I win the whole thing, and it's a million-dollar guarantee, and now I can't play it no more. They're, they're going to take me away. It's no good, you know? I would not have entered. I knew it was going to be sending me back on, on the 25th, but uh, I, I entered because I knew it's over on the 24th. You know what I'm saying? Your phone's breaking out. I can't hear oh, anything man. right now. Man, I shouldn't have gotten Hello? one of these Obama phones, man. These Obama phones ain't no good. You know, they give it to me for free, but but the, the reception ain't no good. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay, so so what can I do about this if I cannot make the day two? Can they give me a refund? I don't think they'll give you a refund. Um, you can wait for Kevin to come back. Uh Maybe give him about 30 minutes. He should be back around over here. So what, what is the guy's name? Uh, you'll be talking to Kevin. Ke- Kevin. Okay. So, I, I, so he's the one who's the, the head honcho. He's the one in charge. He's the big cheese around there. Well, yeah, he would have all the answers for you. Okay, because at the very least, you know, I, I, if I cannot make the day two, at least to give me my buy-in back. You know, I cannot. Uh, it's not fair to me if I, if I cannot make the day two because they change everything of the, of the days of the tournament. I've never seen this before. Yeah, I mean, I can't answer that. That would have to be through management. Yeah, you know, I say, I say you know, in the streets, you know, you you just your word is is, is your bond. You know, it's it's it's, it's all you really have. I, I think maybe the, maybe the tournament. Uh, I, I think the, the casino should keep its word about the schedule. It's it's crazy. All right, I know this. I know this ain't your decision. I know this ain't your fault. So I ain't, I ain't gonna get mad at you. Okay. So I, I call back about the talk, talk to this uh, tournament director and see if he can give me my money back. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to be too harsh on her. Poor Chico Loco. He's, he's, getting, uh, he's getting sent back across the border. Uh, Chico Loco should have said, give me the fucking guy's name, the manager's fucking name who made this fucking decision, man. <laughs> I'll go down there and bust a cap in his ass, man. I was... Uh, I, 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 I couldn't be too mean. I just felt like... I just felt like that... Uh, since this... At least we got confirmation it was management, but I, I felt like... They must be taking so much. I, I know, but I, I just I wanted and, the extra. And, and what they're doing is they're leaving the poor people who need a job, you know, who are who are on the front lines, 
just to twist in the wind. Well, that's why I didn't want to be too mean. That's why I wanted to you be. You know what like, I mean? That's why like, I, I couldn't bring myself to do the whole like really angry Chico Loco because I, I, I didn't want them to suffer anymore for decisions they didn't make. So uh, I, I had to straddle the line between uh, radio. But how shitty is that? Like I knew it was going to be some out-of-touch exec that makes a decision. Yeah. And and now what they do is they just fuck everyone that works for them and let them deal with all the pissed off people and just they don't give a fuck. Okay. You know? Okay. It's terrible. I, I I should have I should have asked the uh I should have asked for the name I blew that one. Okay. So let, let's uh we'll have to follow this one and see what happens from here. I bet they're gonna just try to make it go away and hope it's forgotten about. But people are not gonna forget. As Raymond Davis said, People won't forget this, and especially when their next tournament series comes, even if they don't have a guarantee, people will rem- remember this and not want to play there. So this is really damaging to them. They should have just eaten whatever the guarantee was going to fall short and just chalked, chalked it up to an unsuccessful tournament series and said, okay, we screwed up, but uh, we we will move on and we will be known as an honorable casino instead of one that screws everyone. So uh, Trader Ruski, you're someone who never screws anyone. Welcome. What's happening, boys? That was kind of an insult, Ruff. <laughs> Depends Trader Ruski, you're someone who never screws anything. Depends what way you take it. Okay, so <laughs> okay. Trader Ruski, you came on just in time for, for our uh, our exciting uh, sponsorship segment, where we're going to actually have a sponsor on here. And uh, we are going to find out about the service that he provides, which I, I think is very useful. And hopefully he won't be too mad that we're calling him half an hour late. But uh, he's going to tell us all about his arbitration service because poker players are always getting into spats with one another involving money. And sometimes it comes down to not just someone's unwillingness to pay, but some people believe that they don't owe the money. Sometimes there, there's one side believes they don't owe it and one side believes they do owe it. And there's no one really there to make a decision of you know who's right and who's wrong, and people can post about it on forums, and people can give their opinions, but they you know they're always accused of being biased, or or they, or they don't know what they're talking about, or you know who are you to make this decision? So I, I've always thought that it would be very useful to have someone there that can be trusted to make these decisions, someone who is unbiased, someone who has the credentials to do so, someone who understands the poker world, and someone you could trust to where both parties would go to this person and, and they'd make this decision. In fact, I considered doing this myself. I considered that uh, I would I would uh, provide such a service, but for various reasons, I decided I, I wasn't going to volunteer for that. There was some things about it that I thought would be uh, unappealing to me. But I never even told people about this, uh, that I was considering offering this service for money. But... Uh, I decided for various reasons it's not something I wanted to do. But we're going to put on uh, our new sponsor here, who actually what? actually what? put... Yeah, hello. Uh, are you the new sponsor for Poker Fraud Alert? <laughs> yeah, hi, Todd. How are you doing? Hi. So so uh, can you please tell the name... Can you tell your name to the fine listeners of this radio show? Sure. Uh, Eric Ben-Samakon. Okay, I'm glad you said that. I, I couldn't pronounce your last name, so I didn't want to say it. That's why I had you say it. So I have a tough to pronounce last name too. So Eric uh, Bensamicon, is that it? Yeah. Okay. Good. It. Good. Okay. Very good. And so Eric, I've got good news for you. Since Druff is a half hour late, 
The sponsorship is half price. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> this guy does not speak for me. This I, I, I own Poker Fraudler 100%. This guy's not an employee. He, this is not binding. Okay. So, it's a great disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I've got to be careful talking to a lawyer. You can say, ah, your you're, you're employee, he promised me half price. So <laughs> anyway, uh, Eric found the show, was it like a few weeks ago? Yeah, uh, I listened to a couple other podcasts, and, and this show was name dropped, and the, you know the name was really intriguing. You know, Poker Fraud Alert. Oh my gosh, you know what's going on? And so I, I found it on uh, iTunes, you know, the the podcast version. I guess it comes out the next morning, and I downloaded the first couple episodes, and then I looked, and it was like six hours and thirteen minutes. I thought, no, this this guy be some kind of mistake. <laughs> right? It must be like sixty one minutes, not six hours and ten minutes. I can't be. Uh, so I, you know, I, I it just happened to be that day. I had a, a drive downtown to downtown LA for a court and there's a ton of traffic. So I put it on and I got through like the first hour and 45 minutes. I couldn't believe it. I was just, I was so engaged and I just, uh, since then I just keep listening. And so I get, it takes me about four days to get through the average episode. Um, but that just means I only have a day or two left to wait till the next one. Oh, good. So. Actually, you know, you know who does something like that is, is my girlfriend. That's how she listens. She listens to some each day and, uh, and eventually gets through the whole thing. So, Anyway, I'm always glad to have a new listener, and, and you contacted me and told me that uh, you know, what your idea was for uh, sponsoring the show, and I, I thought this was a great idea, and, and as I, I was saying before putting you on here, I, I had always thought that I was a good candidate to arbitrate when people had disputes with one another, and I, I see this come up all the time. I've, I've talked about so many of these over the course of this show, where one person owes another person, but then the second person doesn't really think he owes that much money or doesn't think he owes it all. And I've actually offered before, you know, oh, hey, I'll, I'll arbitrate if you want, but but you know, no one took me up on it. But I was really considering just putting it out there very strongly that I will do this for a fee if, if people want me to do it. But then I thought better of it. And the reason I thought better of it was that people would accuse me of having biases. I, I've been uh, very outspoken in, in poker for many years now. And, and I have strong opinions about certain people, about certain organizations. And I could just picture that if I made a decision that went against you know, what one of the two people wanted and went one person's way, not the other, that the second one will say, oh, it's because you don't like me. Oh, I'm friends with this person who you don't like. And they'd be so mad and they would accuse me uh, of some kind of bias or, or some kind of, some, you know, of screwing them in some way. And I decided I didn't want the hassle of it. I decided I did not want to be seen as someone who was screwing them. And I didn't want to deal with, with those accusations and that whole mess. So I said, it's just not worth it. I'm not going to bother with it. And even though I think it would be something that would be very useful for the poker world, even though I knew I could be a very good judge of that sort of thing, I, I just said, no. I, I just The fallout from making a decision that would be unliked by one of the two parties, I, it's something I didn't want. So I never even mentioned it. But you came to me, and, and you're an attorney, and you are, uh, you're licensed to practice in California and, and uh, federally. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you told me that you would actually like to do this, and I, I, when I heard this, I thought, this is a great idea, because an attorney is a perfect person to do this. Because an attorney is someone who is, you know, they're bound by an extra set of rules that the, extra, the average citizen is not, and... Uh, an attorney has certain ethics that they have to adhere to, and uh, so that's that's really the perfect person to to get for this. Except 
in a lot of cases, it would not be perfect because the attorney would not understand the issues uh, involving poker. If, if you're not experienced with poker, then it's hard to make a correct decision in a lot of these situations. So, so that's where most attorneys this, this would not be a good fit for this sort of thing. And then uh, a non-attorney person who is in poker, you have to worry about uh, is, is the person biased or, or is it someone who has the ability to really uh, look at these things fairly? Is it someone who, who knows the law well enough? So the reason I, I believe that Eric is, is the best of both worlds, and, and not just because he's offered to sponsor the show, because as you guys know, I hardly have any sponsors on the show. And, that's, and I, I get emails all the time from shady casinos and other things that want to give me money to advertise on the show or the site, and I just ignore them because I, I, I don't want to ever advertise something on here I don't believe in and that I wouldn't want to use myself. Uh, so the, the reason I thought this was so great is that Eric is actually a poker player too. And he's actually a limit hold'em player like me. And uh, you got pretty deep, like in a limit hold'em event at the World Series three years ago. Yeah, 2014, I, I, I finished 11th in the 1500 limit hold'em event. Now I think I think I cashed in that one like 66th or something. I think I just barely made it past the bubble. I think I remember that one. Uh, and I think that's like when I saw your name, I'm like, oh, I know that name, but I couldn't picture the face. And then I even Googled you, and I'm like. No, I don't really think I recognize this guy, but uh, I, I recognize the name. And so, did you ever like have like a massive amount of chips at some point? Because I, I must have seen your name on the list of people who were doing well when after I busted. Is, is that possible? Were you were you ever like the chip leader in that? <laughs> yeah, regretfully, I was uh, until I ran into a you know smaller set over bigger set, and uh, then Jeff Lissandra, who was actually playing in that tournament, he he was the one that ended up knocking me out. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, for a while I was chip leader in that in that event, and you know what I do is I, I only pick one event each summer in the World Series, and that's just the one I go play. And it, it can be it, they're random events depending on just my schedule and when I can get a few days out uh, to go. But they're always a limit event. I, I don't really like playing no limit tournaments. Um, so I played in a seven stud high low event one year. I played straight seven stud one year. I played limit hold'em, um, and then this last year I played the eight game mix. Uh, which, from an entertainment perspective, was a ton of fun. But uh, you know, I'm not nearly good enough to you know really understand all those games. But boy, I had a blast playing it, though. Oh, okay, yeah, I just looked it up by the way, and yes, that that is the one I remember. I I barely cashed in that one. I I once had a mountain of chips there. Um, I, I always seem to be like the chip leader in that event in mid to late day one. Like just always, that it seems to happen for me. And then uh, where it goes from there is, is variable. So on that one, I was the chip leader at one point. Then. I shot it all off by the end of the day. I, I came in with a short stack, then ran it up, then almost busted, then ran it back up. Then, anyway, I, I just barely made it past the bubble, like with with a, a tiny stack, and then got it in busted. So I was sixty sixth. I did cash. I see it on here, and I uh, scroll up and see you as eleventh uh, place. And Jeff Lasandra. Jeff, knocked- I'm trying. Uh, I'm trying not to interrupt here, but yes. I see a perfect opportunity. Yes, go ahead. Why don't you and Eric play heads up limit hold'em? Double or nothing on the sponsorship. <laughs> Whoever wins, you know. I mean, either either Eric's going to get a free sponsorship, or you're going to get twice as much for the sponsorship. What do you guys think? I mean, I, I don't want to put him on the spot. If, if he's willing to, I would. But uh... I, I I think it's more financially conducive for me just to send you half the cost next time, and uh, that way you're just going to come out ahead no matter what. Because I. I, I don't play nearly enough to really compete at that level. Uh, you know, I'm really just a recreational player. Um, although I go to commerce maybe once or twice a month, um, 
you know, I, I don't like going to other places. Uh, you were talking about the Hawaiian Gardens debacle and all that, but that was such a shithole to begin with. Yeah, it really um, was. <laughs> I, I, gotta be, I mean, I got to be honest. I mean, because I, I used to love playing 3060 stud, but I don't really see that game anymore at Commerce. So I'll, generally, I'll play 2040 or sometimes 4080, but almost always 2040 uh, when I go. So, the, you know, I, I think you probably have a much better chance of just cleaning my clock. So I'd rather just pay for the sponsorship. Okay. Save, save myself a few hours. Okay, so so getting back to this here, uh, so you this is someone you know, as I said in 2014 he got 11th in, in a limit hold'em event. He, he plays a number of different games, as you've heard. This is someone who who understands poker very well. This is someone who obviously has an interest in the poker community because he listens to a number of poker podcasts, which is how he found this one was by listening to another one and hearing this one mentioned, and then uh, um, listening to this one here, and then he he actually tolerates the the six hours i take on this one every week so so this is someone who who clearly understands poker and yet is also an attorney and uh if you think about who and yet he's not someone who's an insider in poker he he, like you don't have like close friends in poker do you no yeah so that's and, and that's what's perfect like you don't you don't want someone arbitrating it that has close friends in poker and the reason for this is because even if the person even the two people involved that that's arbitrating that are being arbitrated here even if they both you don't really know either of them then if if you're close friends with someone who they're close friends with that can already introduce a bias and and it's hard it's like the six degrees of separation or the it's very hard to know if the person who is uh is arbitrating who's who's part of the poker community is close to one of the two people in some way, even uh, through third parties. So this is really the best situation of someone who plays, under, plays poker, understands it, has an interest in the community and all the stories surrounding the community, really just understands the whole community, but is not an insider, is actually still an outsider to the community where they are not going to have any biases involving you know, the, the two parties that need something decided. So th- this is really, if I were looking for someone to arbitrate a, a dispute I was in, that's really, if someone told me that, oh, there's this attorney, you know, he plays poker, but he really doesn't know anyone in poker, but he understands everything very well, I'd say, perfect, that's exactly what we should do. Like, I, that's exactly what I would want. I wouldn't want to some guy in poker who's been around, I'd say, yeah, I, I don't know if he's going to be fair to me. That, that's what I'd say. And then uh, I, I wouldn't want someone who doesn't know poker. And, and and he's an attorney. Now I, I have a question of the the method you would use as far as uh, settling in, any kind of dispute. Would would you do this according to you know the letter of the law, or would you use more of a kind of, kind of a common sense approach of what just seems right to you, or or a combination of both? It's a, it's a really good question because first, in almost every state and jurisdiction, enforcement of gambling debts is not allowed. You can't use the judicial system to do that. So there really is no black-letter law other than, say, for example, basic contract law. So I, I give somebody money or I loan him money for something. This is the right now what's going on in Nevada with Matt Kirk and the uh, this guy Leon. Um, Student Kirk, whatever yeah. his name is. Yeah, Sue Kirk. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't pronounce it, but uh, but that's the argument. That's why that lawsuit, in my my opinion and analysis, is going to be successful. Is because essentially it's a loan. Uh, Matt Kirk loaned him money and then he chose to play. But in theory, he could have not played. He could have said, okay, you can lend me a million dollars and I'll pay you back and that'll be the end of it. So, you know, Matt Kirk is going to succeed in that lawsuit. But for almost other, for almost every other type of circumstance or, or situation where there's a dispute, you don't have the courts behind you. So you have two, two types of alternative dispute resolution. You have mediation and arbitration. 
And you can privately mediate or privately arbitrate anywhere within the, the country. You don't have to be, for example, as an attorney, I don't have to be licensed in every state if I brought in as a private mediator or an arbitrator. Mediation is where the person mediating acts as a third-party neutral and tries to bring each side closer to resolution and helps them settle matters, but it's done between themselves. The two parties come up with their own agreement, the mediator helps them enforce it, and sort of helps them see the light. But it's not binding. In other words, if people decide they don't want to settle, okay, they don't have to settle. That's the end of it. Arbitration is a little different in that you essentially agree, both parties agree that the arbitrator's decision is going to be binding. Uh, and in those situations, which is generally the one that works best in these types of gambling disputes or poker disputes, because both side, neither side comes to mediation thinking they're going to settle anything. They, they both think they're right, and then, you know, that's it. So the arbitrator essentially is given the decision-making power. So both sides sign a contract in an agreement allowing the arbitrator to make a decision. They agree to be bound by the decision. No ifs, ands, or buts. And then as an arbitrator, I take in all the facts, both written and, and oral, uh, if it's going to be testimony. So, for example... Uh, text messages and emails and anything in writing between the, the aggrieved parties, and I'll consider all that, the sources of it, you know, uh, look at any records of funds being transferred, which is difficult in poker. A lot of it's cash and chips just passing, you know, back and forth. You get a lot of disputes that are based on, you know, player and backer, um, things like that. So you really have to kind of understand the whole story and how the system works, and, and then you issue a decision. You issue a written decision, and uh, or I would say I would issue a written decision, and the two parties have previously agreed contractually to be bound by it, and that's it. And then, of course, if they don't uh, live up to it, if one side welches, then they call me back in, and then I come in to try to enforce it. And, and how would you enforce it at that point? Well, now you're, you've got two parties that have signed a written contract. And so at that point, you can actually then use the judicial system, say, for a breach of contract, because they enter into this agreement. I see. And so, the, the, and, and it's a fine line, because... I can't contract with you based on something illegal and then have the contract enforceable. When you, you had mentioned that before, and you're 100% right. But if you and I enter an, into an agreement, we're settling a dispute, even if the dispute is based on an illegality. That doesn't mean a settlement agreement's not enforceable. Interesting. Because we're no longer suing each other over that. Yeah. We already yeah. resolved it. So, so here's, here's another question. Let, let's say there were uh, two people in a dispute, and... Um, one of the two was afraid that uh, the second person, you know, who owes the money, if they lose the arbitration, is just going to fly the coop and not pay and, and, and not even care about any legal action against them. So, but but they're agreeing to the arbitration, and and the first person manages to get the second person to agree to uh, put the money up in escrow in some way while the t- decision is being made. And so, would you have a mechanism to, to get that done for uh, you know to escrow some money based upon the decision if that was what both people yeah. wanted? Yeah, that's part of it uh, as well, depending on the figure, of course, because not everybody may necessarily have the amount necessary at the time. But uh, I have an attorney-client trust account. You know, it's regulated by the State Bar of California, um, so it's insured. Um, but so, yeah, I, I would hold funds in trust, similar to the, way the, to, way, to the way an escrow company would hold funds. And upon the issuance of the decision, uh, within 48 hours, I would then wire the funds or send a check or however the party, you know, the, the victorious party wants it. Um, I would wire them the money. Oh, that's, that's really sides, interesting. So, so it would actually and be and in... both sides have to agree. You know, they sign the, the the arbitration agreement ahead of time, authorizing me to do that. So, so it'd be actually an escrow account that's actually regulated by the state of California. So they would really know the money is totally safe. That uh, there's the, once it's put there, that uh, it's actually regulated by the state, and that they know it's it's uh, it's not going to disappear anywhere. Not not that I think you would steal it, but that it's, it's an extra assurance to them if they don't know you very well that. 
the money's not going to go anywhere. That's right. Well, in the state bar, not just for California, but every state has a compensation fund should an attorney abscond with money or, or cheat a client or do something like that. Mm. Not that that would necessarily, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's like, okay, you can all just worry about that, and, you know, put a claim into the fund, but uh, just in general, that's a, just an added assurance. So it's a regulated account, it's insured, and there is a state bar-sponsored fund in the event that somebody is ripped off by an attorney, any attorney. See, I, I didn't even know that. So that's, that's that's an added benefit. That's an added benefit that the person holding the money in the middle, because I thought of this too, if, as far as... Uh, volunteering to do this myself, I was thinking that in some cases I would say, look, there's no point to even do this unless I know the money's up front because you know, if I come up with a decision, the if the side that is said to owe the money doesn't like it, they just won't pay. So like I was thinking, oh, I could hold money I could hold money in escrow while it's being decided, but uh, then I, I was worried people would say, okay, well, how can we trust you? And I can claim, oh, well, I'm not, I, I, I don't need the money. I, I, I'm, I'm not in financial difficulty now, but you know, a lot of people lie about that t- sort of thing. So uh, I, I thought there could be some lack of trust there from people who don't know me that well. So I, I, this is a much better situation where they don't have to, they don't even have to trust you on that front as far as the money that it's, it's uh, guaranteed by the state of California. So that's something I didn't even know until just now when you said it. So uh, anyway, so I can give you, and I can give you actually two examples of uh, recent arbitrations that I conducted. One was uh, a situation where it was a player and a backer, and they essentially uh, the dispute dealt with the manner in which funds are tracked. So imagine two competing spreadsheets, and the player who's being backed says, "Well, I cashed here, I cashed there for this much, and you funded me that much for a buy-in." And you know the backer is trying to say, "Well, wait a minute, what about the twelve other tournaments before that?" And you've got some makeup to do, and you know, and they had this big dispute, and so I. I resolved it for them uh, through the arbitration system. So they both agreed that whatever my decision was going to be would be final. But what they didn't want is they didn't want this to become like a big thing. So I had the boss both sign confidentiality agreements ahead of time. And in the confidentiality agreement, there was a provision that should one party uh, speak to any kind of media or disparage the other party, that they would have to refund back no matter what. Like both sides would have to pay in the event that either one broke their confidentiality agreement. Hmm. So... You know, so there. So I, I bring that up because there are other protections that we can build into these agreements. Because I think what people might be concerned about. I mean, guys like uh, Zohair. Uh, what, I don't think he yeah. gives a shit anymore. Yeah, he doesn't. Right, right? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's not going to be a guy that even has the money left to put up an escrow. So I'm not. You know, but there's always there are always the situations where people don't want their names or reputations disparaged. They don't want to be thought of as welchers uh, or backers that don't actually back their players or whatever it is. And so these types of situations could become ugly. Uh, so if they go the process of dispute resolution through arbitration and mediation, everything can be kept confidential. Money can be tied to remaining confidential. Um, and a lot of a lot of disputes I've handled, all you know, they've all wanted that and they all appreciated that. And of course, as an attorney, even working as an arbitrator in this case, but even as an attorney, I'm bound to confidentiality anyway. Yeah. That, that's that's very good. So, so you've—I was going to ask you. So you, you've done this before. This isn't you just. This is not just an idea you've come up with. Oh, this seems like a good idea. You've done it before and and, and successfully uh, arbitrated some some of these disputes. And uh, so you already have experience in doing this. Yeah, I've done five or six. It started with word of mouth. Um, I started. I, I just I handled one dispute amongst two people that were actually friends as part of a home game. Um, but you know the people I play with are all professionals, and so this guy recommended me to this guy, and you know it's been word of mouth like that. So I've done four or five of them, and I hadn't really started thinking about charging for it yet until the most recent one, and that took like seven hours to get done. I thought, you know what, 
if I'm going to put seven or eight hours into this and then draft the agreement and all that, I, I got to start charging. Well, yeah, especially so, if, especially if you're doing this for for strangers, which is uh, the best situation because there's no bias. Then uh, you know you are putting a lot of your time and effort and also your expertise as an attorney into this. So of, of course you deserve to get paid for this. this isn't this isn't your responsibility to do? It's not like you're doing it for for uh, for friends or something. This is a uh, it, it totally makes sense to be charging for this, and, and and I can already see, and I think the listeners can understand all the different additional protections you would get and the different expertise you would get that uh, to have an attorney doing this rather than just having some uh, some poker play you you trust to be a middleman. Which which there, there's so many things that you've already mentioned here that that the players on both sides would gain from from having this handled by a professional and one who understands all the issues and uh that's 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 why i was so happy to have you as a sponsor not just to finally get a little closer to not losing money on this every year but uh but also to i i actually thought that this would be something that people could use and i I don't know how many listeners of ours get into these disputes but uh i i honestly think this is a great idea i honestly think this is exactly who you should go to if if you do have a, a dispute now if, if somebody has a dispute of some other nature that doesn't have to do with poker, will you take those as well? Well, yeah, I have a general law practice. If they're if they're in California um, or if they're uh, a federal court issue, I can handle it. But what about like like an arbitration sure. dispute that doesn't have to do with poker? Would we do that as well? Yeah, I've done I've done uh, several dozen mediations and arbitrations that have nothing to do with poker. Uh, you know, family law issues or contract disputes. You know, I've gone to mediations for employment. Uh, employment-related disputes, uh, harassment claims, things like that. Yeah, um, I've been I've been practicing for almost a decade, so I've got I've done a bunch of stuff. Yeah, and and I want to say here, in case anyone here needs such a thing, and and you're thinking, well, you know, should I go to this guy or uh, or somebody else? Uh, you know, the show, as everybody knows, uh, does not make money. The site doesn't make money. I don't really make it much of an attempt to make money, which is why it loses. I I I, I could actually make money here if I took certain ads that I, I wouldn't be very proud of taking. Or maybe I can even make money by aggressively contacting more legitimate companies and try to get some on here. But uh, if, if you enjoy the show and if you want to support the show, and then uh, one thing you could do is when we have a sponsor like this, and if you need the services that they're providing, then then use them because not only make them come back, but uh, it also helps someone who who has put money to help the site here. And and this is someone who's you know putting up money to. Sponsor Poker Fraud Alert after just listening to a few episodes. So, uh, so I appreciate that very much, and and I think that this is something that people could use. And yes, a lot of a lot of people will never be in this situation. A lot of people will not have the need for mediation or arbitration here, but uh, I, I think some will. And I, I I can't imagine a better choice for this. And you, you really have the the sweet spot here with with someone who understands it all, is an attorney, and would be unbiased because they basically don't know anyone from poker. So that's a, that's a, that's about as good as you can get here. I, I cannot think of a better person to hire for this sort of thing. So uh, so how many episodes have you heard of this show so far? Uh, five so far, and I have a bunch downloaded that I just haven't gotten through yet because once I subscribed, you know, I download a bunch of them. Um, but I've gotten through like five. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's such an important show. I mean, I, you know, I, I think all your listeners should know that I, I'm the one to reach out to you. You know, nobody, you didn't come looking for sponsorships. Um, and I did so because, uh, I was immediately intrigued with the content and it's such an important area that a lot of other podcasts and shows don't address, but it's, but it, but they should. 
because there's a seedy underbelly to a lot of what goes on in the in the gaming world in the poker world and people need to be advised of it people need to know where to go where not to go what to look for i mean the thing with hawaiian gardens may not seem like a big deal to a, a typical recreational guy like me like you know i ah, just show up and play a tournament with Alan, you know whatever happens but you know there are people that depend on on this this industry and this game to feed their families and and, and pay their bills you know and there's a there's a lot going on that i think you brought to the forefront and, and kudos to you uh for doing that and for for keeping this passion project going so i i really wanted to reach out and and help move the show along as well i just think it's really important well thank you i appreciate that and you know i, I as I'm sure you've heard from the show, there's, there's a lot of aspects of this show. We do uh, a lot of uh, crazy things here. We I just we just say what we want. We don't worry about who we piss off. But that you know, it's part of the whole kind of the free speech environment of this show. I, I like I like it just being real. I like it being. That's why it's not an edited show. It's a live show. We put up exactly the show that broadcasts live for those who listen in the archives. So uh, it's it's something that people can feel they're really hearing. Real actual opinions. They're, you're hearing uh, exactly what the host thinks or the hosts think, and that there's no uh, there's no phoniness. There's it's, it's, you're hearing the true opinions of the hosts, and there's no holding back. There's no fearing what sponsors are going to think, and there's no there's no BS involved. And that's what uh, I think attracts some people to the show. And that's why I always tell people if you have a story that you want to tell. You can bring it to me. If there's something that's happened to you in poker or gambling that's unfair that a company or an individual has done to you, then bring it to me. And either you can come on yourself and tell it, or if I uh, find enough evidence that this really occurred to where I, I feel comfortable discussing it myself, then, then I'll do it. So this, this is always an open place for people to air their, air their grievances or let people know about uh, shady companies or, or people that are they're screwing them in gambling and poker. And that, that I feel needs to be out there. And that's, that's why I've been doing this for, for so many years here and, it, and it's going to continue for the foreseeable future. So it's, it's always good to both find new listeners because we, you, you always lose listeners over time just for various reasons. Every show does. Even the most successful show in the world loses listeners every day. So you always have to get new listeners to replace the old ones. So I'm always happy to hear from a new listener like yourself and, uh, and of course, uh, anyone who wants to come forward and uh, sponsor the show, especially with something that I think is uh, necessary and good to have, I'm, I'm always happy to add here. So uh, is there anything else you'd like to let the listeners know? I know, of course, you have to let people know how to contact you. So uh, what's the best way to contact you? Uh, best way is just shoot me an email. It's uh, Eric. E R I C at E B law firm dot us. And even if your listeners just have general questions or they're just curious about a situation, just, you know, feel free to email me. I, I get back to everybody usually within a day or two. So that's, that's Eric at E B law firm dot us. That's it. Yeah. And, and by the way, if you guys are, uh, if you're saying, wait a minute, I only trust a Jewish lawyer. Well, I have good news. <laughs> the, the, the fellow Jew here on on the phone with me here. And in fact, he was he was concerned that uh, I, I gave him the wrong date. I was all confused. I was all thinking. I, my, my brain was just on going to Sacramento to play that uh, 100-200 game. So I was going to be changing the date to the radio. And for some reason, I thought the Friday show was going to be next Friday. And I said, oh, you can be on next Friday the 29th. He's like, oh, no, no, that's, that's Yom Kippur. And I was like, oops, I didn't know. I sounded like such a terrible Jew telling him we're going to do a show on Yom Kippur. But the truth was we weren't ever going to do a show on Yom Kippur. I was, I was confused that I, I had the show on the 22nd. That was what was scheduled the whole time. And, and then what happened after uh, 
I said it's going to be on the 22nd. I don't even think you saw this, but uh, I announced it on the forum that the show was going to be on Friday this week. And I told everybody that the show is going to be on Friday the 23rd. (laughs) So I had to clarify that it was actually Friday the 22nd. So anyway, we're we're not interfering with any of the Jewish high holidays. We uh, we didn't have a show in Rosh Hashanah. We actually waited two days here on on Friday the twenty second, and uh, the next show I, I'm not even sure. I I think it's going to be on Thursday, just because I don't want to do a show five days after this one. Just I, I feel we don't have enough to talk about in that time. I I like having my six hours of material, so uh, it'll be either Wednesday or Thursday, but probably Thursday next week, and then probably Wednesday the following week. But uh, uh, so it's Eric at eblawfirm.us and. In case you forget that, uh, I will post it in the thread of, of how to contact him. And also, uh, in future shows, I will uh, remind people about Eric and his law firm and uh, and the services that he provides. So just in case uh, you forget it and don't feel like searching it out, then uh, you'll hear it at the beginning and, and, and probably at some other point in, in the future shows that we do here. And uh, Eric, I, I thank you very much for uh, the sponsorship and for being a new listener here is there anything else you'd like to let the people know before i let you go just uh don't be uh shy or ashamed if you want to shoot me an email it'll all be confidential even the initial emails don't be embarrassed if you feel like something happened to you that you're you got scammed or something like that you know uh just send me an email and reach out and if there's something i can do to help i'd be happy to yeah that's a good point yeah it'll be confidential and yeah and i always tell the listeners here don't if you got scammed don't feel bad and what the scammers love the most they love secrets scammers love to where you keep it to yourself what happened to you so they can hit other people so uh um you know he's not going to judge you he's he's here to help and he's offering he's giving his email address out here uh go ahead and email him if you have questions or if, if something's happened to you you want to discuss and and he'll answer you and uh he's very responsive too when, I, when i've emailed him a lot here setting up the segment and when we're going to do this. And he, he was very quick in response here. So you'll uh, think you'll be happy with the response time. And that's also a good and, sign. And Ralph, I have a question before you let him go. Yes. What is that? My question is Eric, and thank you for sponsoring. Um, what would you recommend somebody in Chico Loco's situation do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I actually think that you may have good grounds for uh, requesting a refund from, from Hawaiian gardens. Um, you know, there's always going to be fine print in these tournaments where things are subject to change and it's going to be at their discretion anyway. Uh, but this is not a minor change. This is a pretty drastic one when they've increased that many flights and they've extended it by this many days. Especially given the, the guarantee, it's not unforeseeable to think that people came from out of town to participate. And so I think that for those people that are legitimately in a situation where they have travel plans or they're, they're in a, a flight booked back that they can't change or it's going to cost them, you know, an arm and a leg to change a flight uh, because they booked a regular ticket uh, in non-refundable ahead of time. Uh, I think that they have good grounds to get a refund. Now, if they played and they busted, no. But if they're still in like Chico, then yeah, I think they have grounds for that. And and what about, do you think that, uh, I know there's been some discussion by this other attorney that he's looking to see if this violated some consumer protections. Do you think there's any possible grounds that uh, a class action lawsuit or something could be done against them for this, or you think that's kind of uh, stretching it? I think that they're, they're very different things, having grounds to file and actually filing one. And so I think that one might actually get filed because it, it garners a lot of publicity and it puts a lot of pressure on Hawaiian guards to settle it out. 
Uh, I don't think, though, that there are going to be legitimate grounds, again, because everybody that enters the tournament impliedly uh, agrees to the terms and conditions set forth by the casino, and I have no doubt, even without having to read them, that one of those terms and conditions is that the tournament schedules are subject to change at at, the casino's discretion. So I think that a class action will probably be groundless in the end, but I do think individual players harmed by the casino actions could probably uh, get their money back. And I also think that social media pressure might make a difference. Oh, uh, yeah, clearly, I, I think so, too. Yeah, clearly Hawaiian Gardens has tried to uh, you know, change their image. I, much like you, I've played there, I think, once in like the last 12 or 15 years, and I just I got home and took a shower. I, I yeah, that's how, that's how I felt. Yeah, like, I, I, like, why am I going here? I could just go to Commerce or even The Hustler or something like that. It's nicer. Like, why, why would I even bother with this? <laughs> It's exactly. It was just a whim too. I was with a, just with a friend of mine. I said, "Hey, you know, why don't we go to this place? You've never been there before." Just mistake, ten times over. Um, but given that they tried to recently, you know, change their reputation and make themselves a bit more high end and cater to some of what I probably believe are higher limit players that often go to Commerce, because there really is no other place besides Commerce of the Bike where you can play any reasonable stake. Yeah. Um, at least not locally in Southern California. Well, they're, so, they're the hustlers uh, some, somewhat, but not as high. The Hustler somewhat yeah, has that, and, too. But. Yeah, there are a few other small ones, like the Players Club in Ventura, um, but that's all no limit, and they're, you know, I think 2-5 or 3-5 is probably their biggest game. So uh, I think that given enough social media pressure and enough bad press, I think that they will offer refunds again to these particular players that can prove that they had a flight booked or they had other plans or they came in specifically just for this event and they have somewhere else to be. Um, but they're not going to open the floodgates. So if you played and busted or you're local... Uh, uh, too bad. Yeah, that makes sense. It's it's good. That's another good reason to have a lawyer on here. <laughs> Get the uh, <laughs> lawyer's perspective of. I, I was wondering this when I heard this. I'm like, oh, this this got it. This has to be illegal in some way. And then I thought, you know what? I like I thought of it again. I go, you know what? They probably legally can get away with this. Maybe the regulators won't be happy about it, but uh, they, probably legally they can get away with it. So let's let's just like really really try to embarrass them on social media. I think that's the most powerful thing to do here. That's that's. Why I've been going because at this so the hard. The other option is they would have not done anything but been short, and then they really would have gotten in trouble. Yeah. So by doing this, I think this was the this was the better option for them. Yeah, uh, but but the I I think they could have afforded it. I don't think they they were flat broke to where they couldn't. I think they just didn't want to. I think that the number that they thought they were going to I thought they I think they were staring at hundreds of thousands. They were going to have to pay into this. And we're, the management was so upset about this, they just figured they could sneak this one by. But it, it just, to me, it just doesn't make sense to do a ninety million dollar renovation to try to compete with uh, the higher end rooms, and then do something like this and really handicap yourself from rising up. So uh, something like yeah, this can yeah, really. That's a really good point, also, because uh, the Hawaiian Gardens and Commerce—they're not like your typical Vegas casino where the poker room is small. And that only, you know, that doesn't really even make the casino money. You know, they take a small rake and they pay their dealers pretty much, and that's it. Uh, these places depend only on poker. Yeah. And maybe some of the California games with the no bus blackjack or whatever it is. Uh, but, God, I'm probably dating myself. I don't even know if they have that game anymore. But, um, you know, but the, the, these places like Hawaiian Gardens, they, they really rely on, on poker players. And you get enough of them that come in, especially when I'm out of town for a big tournament, what that does is it juices up the cash games like crazy. And so, all the rake that they're going to lose now. Uh, I, you're probably right. You know, they probably just should just cover the overlay and 
you know, live to fight another day. Yeah, and, and like all these casinos are not happy about uh, covering overlays, but sometimes they can turn into a positive. Like the, the Hard Rock, the Seminole Hard Rock, they had a huge overlay on, on one of their early tournaments, but they actually turned that into a positive. And then the next year, tons of people came in remembering the overlay from the previous year, and it did great. And since then, they've had a very successful series uh, in the years since. So a lot of times, even if they pay money up front, uh, they can even use it as a positive for the future and actually gain from it in the long run. But even if they don't gain from it, at least you don't destroy your reputation over this. It's just crazy. It just doesn't make sense to me, all the money they're spending to rise up and then to do something which people are going to be talking about for a long time. Someone just made a very stupid decision. So anyway, uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sponsoring the show. And... uh, Eric at uh, EB, what does I forget? What, EB Law Law Firm or EB Law? Yeah, EB Law Firm. Okay, Law Firm. US. I was doubting myself. I should have just said it. A- Eric at EBLawFirm.us. Any kind of questions about any kind of uh, issue here related to uh, mediation, arbitration, or even if you feel you've been scammed or, or something like that, if you want to talk to him, you can. Licensed to practice in California and federally, but also. No matter what state you're in, he can arbitrate or mediate for you. So thank you very much, and uh, we'll talk to you later. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Todd. Hey. Good night. Bye-bye. So seems like a nice guy. Glad to have him as a sponsor. And uh, look, it's uh, we, we, I even added uh, a Jewish sponsor. I didn't have to go outside the religion. Trader Risky, still here? I'm here. Well, you're going you're gonna to have to fill big shoes here because uh, Cal Watt, uh, he, he had to leave early. He, he wasn't feeling very well. He wasn't quite himself tonight. So uh, he played injured, but uh, eventually the, I think the cognac and the illness got him, and he, uh, he had to go. So... Uh, that is the problem with doing a West Coast-biased radio show, is that when we have an East Coast host, he doesn't last very long. Actually, he really does last pretty long, considering everything. But He lasts long, but the NyQuil will knock you out. No, that's, that's, uh, the NyQuil really gets you. Actually, I, something I suggest to people if they can't sleep, even more than NyQuil, the Benadryl, after what it did to me in the summer when I took it during the day, I was like, oh my God, if I ever need to sleep, I'm taking this. That uh, in fact, I think an, agree, an ingredient in Benadryl is the same ingredient they use in sleeping pills. But boy, it really made me just feel exhausted. So if you have trouble sleeping, uh, the Nyquil does it to me too. If I take Nyquil, usually within twenty minutes, I'm asleep. And I don't usually have trouble sleeping, but like if I have a cold or something that's preventing me from sleeping, uh, the Nyquil works. And I I actually heard or read. That the reason this works is because it tricks your brain into thinking it's time to sleep. It's not even a, a physical reaction. It's actually like a, a, a mental reaction. Your brain's actually being tricked into thinking your body should be tired, so you get tired. Which is funny to me. I always thought that tiredness is something that's uh, pretty much just physical. That when your body just gets tired, then you fall asleep. But here it's actually your, your body isn't tired, but your brain thinks it is, and you fall asleep. So, Cal Watch Brain definitely thought he was tired, so he's gone. All righty, so, moving along, and again, that's uh, eric at eblawfirm.us. 
And you, know, you guys, uh, even with with uh, Eric's sponsorship at, at the moment, Poker Fraud Alert, it's still in the red in 2017. So, uh, now I'm not losing a lot of money on this site. It doesn't cost very much to run because as far as all the labor, I do it all. So I'm not, I don't hire anyone to do anything for Poker Fraud Alert. I do all of it myself. So that really cuts down the costs. But uh, there's still costs. So the Amazon banner at the bottom, if you guys want to buy anything on Amazon, just click on that first. That's, that's all I ask. Just uh, go to, Am- go to cl- at the very bottom of any page on PokerFraudAlert.com, there's an Amazon banner. Just click on it and then just buy whatever you want normally. And the prices will be totally the same. And I will never even see your name. Amazon will not show me who you are. I will see your purchase. I will not see who you are. So even if someone had a gun to my head and said, tell me who bought uh, this this double-sided dildo on Amazon, I'd have to be shot dead because I would not be able to tell them because I I can only see that one was bought. I could not see that uh, who bought it. Amazon does not give me that information. So no matter what you're buying, no matter how embarrassing it might be, I will never know who you are. I will only see what you purchase, and I'll get a small percentage of, uh, of the purchase price. So that's just something that gives to the show. Again, it's the same price that you would pay on Amazon without clicking that banner. So that's something to help the show if you want to do that. And even with that, though, and even with, with Eric's sponsorship and even with uh, you know, a little money I pick up here and there in other ways related to the site, it, it still runs at a small deficit. So every little bit helps. I'm not asking anyone for money. I'm just letting you guys know that uh, this really is done because I want to do it. This is not done for money. I've, I've had it accused before, oh, you're doing this just to get traffic to your site to make yourself money. Oh, if a scandal's created this way, you make more money. No, I, I don't. I, I don't make money from this site. I don't try to. So that that's how you know this is all genuine. That this is something that's not being done for money. And that does take a considerable amount of time and effort. So let's move on here. Well, I'm going to talk about what I thought was going to be my first topic a few days ago, before this Hawaiian Gardens thing happened and before we had scheduled that the sponsor was going to appear on the show tonight. I had thought my first topic was going to be my stoned live poker appearance. So this is what happened. Uh, in July, Stoned Live Poker, which is a stream similar to Live at the Bike, where you watch people playing a cash game and there's whole cards shown and there's commentators. It's very similar to Live at the Bike. Except it's in Sacramento instead of L.A. So Stone's Live Poker tried something new in July, and that is Limit Hold'em. 100-200 Limit Hold'em. Now that game is not normally spread at Stone's. Stone's is not a very large poker room. And... Limit Hold'em just uh, at high limits like that does not run anywhere except for Commerce, Borgata, Bay 101, and Bellagio. That's it. I believe those are the four places that games like that or similar to that will run. So uh, Stones in Sacramento, which is not a a center for Limit Hold'em, you're just not going to see it. 
But I guess because they were running some Limit Hold'em-related promotions there, they wanted to introduce more people to the game. And I don't know how they decided they are going to run one as high as that, but they did, and they got a number of people in that game. But because there were not a lot of Limit Hold'em players in the area, and a lot of people didn't know about it, uh, they really got a lot of local tournament-type players. And that first game that they streamed in July had a lot of fish in it. If you if you watch their stream from, I think, July 24th, the 100-200 that they had, which is the first one they did, there were a lot of bad players in that. And it was really a very, very good 100-200 game. Much better than you can typically find at one of those other casinos I just mentioned. So, Suicide King from the forum, who's been around for a long time, he saw this. And he's from Northern California himself. He's not from Sacramento. He's from the San Francisco area, but... He was watching that stream for some reason, and even though he's not really a limit player, he's he's a fairly good poker player, and and he's had some tournament success in No Limit Hold'em. So he knows enough about poker. He's skilled enough in, in poker that even though he's not a limit hold'em player, he uh, he knew enough to notice that this game looked very good. So he let me know and said, "You should get in this game. This is an excellent game, and you can go watch the stream from July." However, there were two questions on my mind. Number one, uh, do I really want to go that far? Over 400 miles just to play 100-200 limit holder. And number two, will this game be good again next time they run it? Or was that just a fluke? So I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it, but in the meantime, I contacted the guy who ran the game. His name is Justin. He works at Stones and... uh, asked, can you reserve a seat for me? Because what I did not want was to go all the way there and find out there was no room for me. I I needed to be guaranteed I'd have a seat there if I were to go that distance. So he did guarantee me a seat and told me the next game would be on September 18th. So I decided to do it. Why? Well, just for the novelty of it, really. Because I have not been on the live stream since 2011. I thought it would be fun, and I thought the game would be good, too, so... Maybe I'd make some money. So I went there, and first of all, I should let you know that uh, they paid for one of my two nights that I stayed there. I stayed two nights because I I was not going to drive 400 miles and then start playing. Like, I wanted to be fresh. So I drove the night before, actually overnight, stayed in the hotel, slept during the day, um woke up, went to the game, and then, of course, I wasn't going to drive 400 miles after the game. I was going to, yeah, I needed another night, so I needed two nights. So they paid for one of the two nights. And I I stayed at the Crown Plaza, which uh, is about five miles down the street, down the freeway. And I was very thrilled to see that exactly a week before I came to stay there, there was a murder in the hallway at the Crown Plaza. A woman was found badly injured in the hallway there. Either six or seven days before I was to come there. And they brought her to the hospital and she died. And then they arrested someone. Now, I guess the good news for me was that the murder was between two people who knew each other. So this wasn't like a random mugging. This was uh, some guy killed some woman he knew for whatever reason. But yeah, there was a dead body in the hallway there, an almost dead body in the hallway that later turned to a dead body. 
So that, that was nice to hear. And the, and the area was not very good. So uh, I didn't worry about it because you know, whenever there's a murder like that and then I find out, number one, they've caught the person and number two, it was aimed specifically at someone they knew, then I'm, you know, I'm not really in danger, but it's still something to think about. But I stayed there anyway. Uh, one problem with the Crown Plaza is that it's right off the freeway, right off the 80 freeway. If you look at it on a map, you'll see it's backing into the freeway. So you can imagine it's not very quiet. So there's actually very few quiet rooms there. Uh, I, I used my uh, Jewish negotiation skills to get probably the quietest room in the place. It was some effort, but I did. I got the quietest room in the place and was able to sleep. So I drove overnight. I left... Uh, Almost at midnight, I think. Like 11.30 or something like that. On Sunday night. Drove all night. Got to the uh, the Crown Plaza. Checked in. Found my room was too noisy. Switched to you know, switch rooms. Got the quietest room there. And uh, I didn't get to sleep until like 6 a.m. 6, 6.15, something like that. I got to sleep so late and I was so tired that I was even a little afraid that I was going to oversleep for a 5.30 start time for the game. How often do you fear oversleeping something at 5.30 p.m.? But I really did. Anyway, I I did not oversleep and I got there on time and uh, the seating was at 5.30. So I sat down and I saw that unfortunately it was not the same makeup as the previous game from two months beforehand. I saw Rep Porter was sitting there, two two seats to my left. I was not happy to see that. Rep Porter, a very good player, started off with Limit Hold'em, originally from the East, but now uh, I guess lives in the Bay Area. I didn't even know he lives in California now, but I guess he does. Uh, I I recognized other people at the table that I I didn't really know their names, but I'd seen them around. I knew that they were competent at Limit. I was like, oh, crap. This isn't good. This isn't what I was expecting. And and the fish I had seen on the previous stream, um, only one of them I recognized from the previous stream. Everybody else I recognized from the previous stream was a, a decent player. And there were a number of people who were new that uh, some of them I, I knew from just seeing around that they weren't bad. And then uh, there's some other randoms I didn't know if they were going to be good or bad. So... I was a little bit pessimistic about it. I said, crap, if I knew this was going to be the lineup, I probably wouldn't have come. Well, it ended up better than that. Uh, It it turned out that uh, there was one big fish in the game. And then um, there were, you know, the the, the, the randoms I didn't know, they were kind of just okay. They weren't big fish, but they definitely were not up to the standards of like a good 100-200 player. And then... uh, then, then there were some some fairly good players in the game. So overall, it was a better quality 100-200 than you would typically find in a place like Commerce or Bellagio. So like, if you were to ask me if the game was close by, would you play it again? The answer is a definite yes, I would, with that same lineup. No question. Did I feel I was a positive expectation in that game? Yes. Did I feel like I was a, a fairly big positive expectation in that game? I'd say... Uh, Moderately big, like like not it, the the previous game. It would have been very big positive expectation. This one, I say moderately because I I, I felt like uh, I had a big edge over uh, at least a few people in that game, and maybe a, a small edge on on a few others. Uh, 
but and and there was no one in the game, not even one person that really concerned me as someone I really had to watch out for. Like there were, there are some really good limit hold'em players where I'm constantly having to be on my toes. They're going to pull some tricky moves on me or. Or, or really have a good feel about what's going on. I, I didn't feel that anyone at the table was going to be really tough to deal with. But there, there were some good, solid players there. I'm not going to say it was all fish. It was not. There, there were some good, solid players there who uh, didn't make many mistakes. So, but, but still, it, it, there wasn't any super difficult competition that was going to be that was going to require like intense thought on each street, and and there was. Uh, there were some spots in the game that I was happy to have there, especially one particular, which I'll describe shortly. The problem was I got off to a bad start. Uh, before the stream even started, first uh, I got in a four-way capped pot with Ace-King. And this wasn't that common. This wasn't really an action game. That was one problem with it. Even the fish were not action-type fish. They were just ones that chased too much. So... I got in a rare four, four-way pot capped with ace-king and just airballed it. The flop was like jack-8-4, then like some other low card, then a jack again on the river, and I check-folded. And this is before the stream started, so I, I don't know what, I, what the other guy had, but I'm, from watching him play the rest of the time, I'm just about sure he had a high-pocket pair. So I'm sure that was a, the ace-king was a good fold there. But, but anyway... I lost that one, and then even more painful to the same guy, I made a straight on the river, and he had a boat. And it wasn't even obvious that he would have had a boat, because it, it was a button versus small blind thing. So yes, he three-bet me out of the small blind, but that doesn't mean much in Limit Hold'em. So it turned out he had jacks, and the board was... Uh, I had queen-10, the board was uh, jack-king-5-5-9. Five, five, so that nine was a freaking killer. He bets out the river. I raise him. He three bets me, and I almost folded it. You know, like I, I, I knew he's not three betting me with that, with with uh, with worse. But you know, he could have had queen ten and uh, to chop with me. And he also could have. Uh, I, I also had to look him up because I, he was the same guy I folded against with with the ace king. So uh, I thought, well, I can't make two consecutive tight folds on the river against this guy. Uh, never having looked him up before, so I had to look him up this time just to uh, just to see and to give him the message that I will look him up for the future. So I looked him up and he had jacks and full house and I lose. So immediately I'm I'm down uh, a good deal. This is 100 200 each bet. You know, obviously adds up. Like that like that river with the three bet I lost 600 dollars right there alone. So uh, then I, I, I won a lucky hand. Andrew Barber was there. Some of you might remember him. He, he appeared on this show. He's a, he's a very uh, liberal social justice warrior type who we, we had really criticized uh, some of his actions on Twitter. But uh, when we had him on the show, he was very likable. And we had a good discussion with him. And uh, we both came away. When I say both, I mean myself and Calwa. We came away from that show with Andrew Barber really liking the guy, even if we didn't agree with a lot of his, his views. So he was there, and I, I instantly recognized him because he, he was wearing the shirt he likes to wear to tournaments or anything high-profile. This, this uh, white silence uh, is, is the problem, Black Lives Matter, something like that. And then he had a pin on saying uh, Medicare for all. So he's, he's really uh, shoving his political views and uh, everyone's faces here with, those, with the shirt and the pin. And uh, I, I had seen pictures of him wearing that before. So, 
I knew that it must was have been a big contrast with your Make America Great hat. hat on. <laughs> no, I just had the, the PFA hat. So, so, so I, I knew immediately who he was, and uh, somehow he. How do you know who I was? I, I think they asked me. Like I think they came over and said, what, "How do you pronounce your name?" Todd Whittles would tell us, and so like I, he, once he heard that, he knew who I was. I guess he didn't instantly recognize me, but so and we said hello and. Uh, you know, even though we have very opposite political and social views, you know, we got along. And some people who were watching the stream were texting me, "Oh, you got to harass that guy with a Black Lives Matter shirt and try to tilt him and try to." Yeah, I said, "No, no, I'm not doing that. Like, I actually, you know, I personally like him, so I'm not, I'm not going to give him a hard time here." Uh, so, anyway, I put a bad beat on him right away, sh- shortly after those two bad hands, and none of that appeared on the stream. They had some technical difficulties with the stream, and in fact, if you watch the archives of it, which are available, if you uh, if you you can just find it in the thread I started on the Flying Stupidity forum. I think it's on page eight on the Stones Live thread. You can find someone posted a YouTube of the archives of it, and it's about two and a half hours, even though the stream was supposed to be three hours because the stream was supposed to be from six thirty to nine thirty of our play, which was then broadcast on 30-minute delay from 7 to 10. Which it actually was, but the first half hour didn't even make it in there because they they were having technical difficulties. You also couldn't hear the table talk, which was too bad. I I was hoping that you guys could, but no. You could only hear the commentators, not what I was saying or any of the other players were saying. So that took away from some of the fun as far as watching it. I also didn't get very many playable hands. It may have looked like I was like super tight, but I wasn't. I was just getting garbage, 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 garbage over and over. And even when I wasn't getting garbage, like pocket sevens or something, I I like completely missed the flop and just fold the flop. So I actually didn't get in that many spots where there were tough decisions. And when I say tough decisions, I'm not saying there were decisions that were obvious that that any uh, like novice limit holdem player or okay limit holdem player would have made the same decisions as me. But um, for me, there weren't many spots where I had to really think of what I was going to do. Most of them hands kind of played themselves. And there also was not really an opportunity to pull some of my favorite moves that I, I, I've come up with some moves over the years in Limit Hold'em, some kind of like tricky moves here that uh, I was hoping to be able to show off on the stream because it would make me look cool, but <laughs> I didn't get an opportunity to do any of them because the hands have to come down a certain way to make these work. And uh, none of them did. So the way all the hands just came down for me and the ones I played, it was just very straightforward. You know, either check fold or bet, 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 or, you know, check raise, bet, 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 bet. It was, you know, it, it was, it was just, there wasn't a whole lot that uh, I could do creatively with that. And then a few of them where I actually did were actually off the stream, which is funny enough. Like at the end, after the stream was over, there were actually some more interesting hands you guys didn't get to see. So, anyway, I, I was off to a bad start, and then when the stream started, I continued to lose. Not not any real big hands, I just, every single hand I played, I did not win. Finally, I thought I got something. Finally, in a, in a three-way, three-bet pot, I had ace-queen, and the flop was a beautiful king-jack-10 rainbow. So, got action with a solid Asian guy in the game, and... Uh, then he and I went at it on the turn, and then I realized he must have ace-queen also. And sure enough, he had ace-queen also. So, 
made very little on that one. And at my worst point there, I was down about 4K, which, number one, isn't that hard to get down at 100-200. That's just uh, 40 big blinds and 20 big bets. But also, I just was not winning the hands that were dealt to me. Every hand I entered, I lost, and every uh, and then I was also paying the blinds, and I wasn't getting many, many playable hands. The ones I got, I wasn't winning. So it was that simple. It, it didn't matter who was playing my cards. Uh, they would have lost in, in my seat there. So finally, things started to turn around. I started to win some hands. And I'll tell you, when I was down the 4K... I was thinking, this is the worst. I drove all the way here. I drove over 400 miles. I have to drive over 400 miles back to lose thousands of dollars here. Like, that's so freaking frustrating that I came all the way there to just get cold decked and and I'm going to lose thousands of dollars. Well, thankfully, it turned around. And I started to win back the money kind of the same way I had lost it. And that was just not by winning massive pots, but by just... uh, Winning most of the hands I was playing. So it just started building back up. Now, here's my favorite hand of the night. Favorite because of how stupid and ridiculous it was. There was one fish in the game, and he also kept short buying, like for $1,000. So he never had that much money on the table. So I had a six on the button, a six offsuit. And I raised... When it folded, it folded to my button. I raised a six offsuit, very standard play. Small blind folded, big blind. It was this guy, the fish, called. Flop comes ace high. Now, uh, he had, uh, what was it, $350 behind. The flop comes ace high with two diamonds. So you would think here with 350 behind, which is just three and a half big blinds, that if you've caught any piece of that flop, you're going to get in. That's just basic poker strategy. That's it. it doesn't take a genius to say, with this little left, I might as well get it in with any piece of this flop. Because I'm raising from the button. And I could have anything here. So even if he's got bottom pair, there's a good chance he's, it's good. So he bet out the flop. I raised him, thinking we're just going to put it all in on the flop. Nope, he just calls. So at that point, I'm thinking the fl- he probably has diamonds. The board's ace. Now, I'm thinking, what's he doing anyway? Because on on the turn, he's going to be all in no matter what if he calls my bet. So I still didn't understand why he didn't put it all in, but I I don't know. Some people just like to do that. They like to wait till the turn. So turn comes, it's a third diamond, which I'm not that happy about. Now I'm thinking, well, now he's got a flush possible. So I do have the six of diamonds, but that's not a very good diamond. He checks. I bet 200, which at most can be 150 because that's all he's got left. So all he has is one and a half big blinds. He thinks and thinks and thinks. And I'm going, what is he thinking about here? Because I, I hadn't really seen him bluff much. So I'm thinking, well, what was he betting out on the flop? So I thought maybe he had middle pair and was wondering, you know, should he put his last 150 in with middle pair now that there's both the ace and the flush out there and I, and I raised him on the flop. So like maybe he was thinking with bottom or middle pair, does he put it in at this point? That's what I think. I thought the decision was about that. He thinks and thinks and looks very frustrated. And he goes, ah, oh, you got it. You got it. Okay. And would you believe he throws away his hand and turns one of the cards face up and ace? 
Now, that's like the worst fold ever. How can you fold an ace there? There's an ace on the board. He's got a freaking pair of aces with one and a half big bets left against a button raiser. So, needless to say, I was thrilled when he folded that ace because I had ace six. Yes, I had the six high diamond draw, but that was it at that point on the turn. So we're either probably chopping or I'm losing. So when this came on the stream, this hand, it turned out that he had ace eight. So (laughs) he was ahead of me. He was way ahead of me. I don't believe he had a diamond, but still, he had ace eight. And he folded that for one and a half big blinds. He had 150 left. And there was uh, 850 already in the pot. Prior to the turn. Had he called the 150, that would be calling 150 to, uh, t- to win uh, 950 above that. Because I, I would have put another 150 in. Or sorry, another uh, thousand above that. Can you believe that? So people started. The, the chat room went crazy. The worst fold in the history of life. The world. The worst fold in the world. <laughs> people were just, and the, and the commentators were actually reading that on the air. So that that was my favorite hand, just because I, I was given a gift there. And the funny thing is, most most fish are not like this. Most fish will call too often. Most fish will not make super tight and super incorrect tight folds like that. Especially when all in. Usually when fish are all in, if anything, they call hands that make no sense. Like I, I, I see fish sometimes just call in, call the turn with like 10 high, no draw, just because they just feel defeated and they just want to get it in just in case they, you know, some miracle, like like a, if they've got 10-4 offsuit and they, they've totally missed the, the flop, they call the flop and then somehow they call the, the, the turn all in thinking, well, maybe I have nines and then catch the ten. Like they, they get that delusion in their head that maybe they're making the right decision, or they're just like so defeated they just throw it in. I've seen that, but I've never seen I've never seen once where someone folds like that. Where someone actually folds top pair aces. But he did. That is amazing. I mean what was he hoping to flop? Ace eight eight? Yeah, I think he didn't like that when he bet out, I raised him, and then the third diamond came. I think he was like just feeling, oh, I'm screwed. What can I beat? But that, you, can't, you can't have that mentality when you got one and a half big bets left. <laughs> I have big blinds left. I, I have know, big bets. Especially yes. on the button. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like I raised under the gun. He's thinking, oh, he's gotta have, if he's doing this, he's got to have a better kicker. Like I, I didn't have to have a better kicker, and in fact, I didn't. And in fact, if I had middle pair, I would have done the same thing. I would have played this exact same way if I had middle pair on that flop. Because there, there's no – he has so little left – we have to get it in. There's no point for me to call him. I might as well just raise him and have him put it in because uh, I'm not folding. And there's there's not enough he has to see it all the way through. So just get it all in. It's just basic poker. Like super basic poker. And that even Fish understand that. So that was so surprising. So that was nice. And uh, Andrew Barber, if you really don't like him and, and if you hate his politics, you'll be happy to know he ran awful. I mean, he just he was just losing every hand. He got aces twice near the beginning, and and uh, they got cracked. They actually had a nice promotion there, where if you get your aces cracked, then you get two big blinds. 
And they said they didn't really mean this for 100-200. They didn't really want to give away $200 each time this happened, but they did. So Andrew Barber, even though he lost a lot more than 200 on each of those hands, he did get 200 back on each of those aces he lost. So uh, I, I got aces once and they won, so I never got that. But of course, it's much better to win the aces than get the 200. And the guy directly to my left, whose name is Zach, I didn't really know him. He, he was a, a very solid player. Uh, I think he's mainly a no-limit player, but but he was he was good at limit. He was very solid, and he was just he was the one who beat me in those first two hands I talked about the Ace King, where he had the full house. Uh, the next hand, uh, he was just killing it for a while. He was the only winner in the game. He got aces five times, won all five of them. He was just flopping every single time. He wasn't even putting many bad beats down. He put a few, but it was mainly he just outflopped or out preflopped everybody, and then his hands held up like you never caught up on him, and he was always ahead of you or got ahead of you on the flop every time. So like, it, it seemed at first like he was just super aggro and, and just constantly betting, but the truth was he just always had hands. So and he even said it himself. He said, "I'm getting clobbered by the deck." He said. For all I know, he could be listening now because he said, you know, Poker Fraud Alert came up as a discussion topic because Andrew Barber brought it up. And so he went and looked it up and he goes, oh, I see the description of, of the shows, of the topics you cover. It looks pretty cool. So I told him, I warned him it's like a six-hour show a lot of the times and uh, it's not for everyone. But if you like long shows that cover everything, then this is a show to listen to. So he said he'd check it out. That was this uh, Zach guy. So... He was the big winner in the game. I didn't win a single hand against him until after the stream was over. And not many people won hands against him. But fortunately, despite the bad luck I had at the beginning, and despite my inability to beat Zach, I was starting to win back what I'd lost, and I went from down 4K to down about... When the stream ended, I was down about uh, 1300 and I think on the stream, at least the archives you can see, I think I lost about 500 in that period of time. Now, fortunately, from the end of the stream until I left, I won 3K. Again, not really winning any huge hands, but just winning a lot of hands I played. Something I was proud of myself with is I don't believe I made a single bad fold. Nor do I believe I ever made bad calls like chasing from way, way behind. I, I read the situations very well. So there were a number of times I folded and said, I think I'm doing the right thing. I'm not sure yet. And then I went back and looked on the uh, stream and I was correct. So it, it pretty much every single fold I made, except for maybe like a, you know, just where the flop comes and I miss and I check fold. I'm not counting that. I mean, uh, something where I really have something and, and some action is put in every single fold I made, I believe was correct. And I don't believe I ever spewed chips and chased when I was way behind. And I think I value bet pretty well. Like I, the fact that like nobody trolled me <laughs> related to any hands I played it was a good sign. Because they they want to tro- on the forum. They just want to troll me about everything. So if, the fact that there was no trolling about my play at all shows me that uh, there probably weren't any mistakes. So that was nice, and it was nice to win the 3K at the end. So my final total, I ended up winning 1700 which you know, wasn't a staggering sum of money, especially by 100-200 standards, but was a hell of a lot better than losing, even a hell of a lot better than breaking even. 
And there was a nice bit of change to get there for having driven that far. At least I didn't feel like I wasted my time. Uh, the next day, I actually did something completely different. I, I have a friend who lives in the area whose name is Brett. And he's not in poker. He's listened to the show before. He listens sometimes, but uh, he's not a poker player. And uh, But I met with him there, and uh, he's very into guns. So I went to a shooting range with him. And uh, I had not fired my gun in, in quite some time. I had been meaning to go to some uh, the shooting range for a long time. I just hadn't, and the, the gun got uh, really dried out. And needed to either be oiled or greased. And uh, <laughs> you know, he, he was so much more uh, knowledgeable about this than me, so I had him take it apart. But uh, the problem was, uh, once he took it apart to uh, to oil it, and he was very nice. You know, he, he actually went and bought oil for me. He, uh, he took it apart to oil it. He could not uh, get it totally back together. <laughs> so uh, he said the problem was he wasn't... Uh, I have a Beretta. He wasn't an expert on Berettas, so uh, we, we took it down the street to a local gun shop, which fortunately was like just right down the street, and they knew a whole lot about Berettas, and they showed the trick to get it back together, so we got it back together, and uh, yeah, it was fun. Probably shot off about uh, 150 rounds there, and it was, uh, it was good practice, it was, it was fun, and it was something uh, I haven't done in a long time. So, enjoyed doing that before driving back the 400-something miles. And uh, I actually had a rental car. Right before I left, I had an issue with, with my tires, like a few days before I left, that... Uh, I couldn't get them replaced in time, and it wasn't. It was safe to drive around locally with them, but not safe to drive all those miles and get the the tires all hot. So uh, I rented a car, but it actually was a good idea to rent the car because I drove all those miles in such a short time. So that's really the the perfect situation to rent a car because you you're not paying that much for it because you only have the car for a short time. The mileage is unlimited, and and then you run up the mileage on a rental car instead of your own. I actually ended up getting a rental car that had never been rented before. It was a, it was a Toyota Camry, a 2018 Camry with only 211 miles. And I, I don't know how the rental place acquired it, but I heard them saying that they were just renting it out for the first time to me. They didn't tell me that. I heard them saying it to each other. And uh, oddly enough, it already had damage on it on the front. <laughs> so I, I'm guessing that maybe they got this from some dealership like like the car got damaged at the dealership and then instead of trying to sell a damaged car, they just sold it to Enterprise. Who cares much less about that? So, uh, anyway, it was, uh, the, you know, the car worked out. Actually, as far as rental cars go, it was, it was pretty good. And it was, it, the whole thing only cost me about a hundred bucks. Definitely worth it. And, uh, yeah, so the whole thing was a nice experience. I, I was, Kind of depressed at first when I was losing the money, but uh, when it was all said and done, you know, I, I won a little bit of money. I, I, I went shooting the next day. Uh, I got they they opened up a tab for food. I, a lot of you were fascinated by the food thing. If I was going to eat as much as I did on Live of the Bike six years ago, 
And I actually had planned to, but so I got there and, and it turned out they opened a food tab to where you can order whatever you wanted and it would just go on the tab and it wouldn't cost you anything. So I said, oh, man, I, I, <laughs> I can go crazy with this. But a few reasons why I didn't. First of all, I, I felt a little bit bad doing it because they, they opened a full tab and, and the food was, yeah, it wasn't cheap. And it was it was good food too. It was actually better than like what Commerce serves. So like it was actually fairly good food. And I I like they they already paid for one of my hotel nights. I felt a little bit bad just like abusing the food just because I can. But but the bigger reason is that I I lost my appetite. I I, I ordered a steak and fries. And that's the way it comes: steak and Parmesan fries. And once I was losing, like I I just. I'm not one of these people who eats when they get depressed. I'm kind of the opposite, or if I get depressed, I don't want to eat. So I wasn't depressed, but I was kind of a little bit upset that I was losing, especially under those circumstances. So, and I was also kind of concerned, like, you know, what if I end up losing 8K, 10K here, you know, which could easily happen. Not that I can't afford it, but it's unpleasant, especially having driven all that way, especially with everyone watching. So I just kind of lost my appetite to stuff down more food. So I didn't really have a desire to order more. Uh, what I didn't realize was that the chat room, the chat room got completely taken over by Poker Fraud Alert. Like, like the, the forum posters especially, they, they went into that chat room for the live stream and they just completely dominated it. Which didn't surprise me because even in the Kate Hall, Mike Dentali match, Poker Fraud Alert was dominating that chat room until like thousands of people showed up, and then at that point, like nobody could read the chat room because it was scrolling so fast. But uh, before it scrolled that fast, like we were still dominating it, even <laughs> even though we're not that big of a site. So uh, I, I think this radio chat actually has trained people to be dominating chatters. <laughs> so like, like really, no one stands a chance against the Poker Fraud Alert contingent in the chat room. So the the chat room was constantly trying to troll the uh, the announcers and get them to say stupid things or, or trick them into saying funny things. Uh, like for example, someone registered an account there named Mike Litteris. You know, like Mike Litteris. Mike Litteris. <laughs> so it made some comment there that to try to get the host's attention. And sure enough, the one of the commentators said, "Yes, we have a comment here from Mike Litteris." <laughs> They actually said it. It was like straight out of a, of a, of a Simpsons episode. So they were doing stuff like that and kind of torturing the commentators. But it turned out that the commentators enjoyed it. Like I was getting text messages like, oh, man, you should see the trolls in the chat room. You know, PFA's taking over. They're really just relentless there. And I, I felt kind of bad. Like they, they invited me there. They, they, they paid for my hotel room. They gave me this. this they, you know, I'm eating their food there. And then like, Poker Fraud Alert is, is, is ruining their chat room. But it turned out that wasn't the case. It turned out that the commentators actually enjoyed it. They thought it was kind of funny. And a, as time passed, they realized they were being messed with. And I, watching the stream again, I saw they were taking a good humor. And in fact, they were informed by people in the chat room about how I like to eat free food so much. And the, the commentators were actually hoping that I would order more food. And we're talking about how they're going to watch how much food I order. So had I known that, I probably would have done it. Because like a, I, there I would not have felt like I was taking advantage of anything because they actually wanted me to. They were actually going to make it kind of a joke of the stream, the, the commentators. So I actually would have ordered more, even if I wasn't all that hungry, just to, just to just for the fun of it there. But I didn't know that till watching it afterwards. However, you guys will be proud of me. 
after the stream was over, and after I'd come back and I felt a little bit better, I thought, you know what, I'm kind of hungry again. I'm not like starving, but you know, I, I, I think I could eat again. So I asked, is the tab still open? And I felt like less of a cheap Jew asking that when like two other people go, oh yeah, is the tab still open? Oh yeah, yeah, I want to know that too. Like A bunch of people wanted to know if the tab was still open. So they said yes. Even though the stream was not going anymore, the tab was still open, which I thought was nice. They, like, they could have closed the tab as soon as we were over and said, hey, you're on your own. But no, we could still order. So at that point, I ordered a 12-inch pepperoni pizza and a, a donut plate, which has like raspberry and chocolate on it that you can dip them into. So I ordered that and ate them both in full. So I was only there a total of about five hours. or five and a half, I played about five and a half hours total. You can see two and a half on that on the archives in that stream. I played about five and a half hours total. I won seventeen hundred, and the total food I ate was a ten ounce steak, which was good by the way, Parmesan fries, a twelve inch pepperoni pizza, and donuts with uh, raspberry and chocolate. So it wasn't uh, a live at the bike type feast, but I think it was pretty good for five and a half hours. It's a lot of food to put in my stomach. So had I started off better, I probably would have eaten more. But hey, there's always next time. Now, you may wonder why I haven't talked much about Rep Porter. How did he do? Did he win? Did he lose? Did I play any hands against him? No, because Rep Porter left the game after a very, very short time. In fact, he didn't even appear on the stream. See, they gave us a release to sign that basically says they have a right to use our likeness, blah, blah, blah. Very standard stuff. In fact, I signed it. I, I've signed so many of these over time playing poker tournaments that are either televised or potentially televised that I, I just kind of skim them and that's it. I probably shouldn't, but that's just, you know, what are you going to do at that point? Say no. So I just signed it. But then Rep says, wait a minute. Uh, I think I'm going to want to modify some of this. Can I, I want to line out some things I don't agree with. And I thought, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on, something is concerning rep here. Maybe I want mine back. So I actually said to give me mine back. I want to maybe line out some things too. So they gave it back to me. And I saw what rep was unhappy with. Rep did not like the fact that you were giving them permission to use your image associated with this in any way they want in perpetuity. Which really means that once you appear on this stream, if they want to promote it or their card room in any way using your image having to do with the stream, they can. So rep brought up the example of I don't want you guys putting my face up on your wall and not compensating me for it. Which you know, doesn't sound far-fetched because Rep Porter is, you know, he's not a gigantic name in poker, but he's a hes a semi-big name. You know, a lot of people know him. He's, he's a very good player, very uh, accomplished player, especially in tournaments. Been around a long time. And a, a small poker room like Stones, they, they may want to put someone like Rep Porter on their wall and show that he, that he played there on that stream. So... That wasn't that unreasonable for him to suspect. Not that they were going to do it, not that they had plans to do it, but that it's not unreasonable or far-fetched to think they could do it. So he was saying, I don't mind you using my image on the stream. I don't mind you guys archiving the stream. I don't mind you guys even promoting Rep Porter was on the stream, but I don't want anything past that. And so they said, oh, well, that's all we're going to do. He said, well, yeah, but your contract doesn't say that. Your contract says basically we can do anything with your image once you've been on this, and I don't like that. So he had a point. I, I agreed with him. He was right. But the question is, what do you do about it? So I was not going to refuse to play based upon that. 
first of all, I'm not as big of a name as Rep Porter. I didn't think it was likely that they're going to put my face up on their wall or something there to promote themselves. Uh, second, I had driven so far, I'm not going to walk away based upon something like that. You know, maybe if it's right down the street, if I want to be act all principled, maybe. But not having gone all that distance to play it, I'm not going to turn around based on that. But Rep would not do it. So they asked the management there if they can make an exception and allow us to line out some things. They called Rep aside and said, no, <laughs> either sign it or leave. So he left. They let him play till his blind and he left. And he left before the stream even started. Which I wasn't unhappy to see because he was two seats to my left and he's a very good player. So I was not unhappy to see him gone. Unfortunately, a player named Dante, who was not a very good player, at least from what I'd seen on the previous stream in July, he was scheduled to come to this stream, and he, he couldn't make it for some reason at the last minute. So Brandon Wong, who is a good player, he was also scheduled to come, and he couldn't make it, but oddly he showed up after it was over. I guess to just kind of hang out with people there. And he was surprised to see me. He's like, well, Dandruff, you live in this area now? I said, no, not really. I just, I just came out here. Everyone was, was shocked I came out there just for that. Everyone was shocked I came from, from uh, Southern California. But it, you know, it's just a novelty. Just, just I wouldn't go there to play 10-20 limit hold'em because I'm not going to win any real money there. But to play a, a limit hold'em game that's, that's like fairly high limit where I can win real money against what I thought would be a easy lineup and have it on a stream. Yeah, sure. Why not? Would I do it every week? No. What if they have another game in two months? I'm going to come. No, because the problem is that the word's gotten out about this game. And now there's just too many good players coming there. Not necessarily great players, but too many good players where it's not, it's not a game worth traveling a long distance for. So, I'm probably not coming back to play it unless I'm in the area anyway. A number of people travel from the Bay Area to get there, which you know, probably takes them two, two and a half hours, but nothing like what I had to drive. So, anyway, overall, I'm enjoyed it. I, 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 I don't regret going. I had a good two days there. And... Uh, That's that. The North no no show by the uh, Northern California guy. No, I haven't even heard from him in a while. Like I, I know he listens, but uh, haven't heard from him in a while. Okay, let's see some texts I got from the nine seven nine. Dan, I have called several times during the live show with no success. Yeah, I saw this guy calling, but the show hadn't started yet. <laughs> I, I have opened an account on Poker Fraud Alert, sent you a PM to find out the result of, of the stalker that was harassing you during the World Series. It was a hot topic for two to three shows. You went on vacation, and now it just disappeared. I got my wife, a non-poker player, hooked on the show. She loves drama, and now she's on my ass every week to know what happened. I listened to all the episodes from beginning to end, and I have to tell her no idea it went away. How rude of you. Uh, by the way, play solid stones. I, I enjoyed watching a good limit game. Okay, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh... Well, let, let me explain what happened with this this 
stalker that was harassing me during the World Series. It was a radio listener. And for various reasons I won't get into, I I know who it was. And it it was someone who had agreed not to do this anymore. It was someone who had had done something similar in the past. Uh, We caught him, we told him, you know, you better stop this crap. And uh, without acknowledging he had done so, he he also said, I won't do anything. Like, it was kind of like uh, stopping without directly admitting he was the one doing it. So then it stopped for a long time, and then it started again, uh, you know, pretending to be from a different person, but it was really the same guy. Anyway, uh, the person did make contact with me, and the person was denying it was him. And I know it was him. I know he, he would not admit it. He would not admit it. And I, I did not even want to give him the exact reasons. And he's probably listening to this either right now or he'll hear this in the next one or two days in the archives because he listens to every episode. Okay? I didn't want to give him all the reasons of why I knew for sure it was him. Because then he would know for next time how to avoid me finding out. And I, I don't want to, since this has happened twice already, I don't want to give him this, these tips. So uh, he wasn't admitting it and I wasn't going to provide him Exactly the way I, I knew, for sure. So, I, I had actually planned to deal with this further, right after the main event was over. But then I caught a cold. And I was having to get ready for my two-week trip with this cold, and that was all in my mind, was like, you know, get ready for the trip, and I hope my cold goes away. And uh, and then I developed back problems too. Like I had a whole lot going on that that week, between the cold and the back problems, and the uh, getting ready for the trip. And this is the last thing I'd be thinking about. So this guy went off my mind. Then I took the trip for two weeks. Uh, then I came back from the trip, and I no longer had the cold or the back problems. But uh, at that point, I'm catching up on all the stuff that 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 fell behind in my life for the being gone two weeks. And uh, you know, by by the time everything got back to normal, you know, it, it had just been a few months by then. And I'm like, well, now it feels stupid to, to start all this crap up again. So I'm still pissed off about it. Uh, but but that's, that's basically what it is. And uh, I, I hope this person, who, who's never going to admit to me he did it. I mean, I, I, I don't know if this guy even has convinced himself he wasn't doing it. If he, if he thinks he's just having an out-of-body experience and some, some other person taking over his body, I don't know what he thinks. But I know it's him. And hopefully he has understood that uh, this can't be done without me finding out. And that uh, next, if it occurs again, then, then I, I'm not going to just let it go, even if I do get sick in the middle or go on a trip in the middle. Like I... That, that's that, that's going to be it. I'm going to have to finally put my foot down at that point. Because, uh, I mean, yes, it's just messages being sent to me, but uh, it, it's really obnoxious stuff. Like, like uh, when someone is sending me, when I'm playing the main event and someone is trying to tweet to me under a phony account derogatory things over and over and over to try to demoralize me during the main event, uh, that goes beyond standard trolling. That goes, and, and they, they were doing this for a while during the World Series, not just during the main event. And then when they start tweeting nasty things about my, my kid, which are stuff that's not even true. This person hasn't even seen my kid or met my kid or even known anyone who has met my kid. But um, 
And believe me, if you if you met my son, you'd see that he's a very sweet, normal boy. No, nothing wrong with him at all. It's not like there's something I'm ashamed of with my kid at all. There's nothing at all. Okay, but uh, like he's just guessing, just trying to say nasty things. What if there was something wrong with my kid? Then you know, why say something like that? Why why write that about someone's child? You know, like uh, this person was writing really, really stuff in, in terrible taste to me to harass me during World Series events. You don't do that to someone. It's not like like sending one offhanded tweet, oh, you're a fish, I bet you're going to bust. Like, this is someone just relentlessly tweeting to me from fake accounts there. So, um, you know, if, if you send me, like, one troll message, I'm probably, you know, I'll be mildly annoyed, but I'm not going to go try to track down who it is, and I probably wouldn't have a way to. But, but you know, the more you do, the, the more ways open up to find out who you are. And I'm very good with these things. I have decades of experience doing that. Because I've, I've been online over 30 years. I've dealt with trolls for more than 30 years. So I believe me, I'm very good at finding this stuff. I, I, won't, I won't find it on the first time. But uh, you make the slightest mistake. A mistake you don't even know is a mistake. And, and I'll find a way to, uh, to capitalize on it. So, and I'm not trying to challenge people. I'm, I'm hoping the people listening to this show can at least show enough respect to not try to harass me in real life or try to make me miserable or try to ruin my World Series by, by, by harassing me from fake accounts. I'm, I'm hoping people are mature enough not to do that. I'm just saying for the those that are not mature enough to... Cease from doing that, even if you want to. Uh, it, it, it's, it's hard. People think the Internet's anonymous. It's hard to stay completely anonymous if the person who, on the other end knows a lot of ways to unmask you. And if you make the slightest mistake, you, you leave the slightest bit of the door open, I'll get in. So that's what happened. I got in. I knew who it was. The person knows I know who it was, and uh, now that a few months have passed and it's all over, and I don't feel like uh, going through the hassle of, of, of retaliating and all that. I'm not going to, but uh, this is the last time. So that's that's the update on that. I hope your wife is happy. <laughs> I'm glad she's listening. Glad you got your wife to listen. We need we need all the female listeners. Of course, she's not happy, Druff. She wants a name. She's, she's not even a poker player. She wouldn't know the name. Actually, I'll, I'll tell you guys, you guys wouldn't know the name anyway. Like, if I told you guys the name, you guys wouldn't know it. It's not, it's not like a known player is harassing me. That, that, that would be more drama-worthy. That would be interesting. This, this wouldn't be interesting to anyone uh, because no one really knows who it is. It's not, it's not a known person. It's not, it's not even like a known forum person. It's not like if I said it at the forum, people would go, oh, that guy. Like, they, that, you guys wouldn't know. So... It's kind of someone who's just kind of under the radar. It's someone who's been in poker for a while, but it's not someone who's very well-known in poker. Even even in this community, he's not even well-known. Uh, from the 902, I believe this is from D-Day Chaps, uh, looking to challenge TMML fail to an NFL betting duel to the death. Okay, we'll pro- propose it on the forum. Uh... This is, uh, someone texted me that I should have been Nigel Fabersham on the call to the 
They said they should have been Nigel, not the Mexican. That was in the call to the to Garden. Well, Casino. Nigel can call back. The guy's probably back finally. Steve, <laughs> or what was his name? Oh, I forgot his name now. Oh, Kevin, yeah. Yeah, they uh, they they wanted Nigel. I almost went with Nigel. I, just, I wasn't sure. I just like, I, All the way up to the last moment, I wasn't sure if it was going to be Chico Loco who was going to be deported or Nigel Fabersham who's got the flight back to England. I, I decided being deported was funnier. So... And then uh, I got some texts saying that it's uh, that was Raymond Davis calling earlier. This before I recognized the phone number, and uh, even Raymond Davis himself texted me saying it's Raymond Motherfucking Davis. <laughs> uh, someone else texted that they had to make a new account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room because they forgot their password. That's fine. I, I don't care if you multi-account on there as long as you don't use them at the same time. If you if you have several accounts on there because you forgot the previous ones. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I did do that too because I don't think there's a password. Uh, I forgot my password. Yeah. And you can also PM Belly Buster. That's Belly Space Buster on the forum and he will reset it for you. But if you just want to make a new account, you can make a new account. Just The, the only thing I ask is just don't use them at the same time. Don't go on two devices and play. If you, anyone does that, they're banned for life from the free roll, and I may even ban you from the whole site. So to, don't, don't, don't cheat in the free roll. That, that's a big no-no. But if, you've, if you just lost one account or you just want, are done with some account and you're going to use the next account, just, just make another one. It's like we have a poster on the forum named Bottom Set, and Bottom Set is notorious for making a new account on the forum posting for a while under it, then claiming he's leaving the forum forever, and then like a month or two later, he shows up with a new account and, and pretends to be a new person. So he, he's done this for years, but something about bottom sets, and people ask, why do you let bottom set use so many accounts on the forum? I said, well, bottom set actually does not use so many accounts on the forum. When he abandons one, he never goes back to the previous one. He just moves on. So if you want to use that, if you want to do that on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, you can do that. So, those are the text messages we received on 775-372-8355. You can text me anytime. You can text me on it if you're listening live or if you're listening in the archives. I will respond to you. And if you're listening live, I'll read it on the air. So, I want to talk a bit about Phil Helmuth and his mocking of Fedora Holtz. And how Phil seems a bit threatened, and how Negranu felt about Phil Helmuth saying what he did. So this is on uh, September 19th. Phil Helmuth uh, tweeted something that was, without naming Fedora Hulse, was uh, in reference to him. He says... So, so if someone spends $10 million to cash for $24 million, and the other guy spends $7 million to cash for $23 million, who has the better ROI? Now, what he's referring to is Fedor Holtz, who has uh, about $24 million in lifetime caches, has done so partially because he's a great player and has just exploded out of the tournament scene, this, this uh, young German kid, and uh, just winning high roller events left and right. But the other way he's doing it is because he's entering high roller events left and right. <laughs> because you know, there's big buy-in to those events. So every time you win one of them, your total tournament uh, caches rockets up. 
And because of these high roller events, it's even possible to have uh, an eye-popping eight-figure number for total amount of cash and actually be a losing player. Now, I'm not saying Fedora Holtz is a losing player. He's definitely a winning player so far in these tournaments. But uh, what Phil's saying is that, uh, you know, if Fedora Holtz spent $10 million to get to this $24 million, uh, is that as good as what Phil has spent, which he's estimating $7 million, to cash for $23 million? Yeah, so so are, should you be looking just at the number cashed or what the profit is? And he's trying to say, without directly saying it, that Fedora Holtz has less profit in tournament poker than he does, even if Fedora Holtz has passed him in caches. In, in, in the cash, in, in the amount cash, that is. So that's, that's what Phil tweeted out, and it was clearly because he's, he's feeling jealous and feeling like uh, maybe the attentions on Fedora Holtz as, as being the greatest no-limit Hold'em tournament player and not Phil Helmuth anymore. He feels like the the young guy is taking over. He's feeling threatened. So he tweeted that without naming names, but it was clear what he was talking about when he when he tweeted that. So Daniel Negranu uh, didn't take to that very well. He said back. Uh, so, so Dan in the ground criticized him for this, and then uh, I, I don't have that tweet in front of me, but then Phil Helmuth said back, uh, got caught in an ego war, embarrassingly. Always best for me to let my play do the talking. Uh, but but the, but the slights, especially from Daniel Negreanu, sting. And then Negreanu said back, I just tell you the truth, Phil. It's not personal. I like you, but you totally disrespect players that play circles around you. So... That's pretty harsh from Negreanu to, to Phil's ego saying you're being disrespectful to players who are a lot better than you. They play circles around you. So so Negreanu's saying, look, Phil, you're not the best anymore. Fedor Holtz is a lot better of a tournament player than you are. And Phil, who sees himself as the, as the best in the world, that, that's uh, fighting words to him. So he came back saying, no, I don't care. About, uh, uh, so so, so that. So then Daniel said to him, uh, okay, you, you say, uh, um, I, I think someone was saying about betting something about who's better. And then so Phil said, no, I don't care about betting. I think I'm a huge favorite uh, uh, over, over uh, players in all Hold'em tournaments. But it's, it's a huge distraction to my real goals. So Negreanu says back, okay, you say you want to play with... Uh, with uh, Fedor Holtz and the, and the other Germans every day, I can arrange that at your convenience, sir. So Negreanu is saying, look, if, if you think you're a favorite over these guys, go ahead and, pl- and play them. Go ahead and play them heads up if they're bad. I, I can arrange that. They will play you. I, I can make this happen. <laughs> so so uh, Phil didn't really respond to that. He, he didn't say he wanted to play. He didn't uh, accept that challenge. Uh, and then people were giving Phil a hard time that he was being a jerk and that Daniel was being the one who was humble. In fact, at one point, Daniel even said that he didn't consider himself even uh, in, in the top 100 players right now, which I don't think is true. I think Daniel definitely in there, but uh, Daniel was trying to be overly humble and Phil was the opposite. So, so at one point, Phil says, I'm the brat and he's the nice guy. Hmm, I never said anything about Daniel or his poker skills. 
So he's trying to say that uh, Daniel jabbed him, saying that these guys play circle around circles around him, and yet everyone's saying Daniel's the nice guy here. So Daniel said back, you consistently talk about how bad the players are in the high rollers, consistently. You disrespect pretty much all of them. And Phil says, I don't think they're bad. I think almost all the players on your list are top 100 in the world. Yes, I lose it and mutter about bad players. Well, I know that. He, I watched it. Uh, we, Phil and I got into it, not because of my play, but he was uh, because of the thumbs up thing move he did that I said didn't constitute a raise. But, but he did go off on players like Terrence Chan and others during the World Series and, and was really nasty to them about their play. So he, he was especially bad this summer, Phil. The worst that I, worst, I think it was the worst summer I've seen from him as far as behavior. So Daniel said back, you say at every tournament, LOL, they play so bad. Literally every tournament you mention how bad they are. And Daniel's right. Phil is that's his shtick. Phil loves to say how bad everyone else is. If, if it weren't for luck, that, that he'd win every time, he likes to say. And Daniel got sick of Phil always saying that these successful player at the high ro- players at the high roller events, like uh, Fedora Holtz, are actually not that good. That they're just lucky. They play so bad and just get really lucky, is what Phil's basically saying about them, both publicly and privately. So the funny thing is, Phil's not even denying he says that. He's like, yeah, I don't think they're bad, but yeah, I lose it and mutter about bad players. <laughs> That's you saying they're bad. So, so Daniel's definitely right in this debate or argument back and forth. What's interesting about it is these two are friends. So I was a bit surprised to see this. Usually Daniel goes back and forth with people he doesn't care for very much. But Daniel and Phil have a long friendship, which is why when Daniel was going off about the UB stuff and loved to bash Annie Duke for it because he, he hated Danny Duke for a long time, even going back before he was a well-known player. Uh, he, he liked Phil, so he didn't go after Phil. He and Phil were friends. So I think this one was Daniel kind of just calling him out in a, in a semi-friendly fashion. Like, I'm sure Phil didn't like it, but it wasn't like he wasn't trying to fight with him. And I think Daniel enjoys taking on the role of, 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 as Phil said, the nice guy, as the reasonable guy, as the one who's uh, on the player's side, while Phil is the jerk who insults everyone. So I, I think that's part of the reason Daniel did that. I, I don't think there's hard feelings between the two about this, but that's the first time I've seen them really argue on Twitter before. Have you ever seen Trader Ruski, the, the two fighting on Twitter? Uh-oh. Oh, couldn't get off mute. Um, I have not seen them fighting on Twitter. Yeah, I haven't either. I, this is the first time I've seen that. So, and this wasn't really a fight, but yeah, I I think Phil really needs to stop this already. I I know people. I I know he's gotten this shtick down. I know people know him for this reason. Well, one of the reasons. I mean, he also has a lot of tournament success. But that's that's the personality he's projected. A lot of people. No, Phil Helmuth is the whiner of the guy who says everyone else is so bad, is the one who who gets so angry when he gets bad beat. I know it's entertaining for some people to watch, but he does this in places where there's no cameras rolling, where there's no reason to keep acting this way. This really is him, unfortunately. And he really does behave very poorly in these tournaments, especially recently. Especially this past summer, he was awful. 
There was story after story after story this summer of him mistreating players, both pros and recreational players. There was a recreational player in my Limit Hold'em event that that, uh, that actually was on Phil's side about that thumbs-up thing that I pulled on Phil and actually tweeted to him uh, in his support. And then right after that, uh, Phil berated the guy for a bad beat. And this guy was like a, like a semi-recreational player. So this guy quickly learned his lesson about uh, backing Phil Helmuth and taking his side about any matter at the table <laughs> because he was thanked by Phil berating him. So not only does it drive recreational players away from the game, but it's also just unpleasant. Even when he does it to guys like Terrence Chan, who, you know, you you don't worry about whether Terrence is going to come back to the game or not, but like, there's no reason for it. Everyone gets bad beat. Sometimes good players make bad plays and then get there on you. Sometimes you will make bad plays, even if you're a good player, and you'll get there on others. I have had it before where I make a bad play, am temporarily ashamed of it, and then I get lucky, I win a lot of chips, and you know I, I don't feel bad about it. I, I feel a little sheepish and weird about winning all the chips when I didn't really deserve to, but I think about all the times when I deserved to win the chips and didn't, so I, I, don't, I don't feel bad, but it's just a part of poker. Not everybody plays their A game all the time. People will make uh, bad decisions, bad moves, especially in the course of a long tournament. Sometimes they'll get lucky and get bailed out. Sometimes there'll be a person on the other side who is way ahead that gets screwed, and that's just part of poker. Everyone deals with it on both ends. So Phil just makes it unpleasant there. And that's that's why I was so happy to call that rule on him about the thumbs up really not being a raise. That and the whole UB thing. I just felt, that of all people to do it to, it was Phil. I would not have done it to everybody. Like a recreational player, I wouldn't have done that to. Um, even a pro who had been uh, very pleasant and very nice the whole time, like someone, I don't mean even like a friend of mine. I mean just someone who I, I thought highly of and is always nice to people. Like I probably wouldn't be the jerk to do that. But uh, someone like Phil Helmuth, yeah, he deserved it. It was one of those marginal situations. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. I decided I would, because it was him. So, uh, I just got a message here about this. I was about to move on, but I just got a message. Um, Let's see what this person is saying. <laughs> this person says apparently Negranu gave uh, Mike Matisau a loan based upon his home's equity and then sold the home and didn't pay back Daniel. <laughs> Jason Kuhn decided to call him out because uh, Mike supported Phil's bashing of Fedora Holtz. Interesting. So Mike Matisau said, uh, Jason Kuhn, you talk shit about me that is totally made up BS fake news. Don't talk shit when you know nothing. I've never stole from anyone. And then Jason Kuhn said back, you're telling me you didn't have Daniel give you a loan on your home's equity that you then sold? You're just a sad, sad human being. 
that'd be pretty bad if that's what Mattisar really did. <laughs> he tells Daniel, hey, look, I got a lot of equity in my home, so just give me a loan if, if for whatever reason I, I can't make the money back, then I'll yeah, I'll sell my house, give you the equity, whatever. <laughs> and then he, then he just sells the home and doesn't give uh, Daniel the equity. That's, that's what Jason Kuhn is alleging. And uh, this person who just messaged me said that uh, the reason Kuhn mentioned that about what uh, Mike Matisau allegedly did to Daniel is because he was uh, angry that Matisau was uh, okay with bashing uh, Fedora Hulse. And by the way, apparently this is not deleted, these tweets. These were in public, but they're not deleted. Uh, someone tw- texting me, actually it was Larry Laffer, said, Druff, it's very bad you own a firearm and cannot clean it or take it apart. What kind of Beretta? A Cheetah? No, it's a Beretta 92FS. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I just hadn't fired it in a long time. And, uh, so it didn't need to be cleaned, but it did, uh, it did need to be oiled or greased. And, uh, I just, uh, I hadn't learned yet how to take it apart. I knew I would have to eventually, but I had not learned it yet. So now I know. Now I can. It was one of these things where like, I had meant to... I just kept saying, I should go shooting, I should go shooting, I should go shooting, and I just didn't go. Like I had before. It wasn't my first time shooting, but it was. I just had not gone in a long time. So, I went and, uh, I will go again soon. Let me see here. This is something that hasn't gotten much attention, but, uh, and it's not a huge story, but I think it's worth a small discussion. Three players were kicked from Casino Matrix. That's Casino M number 8 T-R-I-X in San Jose. Casino Matrix. And they were kicked out. These are three regulars, and they were three winning players, by the way. These were not only regulars, but they won there. They were banned from Casino Matrix, which is in San Jose, California, for what's known as going north. Now, not everybody knows what going north means. Going north is something that Never applies to limit games, but in no limit games and uh, pot limit games, where there's a maximum buy-in, going north means that you buy in above that maximum buy-in. Either you initially do it, or more commonly, you just sneak chips on the table to go above it. Because you can go above the maximum buy-in by winning. So let's say the maximum buy-in is 2000 well, you buy in for 2000 and you win 2000 and you have 4000 on the table, and that's fine because you won it. But you can't just sit down if the maximum buy-in is 2000 and sit with 4000 nor can you reload above the maximum buy-in of 2000 So you just, if it's about, if, if the way you increase your chips is by buying in, you cannot pass the maximum buy-in. So three players, and, and I don't know their names, were kicked out of Casino Matrix permanently for going north. For doing that, for increasing their buy-ins over the maximum buy-in at no limit. 
So apparently what happened was that there is a big fish in the game, and the big fish was going north. The big fish was repeatedly buying in more than the table max. I believe the table max was 2,000, and I believe that they were, I think it was a 1020 game, and, and I think that they were they were buying uh, 4,000. So they were going double of what the table max was. Now, no one wanted to say anything because the fish, they, you know, they don't want to piss them off, and also they're, they're happy to have the fish put more money on the table. So they just want the fish to be happy. They want to keep taking the 4,000 heaps buying in over and over, so everyone was happy with that situation. The problem was that these three players felt that what was good for the goose is good for the gander. So they felt that if the fish could buy 4,000, that they could too. They just kind of felt like temporarily the rules as far as buying in for 2,000 maximum have been suspended because the fish can do what they feel they can do it. So I guess the fish was winning and these guys were losing. And they decided that they're going to just start buying in for 4,000. They're going to keep adding. They're going to add to the stack to 4,000. So... uh, they could match what the fish had. So, I don't know if the fish was losing or if they were just losing to the fish. Whatever it was, they, they wanted to have 4000 on the table and they didn't like the fact that the, the fish could instantly get it and they couldn't. So, they went north. Uh, somehow, this got... Uh, I think someone complained. I think someone else in the game complained about it. And they checked the cameras... And it was found that, yes, they did this. So, I guess they did this over the course of an hour or two of play. And they were doing it slowly. They weren't just dropping 4,000 on the table. They just kept adding a few hundred here, a few hundred there, and then eventually uh, got themselves up to 4,000. So, Matrix temporarily banned them. I, I said permanently. They're actually temporarily banned, but they, but they cannot play at all. They weren't just kicked out of the game. They cannot play at all. So these guys said, well, screw this. We're not waiting for our temporary ban to expire. And they moved to Bay 101, which is the other card room in San Jose. Uh, apparently, these players really know how to work the card room. So even though they're winning players... Most of the fish like them. You know, they're good at talking to the fish. They're good at uh, making it look like with the fish that they're gambling with them rather than just exploiting them. Uh, they, they do a lot of talking to the fish and make it fun for them. Uh, you know, the, these are not the kids in the hoodies waiting waiting for premium hands with headphones on, saying nothing and just uh, trying to stack the fish over and over. They they try to make it look like they're just there to have fun and gamble. When in reality, they're they're poker pros. So. I guess Bay 101 is happy to have them there. And even though it's known why they're there, and even though it's known that they were kicked out of Casino Matrix for going north, Bay 101 says, hey, the, even though these guys are winners, they're actually good for the game. They get games started. They, they're willing to play each other for a while until people sit down. They, uh, they make it fun for the fish. Uh, we're definitely not going to tell them they can't play here. So some people are unhappy about it. Some people think that they shouldn't be allowed, that uh, if they're kicked out of one casino for going north, that they should not be allowed in another casino. Uh, a lot of others, and this, this is on 2 Plus 2 where the discussion took place until they locked the thread. A lot of others feel that this was not that egregious of an offense, that going north is not a huge deal, 
you know, it may be against the rules, but it shouldn't be like a, a ban-worthy from all casinos in the area offense. And that those who are demanding that these people are banned from Bay 101 as well are overreacting. I have to agree. I, I don't think that's a, an offense that should get you banned across all casinos. I can understand why they were temporarily banned from Casino Matrix for this. There has to be a punishment for knowingly breaking the casino rules like that. But it's, it's not a super egregious offense. And for Bay 101 to be banning them for something they did somewhere else, it has to be like real cheating, not just going north. So that's that's how I feel about that. And I don't think that's a bad thing that these guys are welcome to Bay 101 at the moment. Trader Risky, how do you feel about that? I agree. I think that, uh, I mean, especially since they were basically letting the other guy at the table do it. Right, right. And that's that's another good point. Of, so then how is it a rule? Yeah, that's another good point. It, you, you can't, it's, even though I understand trying to make the fish happy, it is tough to suspend the rules for one person at the table and not for another just because of a skill difference. And uh, I, I had something similar come up, not about breaking rules, but... I think I've told this story before. At Bellagio one time, I'm waiting forever to get into a 100-200 game that's running there. And it was a 10-handed game, which is usually 9-handed. It was 10-handed because they added a 10th seat because a fish was first up and they wanted to let him in. So they let the fish in. And uh, either I was next on the list or uh, or maybe the person ahead of me was also a fish, so they let him in. But whatever it was... When it came time to... I, I was first up for a long time, probably two or three hours I'm sitting there waiting and playing some no-limit game I don't really want to play. Finally, they call me. Only to be told when I'm about to take my seat, nope, we're converting it to nine-handed now. Why? Well, because what they were doing was whenever someone was called to the game, they, they, they evaluated if it was a player they felt uh, was going to add value to the game. And if it was, if it was a, a grinder or someone good, they didn't want them. So I was in the category of someone they didn't want. So uh, they told, they suddenly, oh, no, we're back to nine-handed now. Sorry. So I said, no. I said, you, you can't just pick and choose. If the game's ten-handed, then it's ten-handed. You can't, you can't pick and choose whether it's going to remain ten-handed depending on who's next on the list. No. So they said, F you. We're making it nine-handed. Too, too bad. So I called the floor man over, and the floor man agreed with me. And, in fact, one player at the table spoke up in my defense, and says, we can't do that. You know, we, can't, we can't be making decisions based upon uh, the person involved. And the floor man agreed. The floor man said, look, if it, we, we made it 10-handed, it has to stay 10-handed now until there's no list anymore. Or until the first person on the list is willing to wait. So, I said, I'm not willing to wait. I sat down. Some people were not happy. I didn't care. And that was that. But uh, that kind of goes along the same lines of Maybe it is reasonable for them to go north if uh, the fish is going north. Now, they were doing it in a surreptitious way. They weren't just going, okay, we're buying in 4000 now. They were they were slowly sneaking on a few hundred dollars you know, every 15 minutes to where they got there. But still, uh, if they are allowing a fish to do it, then I don't think it's a big deal that they were doing it anyway. Yeah, and they built that matrix like right across the street from Bay 101. So I'd imagine they were originally Bay 101 players anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I've never. Even... I think Garden. Did, did Garden City turn into Matrix? I don't know. I, I don't know much about Matrix. I, I, I've, I know it exists, but I don't know much about its history. Yeah, it's basically exactly right across the freeway 
prom by Bay 101. Oh. So it's kind of weird. Interesting. So I thought I'd just mention this because there was a little controversy on 2 plus 2 about it and some debate about it. And uh, I actually am a believer that cheaters should be banned from everywhere. I don't like how a cheater gets banned from one casino and just moves on to the next one and cheats again until he's caught. I, I think there should be some sort of registry of cheaters or, or cooperation with casinos where people who are che- caught cheating in poker or even in other things that they communicate with each other and they're just banned across all these casinos. I would love to see in poker where people who are verified cheaters are just banned from all, all poker rooms. And you know why, why let them go on a cheating tour? And uh, so many times people are caught cheating or marking cards or something, and it turns out they've had other incidents. Just about every time you find out about other incidents where they were caught cheating at other casinos, like like why even let that happen? Just if you're caught cheating and it's clear cut that you were cheating, uh, I I feel they should be banned everywhere. And I don't mean just because someone accuses you. I mean if they're really caught doing it and there's no question, then. I think this should be communicated, and uh, they should ban those people, provided they have clear evidence that it really occurred. But uh, unfortunately, I don't. I don't see that happening anytime soon. So here, here is a ridiculous story. Uh, I think this is. Uh, <laughs> Hold on a second. I should have had this up here. I want to get to the exact... Uh... Ah, see, I can't find the tweet now. Um, I should have had this up. I'm trying to... Uh, Kate, Kate Hall's Twitter, you don't want to try to search for something. You'll never find it. <laughs> but uh, somewhere you can find a, a link to this. You, you can put it in the chat room and I'll, I'll read the exact quote. But uh, basically, Kate Hall has decided that she's found a new way to get attention and in a way that I've never seen anyone use to get attention before. Kate Hall is claiming, and, and falsely, I believe, to be autistic. That, that's her new attention ploy. Saying she's autistic. And... and now, I, someone who really discovers that they are autistic or is diagnosed with autism and, and wants to bravely reveal this to the public, maybe to raise awareness or, you know, or if you see the person as like normal or semi-normal and then you find out they're autistic, you can say, okay, well, I, I think differently of autistic people now. I, I th- you know, maybe you thought of all autistic people were like Rain Man and, uh, you know, once you know this person who seems fairly normal is also autistic, you can think better of autistic people. That's fine. But to use claims of, oh, you know what, I just think I'm autistic. I just think I realize I'm autistic. Or not just I think I realize. I, I totally realize I'm autistic now. And, and put that out there to get a reaction. I, I think is ridiculous. And in fact, it's an insult to those who, who really are suffering from uh, some form of autism. Like, autism should not be used as an attention ploy. And it, Kate Hall, it seems like her whole life is about getting attention in some way. It's about, look at me, look what look what's going on with me, look at my situation, marvel at my situation. Even if it's not positive, just, just whatever it is. She, she wants you to notice her in some way. Positive or negative, she wants you to notice her. So, 
She put a link to an article, I think it's Scientific American, about uh, just a long article about autism being underdiagnosed in females. And that's true. It is. And the reason that it's underdiagnosed in females is because it presents itself in a less obvious fashion in females for a few reasons. Uh, First of all, the symptoms are not as obvious. Second, females are better at hiding it. Females seem to have a, a natural ability to mimic what they believe is correct behavior, whereas uh, males often don't. Males who are strange will just be strange and, and not really care. Females, if, if they're strange, if they're different, they will often be bothered about that perception enough to where they will observe what's going on around them and say, okay, well, I think this is supposed to be the correct behavior, so even this, even though this is not natural to me, I'm just going to act the way the other girls act, so I'll fit in. So uh, they, they say that aut- autistic girls will do that, and therefore they'll seem normal when they're really, uh, they really are autistic. So that's, uh, And this is not stuff Kate Hall was saying. This is in the article, which, I, which I've read things like this before. So... It's a lot harder to tell when a female is autistic or has Asperger's than it is with a male. Both in that the the symptoms are not uh, as obvious when they present themselves and and they can cover it up a lot better. Uh, It even mentioned that uh, males seem less bothered by isolation. If a male feels like he's not fitting in or, or, or can't relate to people or doesn't have many friends, uh, males tend to just tolerate it and just, just uh, go on that way where females will, will really go through great lengths to uh, rectify that situation and, and find ways to fit in. So that, that's what the article was basically saying. I read it. It was an interesting article. I, I think I agree with a lot of it. But Kate Hall read the article and decided for herself, she diagnosed herself, Dr. Kate Hall don't, uh, diagnosed herself as uh, having autism. Now, I've never met her. We've discussed her a lot on this show. I've never met her, but I've observed her actions on Twitter. I've read some old articles she wrote in her uh, college newspaper. I watched her on that stream. I've watched her in other forms of televised poker. So I can't say I know her well. But something I never thought about her, oh, this person seems autistic. Even knowing what I know about how female autism is underdiagnosed, I never got that impression, nor do I have this impression now. I I believe she might have some kind of psychological disorder. Uh, Like if if someone told me she had narcissistic personality disorder, I'd say, yeah, I, I think I agree. Like like that, I could totally get on board for it to believe. But uh, autism, no. Like, I haven't really seen signs of autism with her. I see she loves attention, but I, I don't see autism. I don't see it in any way, shape, or form. Also, a lot of people wrongly self-diagnose that they believe they have Asperger's or autism because they will take these tests online or they'll read about uh, traits that one would have if they have Asperger's or autism and they'll notice some traits that they have. 
And they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I do this too. Okay, I must be autistic. Oh, I must have Asperger's. It doesn't work that way. Uh, you can have certain traits without actually uh, having Asperger's or autism. Uh, it, it, it's kind of a spectrum where uh, it, you know, it passes a certain point and then you could be diagnosed with one of those things. But just because you have a few of those traits doesn't mean that uh, you have that. Which is true for a lot of uh, psychological type disorders. Uh, you can have some traits that would be similar to someone who, who is uh, bipolar, but that doesn't mean you're bipolar. Uh, you, you could ha- have traits similar to uh, narcissistic personality disorder and not have that. So, just having a few traits like that does not uh, necessarily mean you have it. And Kate Hall, I don't really see any traits like that. And maybe when she she knows herself better than I know her, so maybe she reads some traits that someone with Asperger's would have or autism would have, and, and she would say, uh, oh yeah, that's me. In a few of these, but Overall, I highly doubt it. And it's a very weird thing to put. It's like she wanted to be congratulated. like uh, <laughs> Almost like announcing, hey, everybody, I'm pregnant. But hey, everybody, I'm autistic. I just realized I'm autistic. Uh, I, I think some of the reason she was saying that was almost like to get sympathy. Almost like uh, so people will keep that in mind next time she says something to piss them off or says something outrageous or uh, next time people think negatively of her, oh, okay, she's autistic. Oh, she can't really help it. Or maybe even to congratulate her for overcoming that and being uh, successful in life. That She was an attorney, that she's uh, had success in poker so far. She's overcome that. So... It's kind of like, uh, you know, if you're a great, if you're a writer, and then you reveal, you know what? I actually am dyslexic, and I wasn't able to really read until I was ten years old. And you go, oh wow, you write so well. I can, I can't believe that you, that you were plagued by these problems as a kid, and wow, you've really come a long way. That makes your writing even more impressive to me. So sometimes people will claim to have some sort of adversity to make themselves seem more interesting or more accomplished. If you, if you started from a, a position where you had some kind of handicap and then succeeded despite that, that's a lot better than just being normal and succeeding. So I think that's what she's doing. It's so hard to tell what she's doing because all I see, the, the only common denominator I see with her is that it's always about getting attention. I just thought that's the weirdest way to get attention is say, hey, I'm autistic. And if, if she went to a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist and got diagnosed, then fine. Then a professional diagnosed her and then I, you know, who am I to question it? But to, to read one article and, and diagnose yourself is crazy, especially when you don't have obvious traits. Like Ken Scaler, who's appeared on the show a lot of times, uh, he definitely has Asperger's. There's no question. And he's since been formally diagnosed with it, but uh, even before that, I knew he had it. There, there's some traits he has that are 100% right along with uh, things people with Asperger's would do. Like a lot of them. 
to where there's there's no doubt. I mean, when I when I read about this, I said that's Ken for sure. Okay, so with some people, it's so obvious it's you can be so certain. But Kate Hall's not one of those people. I never even popped into my mind that she could possibly be uh, autistic. I don't believe she is. But it's such a weird thing to announce just from reading one article. So. That just, uh, <laughs> and of course, there, there's the ass kissers and the idiots going, oh, wow, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's so interesting. That's so brave of you to acknowledge that about yourself. I'm like, oh, geez. That's exactly what she wanted. Okay, so, uh, see what else we got here. Oh, the PPA, they're they're back in the news, the Poker Players Alliance. Uh, I've expressed my concerns about them over the years, both on this show, previous shows, uh, forum posts. I, I felt that the Poker Players Alliance has not really been on the player's side, and that's because they have gotten almost all of their funding from major online poker sites. And in fact, when we had Rich Muni on here, I didn't know to what extent that they had such funding. And Haley Hintz brought this to my attention after we had Rich Muni on here like four years ago. And I was like, oh, I wish I knew that before I, I had him on here. Because that would have been a really good thing to pin him down to answer. Of Basically, how can you represent the player's interests if 99% of your funding came from the online poker sites. I, I knew they got a lot of their funding. I didn't know it was like 99%, but it was like 99%. So obviously, when you're a lobbying group, which is what they are, they, they, the Poker Players Alliance sounds like almost like a Poker Players Union, but it's not. They really were just a lobbying arm to try to get laws passed that are favorable for online poker players, which sounds good. And in some cases can be good, but the problem is when you're getting 99% of your funding from existing online poker sites, obviously you have to act in their interest and not the player's interest. And if the interests happen to align, then great, but they are not necessarily going to align. And that always bothered me that they were receiving almost all their funding from sources that will sometimes have different goals than what the players would have, and yet they weren't really honest about that. It was more like, hey, we're a grassroots organization. Donate to us. We're fighting for you. No, they really weren't. It also bothered me that they didn't get more proactive in warning people about sites like Lock Poker and UB, and finally at the end they started to do it a little bit, but it was kind of too little too late. I always thought that if they're going to portray themselves as defenders of the players, that even if this isn't their prime task, that at the very least, warn players about really dangerous sites like UB or Lock Poker. And they weren't interested in doing that. But uh, they've posted an online survey... Because uh, they are wondering if maybe they should shift directions. And if maybe they should add to what they're doing. 
One reason is that they're not getting as much funding as they used to because, number one, some of the large online poker sites are starting to lose enthusiasm about legalizing online poker in the U.S. They're, they're afraid that a federal legalization will never happen, that the state legalization is very slow, that even where it does get legalized, poker doesn't do nearly as well online as they thought it would. So a lot of these big sites are kind of writing off the U.S. at this point, don't want to spend too much time, money, or effort on it. And also, there's just not as much money to spend on it as there used to be. So you can they posted a survey on the Poker Players Alliance site, which is called, their site is thepPA.org, thepPA.org. And uh, you can take a survey. Let's see where the survey is. If you go to their site, I think if you click Take Action, no. How are you going to take the survey if you can't even find it? <laughs> I thought this would be easy to find. But I'm, lo- I'm looking for it. I see. I, I didn't even bother to look beforehand because I heard it was easy to find. But honestly, I can't even find it. Let's see here. Oh, here. Take the survey. Okay, so... I guess if you go to... It's go.thepPA.org. So go.thepPA.org. And then survey 2017. So go slash survey 2017, and that's all lowercase. So that brings you to this survey. It says the PPA wants to hear your thoughts about the future of the game. Your feedback is crucial for us as we develop strategies to support sensible poker legislation. Complete the survey below, and you will be entered for a drawing of a $200 Visa gift card. That's exciting. And then they're saying one survey submission per individual. Yeah, as if there's going to be massive cheating to win a $200 gift card. (laughs) So, here are the questions. How do you feel about the current state of poker in the United States? Now, you can check all that applies. Poker is as popular as it has ever been and continues to grow. No, I wouldn't check that. Poker has reached its peak and is now on a plateau and will soon decline. I would check that. Poker's popularity has been on a decline in the U.S. since Black Friday shut down the leading poker sites. Yes. Check that too. Then other. What's the point of checking other? Other could be so many things. Like what, is, what does other even mean? Oh, then I guess, yeah. If you checked other, uh, please use the box to add your input. Okay. Uh, number three. Do you believe the federal and or state government should allow licensed regulated online poker? Yes or no? I mean, uh, who would say no? Who would say no that would be on the ppa.org? I understand some of the general population would say no, but who would go to the PPA's website and, and click no there? Would, like, would a single person click no that visits the PPA site? And then it says, if you answered no, uh, please explain why. That's number four. Okay. So far, I, I don't see how this is very valuable. Uh, so far in the first four questions, uh, two of the four are useless, and then... Uh, one of them is asking if, if poker has reached its peak or not, which, I mean, is, is that really important here for what they're doing? Number five, why do you believe more states have not licensed and regulated online poker? 
Now you can check any of these. Elected officials have misconceptions about online poker. Uh, yeah. Elected officials don't feel the issue is important. Yes, definitely. Uh, there is not enough money generated through online poker. Um, you know, there used to be. Probably at the state level there isn't. Uh, I don't know if I'd check yes or no on that one. Uh, poker players do not care enough about the issue. No, I wouldn't say that. Poker players are not organized enough. Yeah, definitely. Uh, not enough money is going towards lobbying. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder why they're asking that. They, they definitely want more money here. Uh, gambling industry is not working together and funding the fight. Yep, that's true, because a lot of them don't really care much about poker. Uh, arguments and approach for legalizing online poker are wrong. Yes, definitely. See, I, I'm glad they're putting that there, because I said this for years. I said this for years, that the PPA's line of argument as to why poker should be legal is that poker is a game of skill and it's not gambling. So make it legal. Well, that's a lousy argument, especially because, as their first response that you can check says, elected officials have misconceptions about online poker. So, okay, they do. So elected officials believe online poker is gambling. They, they understand what poker is, but they think poker is gambling. You know why? Because it's gambling. It is gambling. It is. It's skilled gambling, but it is gambling. If it was not gambling, then you would never lose if uh, you were the best player at the table. If it was not gambling, fish would never win poker tournaments. If it was not gambling, fish would never destroy the table against a bunch of players who were better than them in one particular session. It is definitely gambling. You can just tilt the gambling, the odds in your favor by being a more skilled player. But that does not mean it's not gambling. It's definitely gambling. And whether you want to say it's gambling or not, elected officials definitely believe it's gambling. And you're never going to convince them that poker is not gambling. Because it's not a big enough issue for them to care about. So they'll think about it a little bit, but you're not going to be able to make them listen enough to where you can convince them that it's not gambling. They will believe it's gambling. So if your entire argument about legalizing online poker is that it's not really gambling, you're going to lose over and over, which is what they have mostly done. So at least they're finally... like If you said this to them before, it was like fighting words. If you dared say this to them, your poker isn't gambling thing sucks and it's not going to be effective from a lobbying standpoint, uh, they would get so pissed. They, they would not even entertain that as a possibility. So I'm, I'm glad they're finally putting that in their questionnaire, in their survey. So uh, people can say, yeah, your, your approach for legalizing online poker is wrong. It is. Then number six, if you checked other, you know, say, add to your input, blah, blah, blah. Uh, number seven, what are you willing to do to, to help legalize online poker in your state? Contact my elected officials by email, phone, or social media. That's nah, pretty worthless. They like to push that all the time. It's, it's, it does very little good. And the reason it does very little good is that elected officials constantly get contacted about a lot of trivial crap they don't care about. There's always fanatics writing to them, oh, care about this, care about that, and, and they usually don't even see it. Some assistant gets it and then just ignores it. Even if you get a lot of people, it doesn't matter. The assistants who read these things are very aware of the fact that there are organized letter-writing campaigns where a bunch of people who care about one particular niche topic will write basically the same letter. And that doesn't mean there's a, a huge overwhelming support for 
that particular issue. It just means that they got a, a number of people together to write the same thing. So those all go back in the trash. Uh, visit my elected officials. Again, not going to do any good. Write a letter to the editor to, of a local paper. Yeah, maybe that would work maybe in 1960. Not anymore. Uh, help organize other local poker supporters. Okay, organize them to do what? Uh, donate money to the PPA. Ah, there we go. That's what they're looking for. <laughs> and then uh, the, the next one, the next possible response is nothing. <laughs> I like that one. That's not going to check. Nothing. Uh, seriously, I mean, what can I do? I, I would like to see legalized poker in my state, but the, I can't do anything. Human beings like to believe that they have some power over every situation. You like to think you have power over your health. You like to think you have power over your safety. You like to think you have power over your, your money. You like to think you have power uh, over who gets elected. You like to think that you have power in a lot of areas where you really don't have very much power at all. So this is the type of thing people go, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm emailing my elected official that I support online poker. Okay, you can feel good you're doing that, but it's not going to do much good or any good. You can write a letter to the editor. It will not help one bit. So nothing is the correct answer here. Now, I'm not saying everybody should do nothing. I'm saying that uh, each individual at this point, given the state of online poker, can do very little. This is something that really has to occur through lobbying, or more specifically, lobbying that comes from casinos themselves. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating to think, well, I have elected officials. I should be able to express my concerns to them. They should take my concerns, and they should, you know, if my concerns make sense, they should fight for me. Well, you can think that. That's in the ideal world, that would be the case. But the, in reality, that's not the case. In reality, you have very little power or no power over a situation like this. Even a group of people has a very tiny amount of power in a situation like this. And that's what the PPA uh, still hasn't understood. That's why they haven't really gotten anywhere in all this time. So nothing, unfortunately, is the correct answer. But people really hate to believe they don't have control. It's kind of like the situation with uh, blood pressure and cholesterol. That if you have high blood pressure, as I do, or high cholesterol, which I don't have, this is mostly hereditary. Yeah, it's and, you know, what you eat and, and your exercise habits can affect it, but and your stress can sometimes affect uh, blood pressure. But for the most part, these are hereditary. And that's the, the overwhelming factor. Way, way, way more than lifestyle. And that really bothers people because they want to believe if they live healthy, if they eat healthy, that their cholesterol and blood pressure will be good. And if they're not eating healthy or living healthy, they will be bad. They want a reward for doing the right thing. But that's not really how it works. What's really how it works is it it depends on your genetics. (laughs) Someone who has a horrible diet and doesn't exercise but has good genetics will often have low blood pressure, not too low, but you know, good blood pressure and, and good cholesterol. 
And someone who does everything right and exercises and eats well will, will sometimes have high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Or one of the two. It's unfair, yes, but that's the way it really is. But human beings hate that. Human beings always want to feel like they have control. That's part of the reason people are afraid to fly, by the way. The reason people are afraid to fly but not usually afraid to drive, even though statistically it's more dangerous to drive for the same number of hours, is because when you're flying, you have no control. You're a passenger, and if the plane crashes, if the pilot makes an error, if the plane is unsafe, you're just sitting there as a passenger, and you have no control over it at all. Whereas when you're driving, you feel like you have control, even if there's factors out of your control that can kill you, such as uh, a drunk driver hitting you or your, your car malfunctioning in some way. And you know, there's ways people, a lot of ways people die driving that are not their fault at all, nor could be avoided. But they still feel like they're in control because they're at the wheel. When you're on a plane, you're not at the wheel and you feel like you don't have control. That's, that's why people are often afraid to fly. Same thing with a PPA. They they want you to feel like you are making a difference. You can make a difference. You really can't. Not at this point. What are your expectations of the PPA? Number nine. Alert poker players when their voice is needed to adri- address relevant legislation. Uh, I mean, I guess, but when is their voice needed? Like, wh- When has our voice ever been needed? When, when could our voice ever have helped? I, I don't see it. Uh, coordinate lobbying at the state and federal level. Yeah, I guess. Uh, provide legal support and resources to poker players. Uh, legal support, I don't know what they mean by resource. I, no, I, I don't see why they would need to do that. Ensure a fair and honest game for online poker and live poker players. I wouldn't say ensure a fair and honest game, but I would say alert people when fair and honest games don't exist. You have a big membership base that's signed up there. You blast out an email, say, hey, don't play on lock poker. They're not paying people. That would be very useful. And I've said that before. It's so easy for them to do. Why not do it? The reason I think they weren't doing it is they didn't want to piss off those sites and never get donated, donations from them. Even if, the, even if they never got donations before, they don't want to alienate them and stop possible future donations. That's why I think they didn't do it. Uh, represent the voice of poker players in the media and government hearings. Uh, yeah, I guess. Advocate for licensed and regulated online poker in the U.S. were not available. Sure. Advocate for legalizing live poker in the U.S. were not available. Okay, yeah. Spread awareness of the PP- about the PPA among the general public and poker players. Uh, not really. Be funded by poker players. Yeah, good luck with that. Be funded by the industry. More like we are funded by the industry. Not be funded. We, we, we have been. What do you think of that? That's what you should be asking. Okay, number 11. Don't worry, we're almost over here. Uh, PPA's mission is to help poker players effectively engage with their elected officials on the relevant legislation and be a representative voice in government. Do you believe the PPA is doing a good job, yes or no? And if you answer no, explain why. I already said why I think the answer is no, because I think their tactic about saying poker's not gambling is stupid. Okay, number 13, would you support online gambling, daily fantasy, sports, sports betting legislation if it included online poker? Yes or no? 
If you answered no, please explain why. And then number 15, related, should the PPA expand their mission to include supporting online gambling, daily fantasy sports, and sports betting legislation, yes or no? Ah, so that's what this is about. They waited to the end, but that's what this is about. They might soon be the PPDFSSBOGA, which would stand for Poker Players Online Gambling Daily Fantasy Sports Sports Betting Alliance. Basically, they want to get lobbying money from these other industries, which I, I think they feel they've squeezed all they can out of poker. And that well has run dry. So they're seeing the daily fantasy sports money, which is perhaps more plentiful at this point, and how they are in a legalization fight, or more than one legalization fight in various states, and they say, hmm, why don't we offer to help them if they are willing to kick some money our way? And sports betting, yeah, we could help out the sports sites too. There's a whole lot of those, and I bet they'd want to be legalized. And oh. What about just online gambling, like casino gambling sites? Yeah, I bet they would love to have us lobby for them, too. You know what? Screw just poker. We're, we're going to support everything. There's a lot more lobbying money to be had. The funny thing is I actually think, yes, they should. I, I'm mocking it, but I actually think they should, because I'll tell you why. One, another problem with the PPA is they've been throwing other forms of gambling under the bus. They say, you know, just have a carve-out for poker. Go ahead and make sports betting illegal. Make all these other forms of gambling illegal, but just poker because poker isn't gambling. And they, they say this with a straight face to legislators. They say, all other gambling, yeah, it, 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 it probably should be illegal, but poker, carve it out, it's not gambling. <laughs> and they, they seem foolish. Like, it's very hard to convince legislators that poker is any different than these other forms of gambling. So that's why they don't get anywhere. So I think they'll get somewhere more easily if they just push that, yes, poker's gambling. So is all this stuff. So is casino gambling. So is daily fantasy sports. So is sports betting. It's all gambling. But you know what? If adults want to do it, let them. License it. Regulate it. Have protections uh, against underage gambling and, and problem gambling, but but allow adults to do it just like you allow them to do it in Vegas. All the stuff you can do in Vegas, allow them to do from their home. License it, regulate it, so that you don't have these shady sites taking advantage of people and stealing from people and cheating people. I think that's a more honest approach and an approach that many more legislators can understand and get behind. Some will not go for it. Some will say the, they think it's harmful. They think it's sinful, whatever, but you will have some that will say, yes, we think that adults should be able to make this decision for themselves. You'll have others that will say, we think at least the states should be able to decide this. I think that's a much more sensible approach. And they'll get more money. They'll get more money from all these different organizations, and they might get the support of more casinos, which is the key, because casinos have a lot more influence than the PPA will ever have. So hopefully they are uh, realizing that their bold tactics were never successful and are unlikely to be successful in the future. Trader Risk, are you still with us? I am. How do you feel about this whole thing? 
Well, I think definitely, you know, I mean, by attaching it to um, fantasy sports, that's really already, already been determined to be legal in most of the places. That seems like a good move. I mean, bringing sports betting into it, uh, that might be open. That Then I think your fighting is still an uphill battle. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can understand that point that that may be more difficult to get uh, legalized since that seems to be the one that is most reviled as far as gambling. But I, I will say that sports betting, it's come a long way. And even commissioners of the major sports are now in support of of betting on their sports, whereas before they they hated it. No, for sure. But still, I mean, I think with, um, you know, between poker and fantasy sports, it's kind of the same thing. You're playing a game, the provider's just taking a, you know, juice... You know, while betting sports is betting against the house. Yeah, you know, that may not even be a bad tactic. Is instead of saying poker isn't gambling, to just say, yes, it is, but the house is collecting a fixed percentage. You're not, the players are not playing against the house. They're, right, people they're, are playing against each other yes. as independent people. Yeah, it's, it's a competition against each other. Not, it's not gambling, because that, that's false. And that, that just makes you look like you're not being honest. And that's what I've always ha- hated about this tactic. But yeah, I think maybe that could be. That could be a selling point. Is it's it's allowing people to play each other with the house just taking a, a fee to uh, to provide the game. I think I think the average legislator could more get behind that than oh oh you know it's, it should be legal because it's not actually gambling. He looks like a freaking fool saying that. So. Right. I mean, it's like whether people are playing chess, Monopoly, whatever they're you know they're playing games. Yeah, I think that may be a better way to approach it. Maybe you should be the the head of the PPA. <laughs> We should, maybe we should start a competitive organization. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let, let's see what else we got here. Uh, now this is a weird story. The uh, The term fake news has been all over the place thanks to Donald Trump. Now, the funny thing was that fake news was – it really came into prominence first from those supporting Trump. Uh, fake news was a way to – promote totally false news stories on social media that would uh, paint one political party or one candidate in a terrible light but it was like the stories were completely false and uh, and they were all over social media and and they were in enough places where enough people would read them and, and a certain percentage of people reading them would believe them to be true and it would influence their voting decisions uh, eventually this, this came, you know, it started more on the right, but, uh, eventually it came to occur on both sides. There was fake news from the left. There's fake news from the right. I, I read, uh, during the election cycle, completely fake news on both sides. And I was annoyed by it. Like I, I, I would be on conservative Facebook groups and people say, Oh, look at this here. And they put some you know, totally false story about Obama. I go, no, 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 this is fake news. This is BS. You know, don't share this. It's stupid. People are going to you know look at you like a fool. You're not, you're not doing the cause any favors by sharing this crap. So, like, uh, I, I hated all kinds of fake news. But uh, Trump started using it whenever there was anything that was criticizing him. He would always call it fake news. In, in some cases it was. In some cases uh, it was fake or questionable news about him. But in some cases it was real and he just didn't like it and he called it all fake news. So the term fake news got a, very quickly got popularized. And 
fake news hadn't really made its way into poker until now. The 888 Casino, which is the same 888 that runs the World, Se- yeah, the, the World Series of Poker.com software is. It's, you know, it's a huge company. But I guess they contracted with a third-party company to advertise and didn't really realize what they were buying. So it turned out that uh, 888 was uh, there, there are fake news ads for 888. And listen to this absurd thing. Now, this is in England. This was uh, on sites that were notorious clickbait fake news sites. But uh, were advertising 888 because they were under contract through some ad agency to do so. 888 didn't write these ads or approve them, but uh, nevertheless, uh, they were being done on behalf of 888, and 888 was paying for them. So I'm going to read these in Colonel Fabersham's voice because uh, these were in England. These were on English news sites, English fake news sites. Uh, So first, you would click on this clickbait headline of, On their wedding night, he he delivered a secret she wasn't ready for. The result will have you in tears. So I mean, don't you want to read that? Don't don't you want to find out on their wedding night the secret that he told his wife and that you're going to be in tears when you read it? Of course you of course you want to read this. I mean it's a it's, it sounds like a shocking story. Here we go. This is this is the secret that William revealed to his wife. Um. I, I, or actually, I guess it, it, I guess it was actually her revealing it to him. But uh, the the big secret was that uh, she had cancer, and he found out on their wedding night. But it gets worse. They could not cover the expenses of dealing with the cancer. I, I thought they had socialized medicine in the, in the UK, but maybe maybe they they couldn't get in because of the massive lines. They had to go to private care. I don't know. They don't really give a backstory here, but here we go. Uh, William is also over 130 pounds, 130,000 pounds in debt after having to sell the house and continue paying out of pocket for his wife's cancer-related medical bills that their insurance wouldn't cover. William took to Facebook one night in the hospital lobby to update his friends and family on his wife's health. A little tired and admittedly a bit depressed, uh, William stumbled upon an ad for 888 Casino. With little to no money to with little to, with little to no money to spend, he admits he laughed and almost scrolled past it until he saw they were offering a promotion that would reward him with 888 pounds free bonus at the Leprechaun's Luck Game, which after which at over 700 thousand pounds was too hard to pass up. So you don't you know where this is going. So William whose wife, his new wife, has cancer. She, she drops the bomb on him that uh, she's got cancer. Yeah, I guess you're supposed to be in tears at this point. Okay. And he, he doesn't ditch her like a good husband. He spends every last penny he has trying to cure her cancer that the insurance won't cover. He spends 130,000 British pounds. Sells the house to uh, be able to afford it. One night he's in the hospital lobby and his, his wife's being treated for cancer and he's depressed. 
and he sees an ad somewhere for 88 Casino. And he's thinking, <laughs> 88 Casino, I can't afford that. I've spent just about every penny on my wife's treatment. So that would be fun to play, but you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not going to I guess he was on his, his phone or something. He scrolled past it. But then he saw the promotion that they're offering an 888-pound free bonus to play if you play the Leprechaun Luck game. And I guess that uh, has a jackpot of 700,000 pounds. So guess what happened? Do you, do you think William just, uh, you think he put his money on there and just lost? You think that was the result? No. William won the 700,000 pounds. And now his wife's cancer is cured. He and his wife are out of their financial bind because of 888.com and their Leprechaun Luck game. That William was only able to afford to play because of that 888-pound free bonus. Now, this wasn't just like a, a stupid little ad or a commercial. It was actually a news story. A fake news story, but nevertheless a news story that they were peddling on one of these sites. So you're supposed to read this, believe it's a real news story about this guy, William, who got married, found out his wife had cancer, spent every penny, sold his house to pay for her cancer treatments, was broke, and then one day in the hospital decided to take a shot at 888.com's uh, Lucky Leprechaun game. And lo and behold, he went 700,000 pounds, which is worth about a million bucks U.S., and uh, their prayers were answered. Isn't that a great story? Doesn't that make you want to just sign up for 888 right now? Especially since you know, it's a news story. It has to be true. So... Trade Risky, you would make a comment here? Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, uh, so that's a fake news story? Yeah, it's completely made up. It's, it, it's, it's completely made up on a site that's notorious for fake news. So they just, uh, okay. it, it's an advertorial about a completely phony situation. So I won't add Poker Cures Cancer to our campaign slogan to take over the association? No, no. no our, our, our new PPA uh, competitor here, we can't, uh, we can't do that. That can't be a reason to legalize it. So, the there were some complaints about this ad that this was uh, violating a regulation there that uh, ads must not suggest that gambling can provide an escape from personal problems such as depression or that it can be a solution to financial concerns. So, uh, that's actually uh, a law in the UK under their uh, Advertising Standards Authority. So they're not allowed to advertise like that. And so there were complaints that that's exactly what they're doing. So they evaluated this in the UK to see if uh, 888 had uh, violated the law here. This is what they found. The ISA considered that the content of the ads targeted vulnerable people as it identified a number of personal difficulties William had to overcome, including having to sell his property to pay his wife's medical bills, uh, deal with his wife's cancer, and how he did this through taking up the offer from 888. The ads specifically stated how William was depressed when he saw the ad and made the decision to gamble. Further, it stated that having won over 30 times his annual salary in a single spin, his debt and financial worries came to an abrupt end. It explained that through gambling, he won enough money to pay off his wife's medical bills, repurchase the house that had been sold to alleviate his debt, and to pay for his expensive honeymoon. So wait, how did he rebuy the house? Like, usually when people buy a house, they don't, uh, yeah, they don't move in, and when the person who sold it then comes back, go, hey, we'd like to repurchase it. Uh, they'd say, um, have you gone mad? Repurchase it? We just moved in here. Go buy some other house. 
but uh, supposedly William was able to repurchase it. Um, the image of the bank statement shown in the ad indicated that William was overdrawn when he made the de- decision to place a ten dollar bet, a ten uh, pound bet with eight eight eight. That's funny. <laughs> he was actually overdrawn supposedly. Uh, the ad further stated that down on his luck, the two hundred free jackpot chances turned his life around. Because we considered that the ad suggested gambling could provide an escape from personal problems such as depression, and that it could be a solution to financial concerns, we considered it to be socially irresponsible, and therefore was in breach of the code. So, they were in breach. So what happened? Well, 888 said back that they did not make this ad, that an affiliate made it, and that 888 has terminated the agreement with the affiliate, because it violated the terms of the agreement. So they were saying that uh, not only was this done by a third party, but that it was a third party contracted by a third party. The third party who was an affiliate for them had this ad placed and uh, that it's... Not only didn't they do it, but uh, it, it was easy to end the relationship with the affiliate that did this. So a third party of a third party, they're saying. So apparently the ASA, uh, which, which is, again, the Advertising Standards Authority in the UK, they, they actually believe this. But uh, I, I guess they still ruled against 888. I don't know what the consequences were, but it, it was still ruled against them that they were uh, in violation. And they did technically put on the webpage somewhere that it said advertorial, but I guess it wasn't prominent enough, so uh, it looked like a real news article. And uh, I, I, from what I can see here, there was no actual punishment of 888. They were just told not to do this again, and that they were in violation, and that they have to be careful that even their affiliates don't do things like this. I've actually been contacted by affiliates of 888, to put ads on this site. And I'm not even against 888. Like, I, I guess I would run ads for them. They're a huge company. But it's affiliates wanting me to do this, and then they want me to do it in stupid ways. I don't want to do it to clutter the site. Like, you know, put a bunch of stupid links on my homepage. I, I, did, it would be, I wasn't going to get a lot of money for it, and it was going to be something kind of cluttering to the site. So I said, I'm not doing it. Like, if, if I really want to squeeze out every dime of the site, I could take these, but... I didn't want to. So affiliates do a lot of shady things. They don't care about the brand. All they care about is getting clicks. Because basically, if you click on this ad and sign up for 888, the affiliate gets money. So that's always the problem with affiliates is it's hard to control them. So interesting, though, that that was the way 888 was being promoted. (laughs) It actually cures cancer. Okay, so uh, Calwatt wasn't around long enough to answer this question, so I never got to find out if he knew. But, uh, Trey Daruski, do you have any idea, and, and uh, you can answer now if you know it, do you know which famous actor, and when I say famous, I mean someone who's probably known to anyone over 35, which famous actor has appeared at two different World Series of Poker final tables and had a deep run in the main event, making the final three tables? Hmm. No clue. I'd say so. I'd say James Woods. No. Okay, I'll I'll give you a, 
I'll give you a big hint. Who loves you, baby? Still blinking. What about someone who's known for being bald? Kevin, not... Well, no, wait, no. is it Kevin Pallick? No, not Kevin anything. Here's another deep, hint. Deep. Another hint. This person died over 20 years ago. Oh. I have no idea, Jeff. I'm just about to pass out. Okay. Barry, this... Oh, hold on. I was going to play us a, a theme song here, but then it played a stupid ad here. Let me uh, skip this, and I'll play you the theme. If you don't get it here, then then I'll tell you. Tally Savalas? You're correct. It's Tally Savalas. I just found this out today. I never knew he was a poker player. Uh, I I stumbled upon it because, of all things, this is so weird. Someone sent me a cover of uh, People magazine from the 70s with Tally Savalas on it talking about his womanizing. Like, it was weird. It's like, yeah, my womanizing bothers my wife a bit. Like, such a weird headline. But I guess in the 70s that was uh, acceptable. But. Uh, it, it also had on there like secrets, uh, winning Las Vegas gamblers uh, reveal, something like that. Probably about card counting. I don't know, but I think that was the reason I was sent the cover. It wasn't because uh, it had Telly Savalas on it. But seeing them, like, oh, I hadn't thought of Telly Savalas in a while. So I, I googled him and read a bit about him, and then I read something about him playing the World Series of Poker and go, wait a minute, I never heard about this. So I, I looked more into it, and I saw that on. In May 1985, he played uh, seven-card stud high-low at the World Series, and he finished third. He entered for $1,000. He cashed for 14900 Wow. Well, I remember he had, what did he have, the player's card or club or whatever? Uh, remember, that, remember it was like that player's club thing? That was years ago. But he was like their main spokesperson. Oh, was he? Okay. Where I think you'd buy like a thing for Vegas or something. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember something about that. Yeah. So yeah, this now it only had how many entrants were on this? This um, I can't even see how many entrants there were. Uh, they only paid eight spots, so it wasn't exactly a large tournament. They probably had uh, seventy people or so. I'm guessing. Uh, of the final table, aside from Telly Savalas, the only name that I recognize is Steve Zolodow, who finished fifth. The rest of them, including the winner, John Lucas, I don't know who that is. So uh, he finished third. That was his best World Series of Poker finish, and that was his first World Series of Poker finish, just like me. Um, the very first cash he had at the World Series was the third place. So mine was a much bigger field. Much, much bigger field. Uh, two years later, also in May, in 1987, he played seven-card stud split and finished in fifth. There he bought in for $1,000 and cashed 11650 uh, Again, they paid eight spots. This, this one they had uh, – this one I do see how many entries. There's 71 entrants here. So it's probably similar to the previous – the two years, two years before that. And I do not recognize any of the names there. It was one by Joe Petro. I don't know him. I don't know any of these names here. 
wonder how many people are still alive 30 years later. At this point, I was not even close to being old enough to gamble. I'm still six years away. I think even you were not old enough to gamble in 87. Isn't that true? I was not. Okay. One more year. In July of 87, he finished third in some uh, other poker tournament for seven-card stud. A $200 tournament with probably a lot more entries. uh, Finished third for 6K. But that was not a World Series event. Then he didn't either didn't play or didn't cash in anything for five more years. And in May of 92, he played the main event. And he cashed, finishing 21st. Now, 21st is nothing like 21st today when there are uh, you know, 7,000 entrants. Uh, this particular year, there were 201 entrants. And... Uh, so 21st, you know, it's still pretty good. And this was the main event of the World Series. It, it was a $10,000 buy-in, which today would be more like 20000 by that, you know, 1992 money. It hasn't quite doubled, but it's uh, it's getting there. So definitely worth way more than 10000 today. That was the year that uh, Hamid uh, Dasmalchi won. And of the final table that year in '92. The other recognizable names, Hans Lund, also known as Hans Tuna Lund. He was third. Uh, Johnny Chan was seventh. Jack Keller, who won in 84, was eighth. And that's as far as the recognizable names. Uh, then Todd Brunson did finish 13th that year. And uh, Barry Johnston finished in 17th. Sarinda Sunar finished uh, 20th. Telly Savalas, 21st. And then finishing right behind him, Barry Greenstein and Mike Sexton. This is in 1992, 25 years ago. So again, t- 201 people entered. So uh, Telly Savalas did cash. Though interestingly, um, they were actually cashing in that. They actually paid you less than the buy-in for the lower. Like like Barry Greenstein lost money that year despite cashing. They paid 8000 for finishing 27th through 19th. So Telly Zavala's actually lost there. Despite cashing, he actually lost almost 2K. Uh, the, the people who finished in the, the final fourth table, finishing 36th through 27th, or through 28th, I guess, got uh, 7070 So they lost almost 3K. That's kind of strange. In fact, if you didn't make the final table, you did not make more than $100. So if you finished 10th place, then you got 10100 That's such a strange prize pool. I guess they felt they had to do that in order to pay a million for the top prize. So the top prize is a million, and then it goes down really fast. It goes a million, 353 then 176 then 101 So already third place gets 176000 when the top prize is a million. See, that was the problem. They were just trying to find a way to pay a million. But anyway, he did cash uh, 20... He got 21st in the main event, and he got uh, third and fifth at the final table. So I thought that was interesting that uh, Telly Savalas did that. And w- when he was asked why he played the World Series of Poker, he said, uh, gambling was always in my blood. He also said that he feels that uh, a man can set aside money for his responsibilities and then 
the rest he can use to have fun with. So he felt that uh, money that he didn't need for his responsibilities, he could gamble and not feel bad about it. I believe Telly Savalas died two years after this 21st place finish. I think he died in 1994. I think he was 72. Yes, he died at the beginning of 94. He died in January 94. He died one day after his birthday. He had just turned 72. He was born in 1922. If he were alive today, he would be 95. So he played that... He, he finished 21st in the World Series a year and a half before he died in the main event. So if anybody else knows of any celebrities that have been at final tables of the World Series, please let me know, because I... Other than Jennifer Tilly, who did this at the ladies' event, which I don't really count, I'm talking about an open poker event, an open World Series event that anyone could have entered. Uh, Did any celebrities make the final table? And no, I don't count Tom Vu as the celebrity. Tom Vu was actually at the final table that I was one spot away from making in 2007. At the 1,000 No Limit with rebuys. I was one card away from making it. One card. Tom finished second there, by the way. But I'm talking about real celebrities. Not just people who advertise a lot on TV. See if the chat room knows anybody who is a celebrity that made a final table. (laughs) Since... I am Greek said that uh, he was the coolest Greek ever. But then uh, regarding his statement that uh, he can set aside the money to have fun, that's not what he has to use for for his responsibilities. He said uh, typical Greek behavior. And this is from another Greek. Larry Laffer says, LOL, Druff doesn't count ladies' event. Didn't see that coming. It's not because it's a ladies' event. It's because it's a closed event. Same, same reason I don't count the casino employees' event. Sorry, Chad Holloway. <laughs> but I, I only see it as a real bracelet if anyone can enter. Otherwise, it's not... I, I don't see it as real because there's it's, it's restricted competition. Uh a bracelet, I think, should only be awarded when it's an open event that anyone can enter. Same with the seniors event. I, I don't think that's like a real bracelet. Yeah, I mentioned Jennifer Tilly already, but she that was at a ladies' event, so no. And when I say anyone can enter, I know males can technically enter it now by paying 10 times the buy-in, and even back in the days before they did that, where any male could enter, like when Sean Deeb entered in a dress. Uh, Most males did not do that. So, I mean, not only can they enter, but they're technically uh, supposed to enter. Not where it's like strongly discouraged. Or embarrassing to enter. So, yeah, so far nobody has come up with one. He may be the most uh, famous outside of poker final tableist in World Series history. I'm surprised I haven't heard more about that. Like, I had not heard about that at all until today, just by looking it up. 
Well, when you think of gambling in the U.S., of course, the first thing that comes to your mind is likely Las Vegas, the state of Nevada. Then you probably think of Atlantic City. Then you probably think of the major Indian casinos in places like Connecticut, like Foxwoods. Then you probably think of California with all its, its big poker scene and its Indian casinos. Those are the obvious ones that come to mind when you think about gambling in the U.S. Maybe you think of some other Indian casinos in other states. Maybe you think of the poker scene in Minnesota. Maybe you think of the Florida poker scene around Hollywood there. And the casinos there. But uh, when you think of states that are very much against gambling. Of course, the first thing that'll come to your mind is Utah, because Utah is known as the conservative state, the Mormon state. It's like you ask anyone what state you think is most anti-gambling, and the first thing everyone will say is Utah. You say, okay, well, tell me the other state that's very anti-gambling. And then you'll get guesses like Wyoming or uh, Nebraska, states that people consider are probably conservative, are probably landlocked, probably have a large religious population. So you get guesses like that. The guess that most people would not come up with would be Hawaii. But it is true that there are only two states in the U.S. that have no form of gambling. One is Utah, One is Hawaii. Every other state has some form of gambling. Often not very good gambling or very much gambling, but there is some form of legalized gambling. Utah and Hawaii do not have it at all. Utah for obvious reasons. Hawaii for reasons I've never understood. But they are very, very against gambling in Hawaii. Now, keep in mind, Hawaii is a very liberal state. Hawaii goes democratic Every presidential election, the last time they went Republican, I believe, was in 84 for Reagan, where just about everyone did. But they go Democratic in presidential elections. It's not even close. The local officials tend to be Democrats. But when it comes to gambling, boy, are they hardline. They do not want gambling in Hawaii. Now, you may say, okay, well, Hawaii doesn't really need gambling to attract tourists, but think about it. If, if they had legalized gambling, I think that would be another reason for people to go there. Imagine if you could go to Hawaii and both enjoy the tropical beach setting and gamble. In fact, that's what many of these Caribbean islands do. Think of all the Caribbean islands where a casino is present at all the resorts there, or at a lot of the resorts there. The reason they have that is because they they want it to be, they want to have the full offerings for uh, recreation and make extra money while doing it. Maybe have fun at the beach during the day and at night uh, come back and gamble. But Hawaii doesn't want it. Even when their tourism was uh, struggling for a little while, they didn't want it. However, when you prohibit something, of course, there's often an underground scene which springs up. 
to fill that need. And in Hawaii, that's no exception, there are a number of underground gambling dens. The TV station KITV, uh, they did a report on gambling in Hawaii, and they say that there are about uh, 100 illegal gambling dens operating in Hawaii, which does not have a very big population. So 100 is a good number. Hawaii has rated poker games. In fact, these gambling dens, sometimes they're poker, sometimes they're, uh, they have machines, sometimes they're blackjack, sometimes all three. But Hawaii has decided that they are going to crack down on it. That not only are they not allowing legalized gambling, but they're going to be cracking down on the illegal gambling, which until now they weren't enforcing as strongly. They were enforcing it, but not going as hard. Now they're apparently going to really attempt to eradicate it. The Honolulu Police Department put out a statement stating game rooms affect people of all ages and social uh, social economic levels. We sometimes hear that people say that gambling is a harmless form of entertainment. However, we know that game rooms are often the hubs of Ill- illegal activity. That's interesting how they, uh, they're trying to say it's not so much the gambling that's bothering us, it's just that there's other illegal activity going on there. Which, I don't know if that's true. I mean, there may be some, but I don't think that quite what they're uh, making out to be. So, what about poker's legality in Hawaii? I'm talking about live poker. Well, interestingly, it is legal if it's considered a social activity, meaning that nobody can make money from it except the players themselves. So, you actually are allowed to have home games in Hawaii, even high-stakes home games. As long as there's no rake, as long as there's no fee, as long as there's nothing sold on the premises there, if you just have people over to your house and you all play poker and some win, some lose, that's actually okay by Hawaii law. They will not bust you for that. However, if you make money in any way by offering a poker game, they will bust you. Number one, you cannot take a rake. Number two, you cannot charge any kind of membership or seating fee. Number three, you cannot sell anything like food or beverages on the premises. That you cannot make a penny in any way from anyone who comes over to play poker unless you're actually in the game and win it that way. Texas actually has a similar law that poker games cannot charge a rake, but if they just want to have home games, it's okay. But, of course, people have found a way around that by charging membership fees, seat fees, selling food, selling drinks. But in Hawaii, that's not going to work. And Hawaii has decided that they're just going to track these down and bust them. So we'll see if that really happens or if it's just a lot of talk from the police department. Of course, there are no casinos anywhere in Hawaii, no kind of gambling that's legal in Hawaii, and despite all that, there were 527 entrants 
to World Series of Poker events in 2017 from those who had addresses registered to Hawaii. Now, some of these 527 may have been the same people, so if someone enters 10 events, then they're 10 of the 527. So it's probably not 527 unique people, but uh, they did have 527 registrations by Hawaiians. And believe it or not, that's more than 18 other states. So, given that Hawaii has a fairly small population, that's actually more than you'd expect for a state with no gambling scene whatsoever, at least no legalized gambling scene. So it shows you that these underground poker games really must exist to an extent that uh, people develop an interest in poker enough. So if you're in one of these games in Hawaii, if you're a Hawaiian listening to this and you're in one of these games, first of all, I'd like to hear from you. If you're in one of these type of games, then uh, let me know. I want to hear about them. And, and second, I, I won't reveal where they are or anything, but I would like to hear about them. And, and uh, also, just if you are, watch out. <laughs> just uh, The police may be coming for it, and if they do, you may not get paid. It's not like when they bust online poker sites and they want them to pay people. If they, if they bust these games, you're probably not getting paid. So, beware. They, pro- they probably won't arrest you for participating in these games, but you may not get your money. I see Willie McFML actually wants me to talk about the Dodgers. The Dodgers have clinched the National League West. They have won the National League West for the fifth consecutive time, dating back to 2013. Now, this was a foregone conclusion a long time ago when they were leading the West by 21 games, but uh, then they went on that horrible tailspin, lost 16 out of 17 games, and the Diamondbacks got really hot, and people thought, oh, wow, maybe the Diamondbacks can do it, only nine games behind. But since then, uh, the Diamondbacks haven't played as well, and the Dodgers uh, put on a little winning streak. And so today they beat the Giants, and they clinched the National League West. They will also probably finish with the best record in the National League and maybe the best record in baseball, though the Cleveland Indians are right on their tail. The Dodgers should have been able to breeze to the best record. In fact, they could have set the all-time record for number of games won before they went on the tailspin. They were, uh, I believe, 92-36 and at one point. And the Dodgers, I believe, now are uh, 90, let me see, I think 97 and 56 is what they are. Let me see. 98 and 56. So they're 6 and 20 in their last 26, which is not very good for a team that uh, was 92 and 36 to start. <laughs> uh so Willie McFML, he, he wants to know what I think of the Dodgers because the Dodgers are kind of an enigma at this point. They were so dominant. They were one of the best teams ever for most of the season. And now they look pretty bad. They just almost got swept in a four-game series by the lowly Phillies, who are a last-place team, have the 
second worst record in the National League. They almost got swept by them and just barely avoided that and won one of the four. So the Dodgers really are limping into the playoffs. They're, they're you know they're probably going to win more than a hundred games for the first time since 1974. But this isn't exactly the dominant way to do it to start out so well and then play like one of the worst teams in baseball the remainder of the way. So it makes people worried about uh, how they're going to do in the playoffs, where which success has eluded them for the past 29 years. Now, right now in baseball, the there are a few teams that are up in the air as far as making the playoffs. Uh, the Boston Red Sox, the Cleveland Indians, the Houston Astros will all be making in the American League. The New York Yankees are uh, very likely to make it as the wild card. The Arizona Diamondbacks are almost certain to make it as the National League wild card. And then the second wild card in the National League is, is it's, it's a race between the Cardinals, the Brewers. And the Rockies, right now the Rockies have the lead, but not by all that much. And in the American League, it's uh, for the second wild card spot, it's a race between uh, uh, the Twins and uh, the Rangers and Angels. But to be honest, uh, it, it's pretty much over. To be honest, it looks like it's going to be the, the Twins. So the question is, if, since the Dodgers are almost surely going to have the home field advantage through the National League uh, all, all, the, all the National League playoffs. Uh, they, they have to win the National League Division Series and then they have to win the uh, the National League Championship Series if they win the Division Series. The question is, number one, can they even do that? And number two, uh, can they handle a team like the Cleveland Indians if they in the American League, if the Indians get that far? Indians, of course, had won... Uh, the record at 22 games in a row recently. Well, I I don't have a lot of confidence at the moment. And it's it's sad, but the Dodgers just have not looked very dominant. The starting pitching has not looked that good. And they've even struggled against some bad teams like the Phillies. During this... 6-20 and 20 slump they've been in, they were not getting beaten by a lot of good teams. They were losing to a lot of uh, bad teams. That's concerning. And a lot of times they were losing, putting out their normal lineup, a similar lineup to what you would see in the playoffs. Clayton Kershaw hasn't looked like himself since he came back from the disabled list, which, of course, is a huge problem. The rest of the pitching staff, it's not even clear who would be the number two starter. Alex Wood, who was great in the first half, has been inconsistent. Uh, Rich Hill has been inconsistent all season. Uh, Kenta Maeda has not been good at all. He probably will be in the bullpen. Hugh uh, Darvish, very inconsistent. He'll, he'll probably be the another pitcher starting for this team. So... You're going to have a playoff rotation of, of Kershaw, Darvish, Wood, and uh, and Hill, but uh, I don't know if that's going to get it done, especially if Kershaw is not himself, if he's still injured and came back too early. So we shall see. Also, the hitting has cooled down a whole lot. A whole lot. 
and some of the players who were really killing it or not. Uh, Corey Seager seems to still be injured, even though he's playing. He seems to not be himself. Chris Taylor has cooled down considerably after probably being the most surprising player in baseball this year. And uh, Cody Bellinger, yeah, even he's not what he once was, though he did his 39th home run today, but he seems easier to strike out, and he's not just crushing home runs every day like he used to. And the rest of the lineup is really struggling. So I wouldn't even be surprised if they lost the National League Division Series. Anything can happen in baseball. The series are too short. There's so much variance that really any team can win, as we've seen in recent years especially. So whoever gets hot at the right time ends up winning. But I don't know. For a while I really thought this was the Dodgers' year, but they have not looked good recently, and this is the wrong time to look bad. I should also say that no team has ever won the World Series and had a slump like the Dodgers did. No team has ever lost 16 of 17 games or anything close to that and won the World Series. First time for everything, but I don't know. Now, keep in mind, before that big slump, they were 52-10 and 10 in their past 62, which is insane in baseball. In basketball, that can happen when you have like a Golden State Warriors type team or, or one of those Chicago Bulls 90s teams, but... In baseball, to go 52-10 and 10 in 62 games is unheard of. So, it was like two different teams. It was one that was just astoundingly good. And just one that looks like they're not even playoff worthy. Which one will show up? I don't know. And bad news for Willie McFML. Even though the Cardinals are playing well and the Rockies are... Kind of scuffling, I, I just think the Cardinals are going to run out of time. They're a game and a half behind the Rockies. I just don't think they're going to get there. I think the Rockies are going to squeak by and face the Diamondbacks in that one-game playoff. So, and the Miami Marlins, like, how frustrating is it for them to have a player like Giancarlo Stanton to have, have all those home runs? I think he has 56 home runs right now, and they're not even in it. They're like nine games under 500. <laughs> that is a waste. Okay. So, if you've gotten past the sports talk, and you're still here, here's the final segment. Traders, you still with us? You fall asleep. It's hard to tell with him. He takes a while to respond. I think the later it gets, the slower his finger is in getting to the mute button. I think we finally lost him. He's he's here. Like he's he's on the line, but he's I don't think he's mentally here. I'll, I'll just drop him then. I I I don't like phony things. I, I don't like things that make me believe someone is there when they're really not. Like, a long time ago, you know, when I talked to girls on the phone and we talk really late at night and it seemed like they'd fall asleep while we were talking because we'd be up so late. And, uh, you know, I couldn't just sit there and listen to them breathe. I felt like a pervert. <laughs> uh, I, I would just hang up. Either that, I'd do something to wake them up. But uh, 
I couldn't just sit there with him on the phone. Like some people go, oh, we'll go to sleep together. We'll sit on the line. I couldn't do that. Like it just felt weird to have someone on the other end of the line who wasn't awake. So. Let me do my editorial, which has nothing to do with poker or gambling. But I wrote about it on the forum and I want to talk about it here. That is about the Cassidy healthcare bill, which isn't getting that much attention. I think because uh, people are sick of the different healthcare bills that keep being thrown forward and don't go anywhere. So this is yet another Republican attempt to repeal and replace Obamacare. But much like the previous attempt, I feel that it's missed the mark and it's not the right thing. And I'm not a fan of Obamacare. I actually have Obamacare. It sucks. But I still don't like these replacement bills. Republicans have to do better. By the way, I just want to mention that uh, Larry Laffer texted me that James Woods made a final table in 2015 at the No Limit Hold'em shootout, the 3K uh, No Limit Hold'em shootout. I didn't know that. Good for James Woods. Even if he likes 16-year-old girls. So, here's my analysis of this Cassidy healthcare bill. And it's kind of complicated, kind of tough to understand, but I think I've understood it well enough to where I can explain this to everybody who may not be familiar with it and not have it sound too complicated. So the biggest change is that uh, they're going to do away with these subsidies for Obamacare. Where you know, right now, if you if you can't afford to buy individual health care coverage, if your income's low enough, then the government will pay for it. They'll either pay for some of it or all of it. So basically, you're just you're buying it. You're buying a normal plan, but then the government is subsidizing it or paying the whole premium. Uh, they also have been expanding Medicaid to where you can qualify for that if uh, your income is below a certain level. So that's going to be done away with according to this health care bill. It would be doing away with the health insurance subsidies and the expanding of Medicaid and instead would be issuing what are known as block grants to all of the states. A block grant is just money. A lump sum of money they give to each state. They use a complicated formula to distribute the grant, the, the grants. And then the states can take that money and use it how they see fit to provide health care to their residents. This would start in 2020. Now, 2020 sounds like a long time away. Doesn't that seem like ages from now? Doesn't that seem like way in the future? Well, it's not anymore. It's, it's like a little more than two years now. So 2020 is pretty soon. The problem here is that the block grants, first of all, they disappear by 2027. They, they, they're they set to dwindle down and eventually disappear in seven years from when they start. So that will create a problem when states depend on them and then all of a sudden they're gone. But even putting that aside, the complicated formula to distribute the, the grants is flawed. And some states will get too much, some will get too little, and they're going to have a big problem 
paying for the health care that they're trying to provide. So the entire block grant plan is a mess, and it's likely to cause more problems than it solves. What, what they're kind of trying to do here is say, hey, let the state take care of it. Each state knows what its own needs, and you know, why don't we just give each state a certain amount of money, and then they can, they can run their own health care programs and do whatever they see fit. But the whole thing's a mess. It's not going to work. Not the way they have it. Uh, as I said, the Medicaid expansion will be eliminated and replaced by these block grants. Now, if the block grants were done correctly, then maybe this could work, but uh, for the reasons I just explained, this will result in failure because the block grants are, are done incorrectly and they, they dwindle down to nothing. Now, another portion of the bill says that the cost-sharing subsidies... What does that mean? What's a cost-sharing subsidy? Well, that means the federal government pays people's deductibles or out, or other out-of-pocket expenses if they can't afford them. So basically, people who are low-income, not only do they get their their premiums paid, but uh, they also get uh, deductibles and other out-of-pocket expenses paid. So that will end. It'll be replaced again by money from those block grants. So, look, I actually support the end of these cost-sharing subsidies. I'll tell you why. I don't like what's known as blank check health care, which basically makes all medical care free to certain people, or even to all people. Why is that not good? Why is it not good that people can just have unlimited free health care? Shouldn't that be a great thing? No. The problem is if health care costs nothing to the person using it, then it will lead to over uh, rampant overutilization. That is like unnecessary doctor's visits and procedures. Waste, like uh, just too many tests and exams that aren't necessary, and, and fraud. So that's not the solution. Uh, and I think it's good that everybody who goes to the doctor, even people who have little money, are paying something have some sort of disincentive to go to the doctor. And you may say, what? Why Why would you want to keep people from going to the doctor? What kind of heartless asshole are you to make people stay home instead of going to the doctor? Well, I I do it to myself. If I wake up tomorrow and my knee is hurting, and I think, ah, I must have done something to my knee in my sleep, and it's really hurting. I can still walk, but it's painful, it's uncomfortable. I don't want to live this way. Do I go to the doctor? No. Do I go to the doctor the next day? No. Do I go to the doctor the day after? No. I'll probably wait about two weeks and see if my knee improves. Why? Because these things tend to improve on their own. And often going to the doctor is useless and wasteful. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. And I don't want to do it. And this is a good thing. Because it means that I'm not clogging up the office. I'm not running up the bill for my insurance company. I'm not running up my own bill for the portion I have to pay. I'm not utilizing medical services I don't need. So, going to the doctor for every little thing, taking every test possible, all that does is create a backlog 
create a shortage in our healthcare system. There has to be a disincentive to go to the doctor when not necessary. You have to feel like it's going to cost you something to go, whether necessary or unnecessary. So this way you go if you think you really need it, and you don't go if you think you don't really need it. But you don't just go thinking, okay, it's totally free. What do I have to lose? You don't just go take tests because, well, they're totally free. What do I have to lose? That should never be the attitude of anyone, rich, poor, or middle class. There should always be something that makes you think, wait, do I really need this? Unfortunately, the end of these cost-sharing subsidies, the way they're trying to accomplish it here with the Cassidy bill doesn't really accomplish it because all it does is transfer the same problem over to the states. And some of these states will be underfunded by these grants, some will be overfunded. This is not the solution. And I, I'm okay with some subsidies. I'm okay with uh, saying, okay, this poor person, he can't afford the, dedu- the high deductible, so you know the, the, state, the government's going to help out. That's fine. But they should still have to pay something. Everybody should have to pay something. Everybody should be dis- discouraged uh, in some way. So I support what they're attempting to do, but not the way they're doing it. The block grants is not the way to do it. Uh, another factor to this bill. Tax credits that currently go to lower and middle class Americans who are paying their own health care premiums will be ended. So right now, if you're the working poor, the working middle class, and you're actually paying your own premiums, I'm not talking about getting subsidies, but you're actually paying your own premiums, or at least some of your own premiums, that you can actually get a tax credit against what you're paying. So this bill eliminates that. That's a huge mistake. First of all, it doesn't even add up to that much money. Like The government's not even losing that much money from these tax credits. It's always said, when people say, hey, raise taxes on the rich, a good argument against raising taxes on the rich is that the rich already pay such a high percentage of all tax revenue that they're definitely paying their fair share. Like Just so much comes from them you shouldn't be squeezing them for more. The, the the lower the people the lower income people are not just paying less; they're paying a tiny percentage of of all tax revenues co- uh, collected. So, on the flip side, I think it is so foolish to do away with tax credits for the working poor, because first of all, you're not saving any money this way. You're, sa- you're barely saving any money this way for the government. And, and second, it's, it's very unpopular. And it's, it's not even uh, necessarily morally correct. I mean, if these, if these people are actually contributing to the system. They're working. They're actually paying their own premiums. They're not leeching off the system. Give them their damn tax credits. Let, let them have a break here. So it's also stupid politically because it's going to alienate voters. Team MLK is trying to call in. I want to finish the segment. He's going to ruin the segment if I, if I let him on here. But, but after the segment's over, he can call. The individual and employer insurance mandate's going to end. What is the mandate that's just saying that you have to get insurance? So it's now required in the U.S. that you have health insurance. Either you have to buy it yourself. If you can't afford it, the government will help you pay, and you, you still have to get it. And 
or, or your work can give it to you. And if you are an employer and you have 50 or more employees, then you have to give it to your employees. Well, this ends that. And I disagree with that. It might surprise you because uh, most Republicans think that the mandate is unconstitutional. It shouldn't exist. They say it's unfair. They say it's oppressive. I disagree. If the goal is to cover all Americans, regardless of pre-existing conditions, then you must have a mandate like this. Otherwise, people can just go without health insurance. They can just say, okay, I don't need health insurance until I actually get sick, until I actually get really sick and need it. So I'm going to have no health insurance. I'm going to save a lot of money. And then the second I need a major treatment, I'll sign up then. And they have to cover me, right? Because they have to cover everyone. So, okay. Since they have to cover everybody, I'll just, I'll just wait until I really need it. Yeah, I'll get it then. Maybe I won't need it for 50 years. So I can save 50 years of health premiums. And, th- and then when I'm 75 years old, I'll get it. That, that's what people think. So you can't let them do that. Everybody who has to pay into the system if they're going to use the system. Otherwise, it would be like allowing people to buy car insurance only after they've had an accident to pay for that accident. Like, can you imagine? You, oh, I don't want car insurance. Then you get in an accident. Uh, hey, insurance company, my car just got wrecked. Uh, I'd like to pay for insurance now. Oh, and by the way, uh, my car just got wrecked. You owe me a new car. Like, you couldn't do that. So that should not be allowed for health insurance either. The only way I would be okay with this mandate being dropped for individuals would be if the individuals could sign a waiver stating, I understand that by not paying for health care now, that I'm not guaranteed health care in the future. So if I choose not to get it now and choose to have no health care, if I get sick when I don't have health care, then tough luck on me. Then I have to pay out of pocket, and if I can't afford it, tough luck on me, I'm going to die. If people can sign that and stick to it, fine. Otherwise, you need a mandate that everyone has it. Otherwise, it's not fair to those who pay into the system. Now, regarding employers, I, I do think the employer mandate should go away. I agree with that part. Why? Uh, it's an antiquated concept. There's no reason your employer should give you health care. Maybe you can argue your employer should pay you enough so you can afford to buy health care, but not your employer should give you health care and pay for it. Why? The only reason employers gave you health care in the first place was that uh, a number of decades ago, employment was different to where you were expected to stay at the same company for a long time, maybe for your entire working life. And the company would almost take on a parental role where they were taking care of you. They weren't just paying you, they were taking care of you. It was almost like you were part of a family. But it's no longer like that in America. When you have a job, it's it's, uh, very likely you're going to leave the job after not too long. Even without getting fired, just you may move on somewhere else. And, and jobs are really just seen as a way to make money or a way to gain experience, but that you don't feel that attached for life to a company, nor do they feel that way about you. They also will drop you in a heartbeat. So it's not the same anymore. And you say, well, okay, well, why not still have them pay for health care? How can that hurt? Well, the problem is that money has to come from somewhere. So when they're paying for health care, they're not paying you as much in salary. It'd be much better for each person to get a higher salary that they could go buy health care with. You may say, well, what's the difference? Isn't it break out even? No, it doesn't, because the problem is that group health care plans are very inefficient. Because what happens is they charge 
uh, a very high premium for everybody because they don't know if the employees signing up are going to be young, old, sick, healthy. They don't know. So they, they charge on the higher side so they don't get screwed. So if a company happens to hire a lot of sick people or a lot of older people, then the insurance company is still okay. So, so basically, they're only going to give you a group plan if they charge such high rates that it's unlikely they're going to lose. I worked for a small company which didn't have to provide health insurance but did just to be competitive. And the owner complained to me, and he wasn't complaining like, you know, like I shouldn't have health insurance, but he was just, you know, privately complaining to me because he knew that I kind of understood that the company was like 25 people and that most of them were young, most of them were healthy. There were a few who were older and not healthy, but he said like he feels like he's paying the rate for each person for those that were old and unhealthy, it, which, which it didn't matter that two of them were, but he was saying that it, what really sucks is that uh, he has to pay so much. It's almost like he's paying for 25 old sick people instead of uh, 23 young, healthy people and two old sick people. So he felt ripped off by the whole thing. He just said that the premiums were insane. And this is, this is back like 15 years ago when the premiums were much less. But still, by, by those days' standards, they were high. So group plans are not efficient. What's much more efficient is to just get paid more at work and uh, don't they don't buy health care for you. You go buy health care yourself. Just about everyone will benefit from that. The ones who are benefiting from the group health care plans that are bought by workplaces are the insurance companies. They make a lot of money on those. You'd be very surprised what your employer is paying for your health insurance. Team Emma Camp's still not ready for you. I see you're trying to call. I'm almost done. Don't worry. Another, another change by this bill is the states can apply for waivers to the 10 essential health benefits, which basically removes... Uh, any of these that they want waived as essential. So the 10 essential health benefits was a portion of Obamacare that prevented scam and garbage health care plans from existing because there were a lot of predatory health care plans that really covered nothing and that were used to trick mostly poor and uneducated people into you know signing up for them. And then when they went to use them, they really didn't cover anything. So they seemed cheap and like a good deal, but in fact they were a terrible deal because they were useless. So Obamacare set to make that illegal, and the, reason, the way they accomplished that was by setting what they called the 10 essential benefits, where every healthcare plan has to offer these 10 essential benefits, and if they don't, then the plan is illegal and can't exist. Sounds good on the surface, but the problem was that it was poor in practice because Obamacare was a poorly written law, and they overcorrected the problem. So, for example, I have Obamacare, as I told you. Part of my premium I pay every month is for maternity care. <laughs> and I don't mean maternity care for anyone I get pregnant. I mean for my maternity care. Part of my premium goes towards paying for potential expenses that the insurance company may have to incur for me getting pregnant. Yes. 
I really am paying money every month to ensure that I will be covered in case I get pregnant. (laughs) I also pay money every month to give me dental coverage that can only be used if I'm under 18. (laughs) So if I can find a way to go back in time to 1989, I can use it. Otherwise, I can't, but I'm paying for it every month. Why? Because Obamacare requires I do. Isn't that insane? So this is the problem with 10 essential benefits, is that not everybody needs these. In fact, some people can't use them. I can't use maternity care because I'm a man. I can't use pediatric dental because I'm over 18. But yet I have to pay for these. So... This waiver allows states to just, uh, you know, basically apply to remove some of these benefits as essential and therefore allow plans that don't cover that. I actually lost a health insurance plan I liked on Obamacare. You know, when you know, Obama said you can keep your plan, if you like your plan, that was a lie. Well, it's because my plan did not offer maternity care. There was no maternity care for men, so I had to lose my plan. I'm not kidding. That's really what happened. So the 10 essential benefits definitely need to be modified. I don't think it should be at a state level, though. I think they should just do it on a federal level and go through them and say, okay, is this a benefit that should be essential or should this be one that people can choose to buy or choose not to buy? So like maternity care, everybody should not have maternity care. Men should not have it. Women who are over 45 should not have it. Uh, women who are sure they're not going to get pregnant, ones that have their tubes tied or a hysterectomy or uh, just ones that are careful never to get pregnant, they should not have it. You should only have maternity care if you want to pay for maternity care. And that's not discrimination against women. That is just something that uh, you can choose to have as a coverage. So that needs to be modified. I don't love the way they're doing it, but I, I, I do like the fact that that's being changed. Uh, they're also changing, this is the final thing I'm going to talk about here, price restrictions right now. Older Americans cannot be charged more than three times what younger Americans have to pay on the same plan. So if a, a 20-year-old is paying $200 for the plan, then they cannot charge a 90-year-old more than $600, even though the 90-year-old is going to be far more expensive to Ensure, in reality. So, uh, waivers going to be allowed to uh, that. That's the way it currently is. Waivers would be allowed on a state by state basis to do away with that. But I, I think it should be done away with completely. These price caps uh, need to go away. Now, now keep in mind a, a wealthy old man. A wealthy 90-year-old man who has uh, $30 million to his name, he shouldn't be subsidized. He, he should pay full price for whatever his health insurance really should cost. And he shouldn't get subsidized by anybody just because he's old. Now, if, if it's expensive to insure you because of your age, then you can afford to pay the premium, then you should pay it. And you know, I'd be okay with a, gov- a, a government subsidy to pay for the older Americans who can't afford it, but there, there shouldn't be price caps on it. 
I think those should just go away completely. But the biggest problem with this bill is that there's no cost reform. None. And that is the biggest problem with American health care, and that is a problem that neither party will address. The American system has an insane per capita cost compared to all other developed nations on Earth. They never address this, why our costs are so high. There are some ways to combat this, but nobody is attempting to fix the problem. Just like Obamacare itself, this bill is a shell game as to who pays for this incredibly bloated and opaque system that is the U.S. healthcare. So, it's like both parties are conceding, yeah, our system's messed up, yeah, it's way too expensive, yeah, it's, it's very inefficient, yes, it's very unfair, yes, the, the consumer has no visibility into what they're paying for, yes, it's completely messed up, yes, we're paying way more per person than every other developed country for the same treatment, but let's just continue that way and just adjust who pays for it. Democrats say, oh, let's let's raise taxes to pay for it. Let's even maybe uh, uh, greatly raise taxes and have the government pay for everyone. And Republicans say, uh, you know, individuals should pay for it. But I'm saying nobody should pay for it. They need to totally reform the way health care is managed, billed, and provided in the United States. Cost reform is essential. Otherwise, all this is just garbage. So this latest attempt by the Republicans is a complete fail and should be put onto the scrap heap, just like Obamacare itself. Repeal and replace, I agree, but not this way. They haven't even come close yet. Okay, yeah, Team MLG tried to call like a million times. We're going to see if we can reach him. Ball in! Hey, what's going on? Shout out to um, C-Money, Michael, um, S-Double, and Tide. You know who you should give the shout out to is the person who just got unbanned today, Lou Father. He's he's back on on Poker Friday. I don't know. Yeah, Lou Father, shout out. I'm not really sure who he is, but I I read (laughs) the post and um, I noticed C-Money had to bribe Lou Father and you accepted the bribe, so I find that ironic. But anyways. Well, okay. So, Lou Father was banned about two months ago. And uh, he did some things in the forum that weren't very good. And he bothered some users in a way he shouldn't have. And uh, you know, wrote some things he shouldn't have privately to them. And, uh, you know, some things happened and he was banned. But uh, I was surprised to see there was overwhelming support for bringing him back. And uh, I still said, no, nah, you know, I can't, uh, I can't do it yet. It hasn't been long enough. And I, yeah, I, was, I was saying, look, I, I like Lou Father personally, but I can't do it. And then C Money, he kind of, he was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. He, you know, he came and said, I'm going to offer a hundred dollars for this free roll today, but only if Lou Father gets unbanned first. And at first, I thought, no, I'm going to have to turn this down. And then I said, you know what? Every not, like, not one person in that thread said, don't unban him. And even C-Money wanted him unbanned so much that he was willing to put $100 up to get him unbanned. So it wasn't just C-Money. I wouldn't let anyone even see money like buy buy someone's unbanned. And by the way, it wasn't buying it. It was donating to the free roll. So I don't get that money. But I just thought, 
so much support even from C Money himself. Let's just let's just do it. Let's just put him back and give him one more chance. And if he does, if he messes up again, then he'll be gone for good. But it seems like uh, everyone believes he's learned his lesson and uh, will be a, a good PFA citizen. And I, I will say that when Lou Father, you know, when he, he he listens to the radio show live, usually he, he contributes in the chat room. And, uh, you know, he's brought a lot of positives to the site. Unfortunately, he also brought some negatives. But if the negatives go away, then uh, he'll he'll be a good person to continue having around here. So uh, I see that. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, Druff, C-Money wanted me to have NFL Capper of the Year, etc., and offered free roll donations. You didn't take it. And now you're going for Lufal. I don't understand. Like, you can't have a double standard here. Well, there's no double standard. This is the two different things. But I, I first of oh, all, I, I didn't turn it down. There was one time I had you on as a co-host because C Money was was donating money. You know, I understand. But what I'm saying is, is that you're unbanning Lou Father, but you won't update my uh, status. But you would no, you, you would through you, C Money, etc. And a lot of people on the forum wanted my name updated, and you just, just listen, snapped me off clean. You actually said you were withdrawing the request, so I respected. Well, that. because it took too long. It took like a few days. It took like a week, uh, two weeks. On top of that, I still have restrictions because I made four posts of READ, yet you have people who absolutely go insane on the forums and they're, they're welcome back with open arms well, and no if, restrictions. If, if you, I if, don't understand. If you, don't, if, you say, if you promise not to do this nonsense again, then I'll unrestrict you. Well, I, I, I can't make any promises. Well, this is, this I is mean, why, this is why I, I can't I, restrict this you. This is a one, first time offense, and, um, and the only reason I lashed out was because it was taking too long. So but I don't we, understand why. But we can't have this. Like, we, I mean, we can't have people like bombing the, th- the forum with junk yeah, threads it, because they're how frustrated. Long does it take you to delete it. You deleted it in like three seconds. Because I happened I mean, to be there when you did it. I was fortunate enough no, to what, open yeah, it up right when you did it. I seen you online because you were posting about Miss Cleo, and that's why I did it to get your attention. <laughs> Well, you're, you're coming at this with the wrong attitude because if you no. if you've done this and and then you say, oh, I I might do it again, I can't. Well, I can't make any promises, you know. Like I I kind of abide from that because you know I don't want to have that come into play where you said, well, Tim, okay, agreed. To, no, I don't. But you should agree. You, you should agree. You're not going to do it. You should trust my word and. And um, if I do it, I do it. If I don't, I don't. But that's I mean, not your that's word. The first that's... time I've ever bombed the site that, that I recall. And no, I you've get done a suspension it. for months. You, you've 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 abused it before. I've never. When when did I abuse it before? There's been other times you just go crazy with the posting. I think I just didn't do much about it. I just deleted them or combined mm, them all. Been time. There has been. It's been a minimum of like three, four plus years. It hasn't been recently. I can tell right. you that. This just shouldn't happen. That's what I'm trying to say. It just shouldn't Stop. happen. There's people who bombed the site with. Black cock. I know. Well, I ban them for that. No, you don't ban them. I mean, and then you got other posters who are lighting up the forum with thousands of posts a day, and and nothing's done about it. I mean, no, I've restricted some of them too. Well, you got a free TMM, okay? You know, like enough's enough. But you're you're saying you'll do it again. That's the problem. I never know. No, no, no. I never said that. You say you might do it again. No, I said I can't promise. Well, you that means that, might, that means you again. might. That means you might. So, 
but but based on recent history and my past, it's highly unlikely, I, right? I, why can't you just say I, I'm not going to do it again? Why? What's it all this? I can't promise. Like, okay, I, so okay, hold on a sec. So why are we taking Lou Father, for example? Because he and said he won't. Him the press stone of well, we hopefully he behaves, but we know his past record. But you don't trust because him, okay, because he's he's, he's insisting user. He's insisting that he's not going to do it again. He's not saying well, I can't promise it. It might Where's if it happens. The pr- is there me. proof of that? Is is there on air proof or in chat proof, etc.? He told me this directly. Yes. Well, I, is there evidence of that? There doesn't the need form, to be evidence. It's my, it's, it's my site. I don't have to provide evidence. Well, I mean, th- this is what I mean. So now we have to make fucking pinky swears to you because no, not pinky swears. I just want to know in good faith from people that they're they're going to follow the rules and not uh, bomb the forum. So if there's lots of people who bomb the forum and nothing happens to them, you no, allow not true. them I'm, to continue I'm, on. I'm very sensitive about bombing the forum. Well, anyways, just keep just restrict me to ten posts. I don't know, five's not enough because sometimes I have people like the guest double asking for my picks, and then I use and then I have to snap off one of my posts so that are five, and then I have to respond to free TMM. Okay, next thing I know, I've got like one post left for a fucking day, and and everybody else is like uh, have, has a good hundred in by then. It's a it's a good legend. It's a good lesson in budgeting. Well, I mean, no, it is, but I mean. Come on, like free TML. Okay, a lot of people want me freed. I wonder what the new new listeners of the show, if they've made it this far, I wonder what they think of this segment. Like they came here to listen about the the Gardens Casino scandal, and now they're hearing this whole thing about free TML. Okay, and your restrictions, and they're going to say, "You went on the last topic for about twenty minutes." I was getting impatient. I mean, well, twenty. You're going on about healthcare about a ninety year old guy. Like nobody cares about that. Not, it, people it, do it's care. It's a, it's, it's a big. Well, not to Canadians, but. Uh, it's it's relevant well, in the we, U.S. No, not to Canadian because we pay taxes for healthcare. That's why in, in the states the taxes are obviously lower because the Canadians pay and subsidize the healthcare system here, right? It's a crappy healthcare system. Well, it may, it may be, but I mean, I, when I go to the doctor or etc., I don't have to pay for it, right? Well, it, it's it's a good thing if you if if you if don't I make break any... my leg or my arm. Like, have you seen the amounts of like I I had a I had somebody uh, one of the TMMLK's girls, one of her parents broke their hips in the states and never had uh, insurance, and they had to pay like twenty thirty thousand dollars out of their pocket. Well, they US. should have had, they should have had insurance. That's that's the solution. In Canada, you break your hip, okay, go to the doctor, go to the hospital, we'll fix it. I don't know how long it's going to take. Maybe take a few months. And yeah, I'm going to say. That's what I'm saying. Hip, but it's free. Yeah, right? it's free. It's free they just won't get to you before you die. No, they get. Of course they get to you. There's a lot of people in, in Canada, the ones who can afford to go across the border and go to the U.S. for the better care or the, the faster care, and they do because they're so fed up with their own system. Like that. And, and it's expensive. And, and, but but I, I will say that as I spend, spent the 20 minutes on, I was highlighting a lot of the problems the existing system has. I'm not even someone who likes the existing system. I think it needs massive reform, and that's what I was talking about. And I'm actually considering, this is something I'll tell you, as much as I said earlier about the PPA that it's useless to go to your congressman or whatever, I, I may actually I, – I have an idea for – some pretty simple but effective reforms that could be done to greatly improve the healthcare situation in the U.S. that kind of, I think, could actually somewhat satisfy both parties. But, like, I'd never see it proposed to the point where I'm thinking of just, like, writing it up and then going to a, a local politician and giving it to them and seeing if, if they want to do something with it. And if they do, great. If they don't, they want to throw it in the garbage, that's fine, too. But then I'll just make a blog out of it. But 
I, I was actually thinking of doing this because I just, I, to me, it's perplexing that we're getting all these overly complicated and stupid solutions, which which really do nothing. When there's there's some very simple things that can be done to greatly improve the situation, and it, it, it's distressing to me because uh, it, it it's it's super tilting when you need good and competent and fast health care and you can't get it and you have to go to a place that sucks or which doesn't have time for you or you just said united states is the best place to go to get health care now you're complaining about it there's a lot of problems canadians go down there all the time because it's fast and efficient now you're saying that's no good with being able to be seen quickly yes but there's a lot of other problems and but the ones that can be reformed without taking the canadian way of uh so you don't want to pay you want to use your due wallet and and keep it with no mastercard or visa etc you want to keep that snapped off clean in your pocket no it's not about that i I just i I feel there's a whole lot of waste in the system and there's a lot of room for improvement and that it's getting worse and worse and that they unfortunately rather than fix it they'll convert to a crappy system like canada and a lot of europe has which I don't think is the right solution either. I, th- I think there's a, another solution, which is keep you know to keep the basic framework of what the U.S. has, but greatly reform it. That's what that's what I want to see. I, and no, I understand what you're saying, but the problem is, is that one, I don't even believe you contribute to the American Obamacare or whatever. I do. I, 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 I pay the whole you thing. Don't even work. I, I, so you don't pay taxes listen, into it. You're, you're basically a Ken Scaler. No, I, no, I'm not paying taxes into it. I'm actually paying my full premiums. I don't get any subsidy. Your full premiums through who? To the insurance company. Well, how do you qualify for Obamacare? I, I don't know. No, I don't. I don't. I don't qualify for a subsidy. But uh, but I, I I'm an old because I make too much money, so I have to pay. You don't even. How do you make too much money? You don't work. I don't have to work. I, I make money without working a regular job, as I have for the last fourteen years. Well, what are you doing on the side that we don't know of? Is there some sort of like a secret um, problem you have that you want to discuss with me on the air? Or? No. Well, it makes no sense that you make money. There's no. It's either through poker, which it's highly unlikely that you claim it because there's no. There's a hard track record of that, right? Well, no, you you do have to claim it because you you the income has to come from somewhere. You can't just have money that's coming in and just say, oh, this money's just coming from. Yeah, from nowhere, you the money always has well, to come you can from somewhere. It at the table games at the casino, how are they going to prove it? There's no proof. No, but what, there what is, are they going to do? They pr- can't prove it. The proof is that I have some kind of income and that I'm spending money and that there's money accumulating. So you, you know, you can't just say. So no, put it under your mattress. No, or, I'm, not, I'm, not, you know, I'm not doing that. Or give it to uh, Benji's mom. I don't no. know her name, but you know, hook her up and put it in her account. <laughs> what are they going to say? I see. Okay, always, I like coming here to advise me to commit tax fraud. No, I'm not advising you to put tax fraud. I'm, I'm saying that it's very hard to. Pr- You're telling me all these poker players out there claim a hundred percent of their wins. No, losses, no, they don't. But but but, they, but they, they'd be foolish to claim zero. Okay, so, so you tell what's the sub- subsidy amount to claim uh, for Obamacare? I, I don't even know, but whatever, whatever. I, I've never Master come close. Scaler, to- who's a full-time worker, I don't know how much he makes now. He, ma- he makes very little. He makes, he makes very little. Okay, but I mean, you could be equivalent to Master Scaler. No, and, and, I don't live know. like Master Scaler. If I, if I lived like Master Scaler, they believe me, but I, I don't live like Master Scaler. 
What do you mean? Like, fast? You should be able to qualify based on your income. You just say you make whatever matches. No, but they, they see, they're not they even see what I. You. They don't care about you. Honestly, Jeff, they don't care how much you make. If you put down, you made forty thousand. It's nothing to the United States government or nobody. They don't give a shit. If they if they were to see proof otherwise or or uh, suspect otherwise, there could be a lot of trouble. Okay, anyway, we're not, we're not talking about this anymore. So <laughs> the bottom line is, I, I pay my whole insurance premium. There's no subsidy. And uh, that's your choice. You should qualify for it. No, anyway. it's not. I shouldn't. I shouldn't qualify. So, okay. Uh, let's let's see what else here. I, I don't think I have much else. So you should run. You should run for Congress. And out of where do you live? Las Vegas or Nevada? I don't even know where you live anymore. Utah or no? Where's your residence? In a secret location. Okay, so run for Congress in a secret location. And then um, you can get the votes, and you, you, you know don't what have sucks. To go to your you local know, congressman with your ideas. You know what would suck about being in Congress is that, and I, I've seen There's, others suffer from this. Like they, they're sorry they did it because you're under such a microscope. Every aspect of your life is under such a microscope, and the slightest thing you do. Uh, gets reported, and uh, the, the, there's always the other political party trying to make you look bad, and constantly looking for dirt on you, and constantly trying to uh, assault your character, and it's it's very stressful, and you you have no privacy, and everyone's constantly looking for you to screw up or say something wrong or say something stupid or do something stupid, and then and then report on it, and it doesn't matter what party you're in. If you're, if you're in the Republican Party, then the Democrats will do it to you. If you're in the Democratic Party, the Republicans will do it to you because you you will always have political enemies simply based upon the party that you're in, and then sometimes you even have political enemies within your own party that you know have people who want to unseat you. So uh, while I, I would actually like the position of being a congressman and and uh, having influence over the direction of the country. I wouldn't like all the BS that goes along with it, uh, with, with getting elected, with uh, with the other side who is trying to look to discredit me. Like, it's just, it, it would be too stressful. I, I, I like at least having some privacy. I like, uh, um, I, I even it felt... It would be in a secret location. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll tell you something that I felt, not so much anymore, because it's it's been some years, but... In the 2000s, once once I became better known in poker, right around then when the poker boom was going on, when I was better known than I am now, uh, when more people paid attention to poker than they do now, and I lived in Las Vegas, I had it so many times where I would be somewhere that people would know who I was, like just you know, employees at a supermarket or whatever, just places you wouldn't expect them to know me. And they, I'm not I saying everyone, not. I'm not saying everybody knew me, but there were enough times where just random people around Vegas knew me that I had no idea who they were. They just knew, they just knew me because they followed poker that I, I sometimes felt like I had no privacy. And, uh, <laughs> well, are you wearing your bracelet around all the no, time? No, I wasn't, but I, I, I'm telling you, I, I felt like uh, there it was different than, than like in L.A., but but like in L.A. I didn't feel this way, but in, in Las Vegas, I, I felt like there were enough people that knew me that it, it wasn't unreasonable to be out somewhere with like a number of, of, of random people around where at least one would know who I was. So I, I was like, and it's not like this anymore. Like if in Vegas now, it's not like that. So I'm not saying it's like that today. But I'm saying like around 05, 06, 07, around those days that uh, I, I, I was also kind of aware that like 
uh, things I did and said, you know, er- everything would be seen. And uh, and I thought about, uh, you know, this must be real pain in the ass for actual celebrities, because where, where everyone really does know them. It's not just like, one person in a crowd of of of, of you know. 30 people. So you're comparing yourself to a celebrity. No, I'm saying that I, I got a small taste of it because I had it where like a, a, a small percentage of just a random crowd would know who I was. Uh, where, whereas celebrities, almost everybody knows who they are. And then people who, who have no notoriety, like zero people out of like 30 randoms would know who they were. So that, so I, I it was a big difference though. Like if it's like one person out of, out of a crowd of 30 who knows who you are, just randoms. And and it's a huge difference between that and zero out of the thirty knowing you. Where and if you're a celebrity and like like, like twenty eight of them know you, then that's really bad because then you really have no privacy ever. But even though the one out of thirty, I felt like that was still enough there to where I, I felt like there was always eyes on me in some way. And uh, well, I feel okay. Well, let's hold on a sec. I feel like you you've been stressed out a lot over the last ten years, and and, and TMOK wants to give you a quote, <laughs> maybe that will influence your ongoing decisions in life. And and here's a quote for you, sir: You wouldn't worry so much what people thought of you if you knew how seldom they did. That, see, they don't wake up every day and think about drugs. No, they don't have to, though. They just see me around. They just see me around. And that, that's my quote for you, sir. And hopefully you take that to heart because it, it's a true reality and you have to realize that. Like, I mean, they don't wake up and just, you know, all these people you see or you think are talking about you, they don't wake up and the first thing on their mind is talk. No, I know they don't. But, 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 if, they see, okay. but if they see me, okay. They're too self involved with themselves. But if they see me around, then they, then they think about me. They, they don't wake up thinking yeah, about but me. You, they, that may be the case, but when they go home, they don't think about Todd. And that shouldn't worry, right? For every rat you see, there's 50 you don't, right? So you got you to gotta take it in strides. I mean, you're on poker fraud alert. You should have a thick skin. Don't, don't worry about all these stressors. Like, I mean, you're getting all stressed out about the form, and you want to snap that off, and now radio is an issue. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like your stress level is through the roof, and I think you should go um, use some of that insurance and, uh, and get the doctor to check you out, you know? Just saying, you know, it's okay. It, you know, a lot of people deal with stress, and and TMOK is here for you if you need me, and uh, if you want to have a private chat, we can. Because, well, why, um, why are you up at? You, why are you awake at like five in the morning? Nah, you know. Uh, I, I I think I came on for a purpose. For a purpose, okay. Uh, well, I just feel like I was led to call into the show and and, and give you advice to. Uh, change the future for both you and your family. And, and that's all I care about. You know, I, I, hopefully my quotes help. Will help I, I don't, I don't like this, uh, this like, uh, th- this help guru TMLK. I don't like this phase you're going through. That's, that's a new thing well, with you. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, like I'm a big fan of Joel Steen and, and see money's picture of his Joel Steen. So, I mean, and and right now, you know, things aren't well. Like, but in the long term, you know, you gotta kind of let things go, right? You know, and um, just like one of his sermons, drop it, leave it, let it go. And, and the hard part is is to leave it, because you can drop a lot of things. You can say, well, I'm not gonna worry about TMLK, but the hard part is to leave it and not come back to it. That's the hardest part of it all. That's what I do when I snap you off the show. I leave you and don't come back. 
No, but you you still you drop me, yes, but you still talk about me after. It's hard to leave me when you snap me off, right? It's like, well, TMLK is gone, TMLK is gone, and you know, you, you never leave it. Okay, here, here, let's, you, let's, you, let's, you never let's, leave let's, your baggage. For example, you got a ticket in Canada, you never leave it. You want to keep going on about it. Why? It was it was unfair. I wanted to fight it. it. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, we we have another call. we have another caller. You're on the air. You know, is this is it now Charleston line? Uh, it might be. I, I didn't look which one I answered, but it it, it, oh. it very well might. Is that what you called? No, I I, I just had a real life story. I had to call in. It was I was going to go to the gym, and then this girl on Tinder wanted to meet up tonight, so I go to her place. Who is it? And then I think it, look, it let, looks good. Let him and talk. And then she shuts me down a little bit, and then uh, and then so I'm leaving her house, kind of disappointed, and I'm still happy that Poker File Alert is still on. I started listening to it at eight o'clock or so, and I go to this big cycle, and this girl who I walked out on a bar, who threw up in the bar, then now the blue, she's texting me, and all the stuff's going on. But I wanted to say that. I get in my car at two in the morning. Poker front alert still on and and live. Okay, so who else can tell that story? Well, a lot of people. I know a lot of people get excited when they 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 start listening to the show. They go do something else for a long period of time, and then they go, "Oh, it's too bad I missed the Poker Front Alert live." And then they turn it on. They go, "Oh my god, it's still here!" And they, it's, for some reason, it's a thrill that it's actually still live, and they don't just listen to the to the archives. But so so what you're saying though, when you say the things kind of uh, didn't. You know, the girl shut you down. Did, were you with her alone, or did she shut you down on, on online in some way? I got to her apartment, and things started going kind of good. I lived in the bedroom, and she's like, no, i got to stop it here. I'm still heartbroken from this guy I was dating. And I said, <laughs> well, we've all been heartbroken. You're going to have to get over it eventually. Your top's already off. And, you know, I'm thinking, why not just, you know, move forward? She's no, I can't. Not the first date. I'm like, Oh, okay. And then the thing was, I had to make a big decision tonight. I listened to Poker Fraud Alert. I wanted to hear the part about when we you went shooting in Sacramento. So I had to really flip the coin and say, well, it's going to be in the archives. So then, so now I lost out there because now I missed out the live part of it. And I didn't hook up with her. And the drunk girl I saw two weeks ago through from the bar, she's calling me. And she doesn't want to get together. So now all I got is Poker Fraud Alert at 2 in the morning. Well, why so she, I had to call and tell the story. Why, why did the drunk girl call you if she doesn't want to get together? Out of the blue, out of the blue, she calls me a month later. And she's like, well, maybe we can get together. And I'm like, she goes, well, I'm dating this guy in the Bay Area. And she goes, well, I haven't even met him yet. I go, you're talking to some guy in the Bay Area and you're in Sacramento? I go, honey, it's not going to work out. He's talking to other women. She really thinks that some guy in the Bay Area is waiting to see her. But why is she even calling you that? I don't get it. Why Why? why even call you? I, out of the blue, she started texting me. There's a girl that threw up on the bar and I walked out on her. So now out of the blue, she's texting me the same night. This all happened on the same night. So I had to call. I thought it was funny. I had to call it in. Well, this is a coincidence. I mean, all these issues that are happening. I mean, TMLK is providing great advice for everybody. I just feel that I was led to call in tonight. Like, I mean, this this gentleman. I don't know who your name is, um, sir. Well, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert, and uh, thanks for oh, calling thank in. Ho- hopefully, um, all your troubles and worries go away for you, sir. And, and I believe that you will find the right person down the road. And, and, and please don't please don't allow. The odd girl who you know you don't want to have ha- be in a relationship with somebody who is like that, and um, they're having their own problems. Okay. And you don't want to you don't want to like have intimate encounters on the first date, anyways, because it kind of leads to an awkwardness. Is my advice? 
for you, sir. Those are those are the best. They, they are the best. Yeah, I mean, hello. Yeah, yeah. We, we, for is this the fraud like show? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Every time I call in, Drexel calls it. Drexel, welcome to the show. You're still on radio sir. now. Yeah, we're still on radio now. Is that TMLK? Drexel, this is a, hi, how are you, sir? Nice to see. Nice to hear your voice again. You know, I, I turned it on and I heard this story about you were talking about how they were in this night or what 2007, 2008. There was some talk about building a Dan Druff statue downtown in Vegas. <laughs> is that true? Uh, it, it was in the planning phases. It just didn't get all the way there. Uh, Drexel, Jesus. can I ask you a question, sir? What's up, buddy? I, I have a feeling. Uh, are you C money? Are you a dupe of C money? Because I, no. I like. I mean, I've heard C money in the background before, but I don't know. I, I never hear no. the man's voice on air. Or, he's so like he heard, Kaiser Soze. He's just he's, he's out Kaiser. there. I've met him. Yeah, I met him. Met him. I, I met him too. Yeah. Okay, so okay, I was just wondering because you know, see, money once treated Druff to an eight-pound Maine lobster at the Encore. True story. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and did uh, no comps involved or seven stars? Uh, no, the sea money took care of it. I don't. I don't know. If, I'm, I assume he got a comped. <laughs> I mean, this is the man that once put human feces on a bed, took a picture of it, and then flew right out of the hotel <laughs> in Vegas. <laughs> He shit the bed literally. He literally, he literally shit the bed. He did. He was so mad. He took like a bunch of beats and you know, one time this sick fuck, C Money, literally he flies in here. This is a true story. We have dinner plans. He flies in in the afternoon. Okay, we talk when he lands. He goes and he starts playing roulette and he loses like sixty thousand in roulette, like in one session. And he's so pissed off. He books the next flight and just leaves. <laughs> he literally was here for two hours. This is when he <laughs> lived out out west. And like he's like, I'm sorry. Like I know we're supposed to have dinner in like 30 minutes. He's like, I'll send you some money on PayPal. Go like order a lobster. I'm leaving. I have to get the fuck out of the city. I'm like, you just got here two hours ago. And and I mean, but he did. He left. Tilted the fuck out and left. Now he actually just landed, or he's about to land in Moscow. I don't know what time is Moscow time. Uh, that's, I don't even know. It's, it's pretty much, I think like kind of like the opposite of here, like 12 hours later or so. I don't know. Let me look on Google. He's landing. I think he's landing. Yeah, I was very, I was very close. I was very close. It's, it's, it's it's 10 hours later than, than, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's 10 hours later than the West coast of the U S. So I, I, I guess 12 is 10. So pretty close. I can't, I think it was. Oh, I'm trying to see what airline it was. I think it was Virgin Atlantic. He flew. He sent me a picture. Have you seen these sick ass beds that are in some of these airplanes these days? Yeah, like these they, cabins. They they have uh, lie flat beds where you can put it all the way down. He's there's a, no. I mean, this is bigger than that. I'll, I'll send you the pictures he sent me. There's literally like a big screen TV, like mounted in the you know. In I mean, it's small. It's like maybe eighty square feet, hundred square feet. But there's a TV mounted. There's a table that you can kind of like put together, like on top of your bed to like eat, and you have like your own little door, like just total privacy. Oh yeah, I've seen that. I've seen those like kind of cubicles that they have there. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's the best. That's the best term. It's a cubicle, but it's sick. And I was looking online because I'm like, fuck, I wanna, I wanna go in one of these. So I looked at one of the shorter flights to. I'm not going to Moscow, but I looked at one of the shorter flights from. It, it's on Virgin, I think, or may, it might have been even Singapore Airlines. But you fly from the shortest duration that they will offer this for is to like the United Kingdom for, in the U.S. 
So from Vegas, you would fly to JFK, or I guess maybe LaGuardia, and then you go to England. So I was looking at what the bottom barrel cost of that ticket would be. I was on the actual website for Singapore Airlines. What do you think it costs for one of those kind of you know cubicles? How or long cabins, is the whatever. flight? It, it's, the about, flight? it's about it's about ten hours, like five plus five. Yeah, ten ten hours or so. so probably, yeah, probably thirty three thousand US. It was it was forty two thousand dollars round trip. What? Forty-two thousand. Three thousand U.S. Come on, team. That's a bargain. I, I would. I yeah. would pay that in a second. Wait, what is forty-two thousand U.S. to stay in a in a little cabin? Wait, what did TMK guess? How much did he say? He three thousand. Three thousand. No, isn't even isn't even first class like regular seats. No. Well, no. Know. Where are you guys flying to? Like, let's go. What's the money doing here? No, but, buddy, you I have thought, your own I bed. Thought I thought See, listen, you could take Mrs. TMLK, you could liquidate all your assets, get one of these tickets, and you could fornicate <laughs> with Miss TMLK on the plane. Well, we're not we're not we're not together anymore, you know. Oh no. Well, yeah. let me ask you, while you guys were together, were you and Miss TMLK ever a mile of the uh what do they call that club Drew? The, the mile high club. Mile club. The mile high club. Yeah. No, we never did that, no. What about you, Drew? We were in have Vegas ever, but trust now the soft plane. Uh, it, Ruff, it, have it, you ever fornicated on an airplane? You know, it seems very tough. It seems like they're, they're, those bathrooms are just too small. I, I don't understand. It, it seems like a very tough thing to do. Yeah. Well, what about just, like a- just go with see money and just use his uh, little uh, in-suite um, bedroom. Be a what, lot about like a, what about like a hand job under one of those like small airline blankets? <laughs> that seems more feasible. It, it is. I just haven't done it. Yeah, that's that's possible, yeah. I guess. But I haven't done it. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So now, when I when I called in, I heard a third party. Uh, who who would that have been? Yeah, that that was Brett from Sacramento, and we uh, I, I just I cut him because uh, I was hearing too much background noise in his car, so I, it was it was just too noisy. So while while Drexel's on the phone here, um, Drexel, sure. is it possible, sir, for you to be a co-host? Because I find some of the topics, and no offense to you, Todd, you're doing a great job with the radio and, and the form, and um, I would just like to have Drexel on on the show more often because I find the topics move along more quicker, and Drexel kind of intervenes and, and, well, and kind of knows what to do and what to say to snap you off clean. Well, is that I would possible I wouldn't say that. Actually, when when uh, when Brandon. Here, the topics actually take longer. He goes on a lot of tangents, and then we. Uh... No, but Brandon's topics are, are good. Brandon has a lot of good <laughs> stories about Vegas and and when he worked there, and a lot of good stories about him and the Pussy Whispers, etc. And Captain Zambian. Your stories, and no offense, Todd, they are well well off, and a lot Sounds of people like may, may want to hear them. But I mean, no one wants to hear about a health care reform for forty five minutes. No, I, and, first, of, uh, first of all, you just changed Jackson it. For, you, 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 hold on. you changed Even it. Mike from, would snap you off. Hang on a second. Hang on. First of all, you just changed it from 20 minutes to 45 minutes. Second, you actually well, I don't call, know how long it was. Second, I mean, you actually called in. in you, radio was on, so I called in. You called in and complained about it and then talked about it yourself. Like, you, you talk about it. No, I was giving you advice on it. You were complaining about it. I said, well, why don't you get Obamacare? Why can't? Because I'm like, well, you don't make any money. Well, apparently you do. So I, I don't know your story. I, I'm not sure. But. So listen, I'm not going to get into all of the details now because I know it's late. But last night, I had the pleasure, uh, amongst other friends, of having dinner with One Step. He is in Vegas. Oh, I didn't know that. On yeah, an unrelated business, and I treated him to uh, <laughs> some sushi samba last night. Is that so, the guy that, that ordered the macaroni and yes. lobster? Mm-hmm. 
the lobster macaroni he, debacle. Yes. He, yeah. What was that all about? He, you guys rolled him or what happened? No, no, no. It, it's very simple. And I feel like every time I call into radio, I always get asked about the lobster mac, mac and cheese. So this will probably be the last time I talk about it on air. Thank you, but sir. It was very, very, sure. It was very, very simple. There was about 10 of us that, uh, 10 PFA members uh, that had dinner at Cut, which is a steakhouse at the Palazzo during the World Series. While we were ordering our entrees and appetizers, the table right behind us was served this amazing-looking side dish of lobster and macaroni. One step spotted it. No one else did. He was actually inspecting other people's foods at various tables, and he asked our waiter what that was. And the waiter told him that it's lobster and macaroni and cheese. It's not on the menu. It's something that only regulars know about that the chef prepares. Um, so one step inquire, inquired if we could have an order of it. The waiter said he'd have to ask the chef. He went and talked to the chef, came back, said, no problem. We'll bring it out there. Now, there was 10 of us. Now, the portion I wouldn't say was small, small, but it was, I mean, for 10 people, everyone got maybe two spoons of this, two small spoons. Um, it was delicious. We ate our meal. It was an amazing meal. And we got the bill, which is posted on the official One Step Comes to Las Vegas thread. We noticed that it was an even $100 we were charged when we got the bill for this small side of lobster and macaroni. Uh, $100. Now, again, in One Step's defense, he had no idea that it was that much money. He just saw it, asked so we could have it. I mean, the most expensive things on that menu, I think there was like a Chateaubriand that was like 120 bucks. We had no idea that a side dish could have been a hundred. And of course, if we would have known that, we you know we wouldn't have ordered it. But it wasn't done in malice. It wasn't you know. So all you can do at that point, when you have a hundred dollar side, you know, for your fourteen hundred dollar meals, we laughed. You know, you know, it's not, you know, going to set anybody back. But it was just a funny story. But it kind of, uh, you know, kind of took on its own life form because one of the members that was there for dinner kind of objected and. Things just got a little out of hand, but nonetheless, one step did not do anything wrong. And again, you know, he didn't know it was a hundred dollars. Now, that I guess that brings you back to the old adage that if you know, we could have asked, or he could have asked, or I could have asked how much it costs. But you know, places like that, remember the old adage: if you have to ask how much it costs, you probably can't afford it anyhow. (laughs) Um, I mean, you know, I I don't, I don't go by that, but uh, yeah. Yeah, like uh, well, to trust defense, he would have just split the bill and uh, into fourteen and had everybody equal parts and uh, collected tips for everybody. So you would have paid each one hundred and forty dollars. Well, you know, and listen, the, the truth is, I really, really enjoyed that dinner. Uh, it was a great meal, great conversation. But that's exactly what happened when the meal was over. Everybody kind of said to me, "Okay, well, what do we owe?" And I'm, you know, and I hate being that person in charge of like a big meal that I have to, you know, assign. Yeah, Jeff mentioned that last week. Yeah, and figure out what it because you know ten people and people had some people had drinks like I'm supposed to say like so you had two beers you had three <laughs> mixed you know what I mean it's just it's a I don't want to do that I'm off duty you know I'm relaxing so but anyhow that's all it was and again he did nothing wrong but what I do want to say is I brought a friend of mine a female friend to dinner last night and one step of course you know I'd never met any of my friends that he met last night and maybe twenty minutes into dinner. One step and this, and she's gorgeous. One step will even admit it. She is a Russian Jew. She's about five foot nine, maybe five ten. She was wearing uh, about three or four inch heels, so she was like 
taller than one step was, but they were at each other's throats, like before the appetizers arrived. I kid you not. Like it, it actually got uncomfortable that I had to tell them both just stop. Wait, wait, like, wait, wait, wait who, I, I'm not following. Who was she? One step didn't know her. She's she's someone that I met recently, a friend of mine. She's a Russian Jew um, that got off the boat maybe, I don't know, four years ago. So she has an accent, very, very pretty. Um, but her, they started talking politics. And, you know, she was saying something about how, you know, how, how it was tragic what happened with this earthquake and what happened you know, in Mexico, the Mexican earthquake and then this hurricane in Puerto Rico. And one step says, like, replies, being the smart ass he is, he's like, oh, well, they shouldn't they shouldn't live there. You know? <laughs> it's like it's her fault. <laughs> and she's like, what do you mean they shouldn't live there? And it's like in broken English. And she's like, well, they should have got out. They shouldn't even live there. Like, they should fight harder to come to a better country. Like, and, and so anyhow, they started going at it, like literally back and forth. I'll say, actually, I have a picture from dinner. I'll send, I'll send you a picture of it. But when he calls in the radio, whether it's next week or whenever, Ask him about this story because it will be pretty funny. He'll go into more details about it. But she didn't like, I guess to sum it up, his uh, – the best word to put Anchor. it? His, his, his lack of care for humanity is like kind of the way she explained it. You know, like he was just – was, and part of it he was just trolling her. But, you know, she didn't really – she doesn't know one step. You know, so she doesn't is understand. Is one step that um, uh, homosexual guy on the, the site? He's, or is... he's bisexual. You don't know who oh, one bisexual. step is? No, I know who it is, but I... Hey, you claim I, to be so into the forum, you don't know who he is. Well, I know I've heard of his name, but I don't know... Is that the guy that calls in with the N-bombs? Yeah. That's his friend. Well, that's his friend. That's, that's his that's one step's friend, but yeah. Um, so, but no, it got really heated to the point where I had to kind of really, like, separate them. I had to just say, okay, guys, stop talking no more. Like you're ruining my, you know, my six hundred dollar dinner here. Be nice, or just don't talk to each other. So, it was fun, you know. And looking back at it now, it's, it's hilarious because they didn't even know each other. They were going at it, like they were yelling, at the top of their lungs and appetizers. And we're like, you know, we're in a nice restaurant. We're at Sushi Samba. I mean, you know, it's very quality food. So, but anyhow, yeah, he's here for another, I think, two days on unrelated business. Uh, not like you know. A staking thing or poker thing? Is, is, it, a, is, it, a, is it a twink thing? I don't. You know what? I, I think he's here alone. I don't know. I, I, there's someone uh, making opportunity that you read about on the internet. Okay. He's trying to explore. It. I don't if, know. if it was, uh, if it was a twink, <laughs> well, if it's not a twink thing, then he'll probably be uh, spending some quality time in stairwells in the coming days. You know. You know. It is funny though. <laughs> he was getting embarrassed. He actually gets embarrassed a lot, easy in public. When I was with him, I would go up to people that I knew that when I, you know, I was introducing, I'd say, oh, this is my friend. I would just say, this is my friend, one step. He's from the internet. And of course, you know, he would just start laughing. And then I'd ask him if they know who Tom Dwan is. And then, of course, one step would just start blushing even more. And when they said they did or they don't, or if they asked why, I'd say, well, he used to date one step. One step <laughs> and Tom Dwan used to date. Date. And people would look at me weird, like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, like, that's his. I told, my, I told uh, Leaping Larry that. When they first met, I'm like, this is Tom Dwan's ex-boyfriend. And like, Weeping Larry's like, I didn't know Tom Dwan was gay. I'm like, well, he's bisexual. <laughs> but then One Step just starts laughing so hard, it just, you know, kind of realize it's not true. So One Step wishes it was but true. Than, huh? He wishes it was true, but no, it's not true. Yeah. So listen, well, I got to ask okay. now. I read, I just was looking at the thread when I saw the radio was on. So there's actually a sponsor now for the fraud show. Yeah, we had him on earlier. And, and this is, 
what, what, what is, what's this, what, what is, can you give me a recap? Like cliff notes real fast? It's, it's, it's I haven't got stopped off. It's, it's an attorney who, uh, is doing arbitrations for, uh, or mediations for poker players who are having some kind of money dispute. Yeah. Is it C-Money? Not Isn't C-Money. this somebody that could have been used about maybe 10 years ago when people on these forums actually played poker? Well, but people li- people listen to the radio who play poker, and uh, it's true the forums don't have oh, any poker true. players. But yeah, it's, it's it, he's actually a, a radio sponsor, not a forum sponsor. So hmm. uh, so he's, he found the show a few weeks ago, and he, he enjoys it, and he, he offered to sponsor it, and so I said yes. I think he's been reading my post. Solomon is texting me. He wants to talk to him about Michael. <laughs> I gave a shout out to Michael. I don't know who he is, but I, so, I gave him a shout out. So okay, so so are you doing like an ad for him, or is there a banner? What is the exact? No, just you know, just, just to... radio plugs. And I uh, we, we we did an inter- interview where he explained his services and gave a way to contact him. And then I'm, in the upcoming shows, nice. I'm going to do you play little commercials. So What's if any cost of these PFA. So if any of these PFAers that owe me some money don't come through, this is the guy I should talk to? Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's a... Yeah, it's a... How much will it cost to sponsor the radio? TMLK may be interested (laughs) to have his his brand out there. I love how you talk in first person. It's hilarious how you talk in first fucking person. All these years, I really, I really want to be on the radio. I want to have. How much does it cost for something like this? I want to help you out, Todd. I know that you know things. No, you're just, you're just, you're just trying to right now, and I want to help. You're you just out. trying to probe the the ad rates you, out of curiosity. You're not going to sponsor anything. No, I. You don't know that. No, I do know. Okay, that. so let, so so hey, real fast. I, I don't want to you know keep the show up. I know that TMLK. You don't really know much about American baseball. But I do want to say this because I know Todd follows it and other listeners. I, I follow it. I, I predict okay. the Indians win. So, my, I, I hope so. Like, Actually, I wouldn't. I, I mean, no offense to. I called that you know, three months ago when they were way Todd, behind the Dodgers. Dodgers they almost right. caught off to the Dodgers. They were like twenty games so, back of the Dodgers. So listen. So finally, after. Two and a half. Oh no! I guess he's owned the team for. He actually, it's been fifteen years. Talking about my Miami Marlins. The worst owner in baseball, by far. And I, I, I think I read something in like Forbes magazine a couple years back, and nothing's changed since then, that uh, Loria, that's the owner of the Marlins, is probably the worst owner in all of professional sports. I, I mean, can either of you, can any of you name an owner, a worse owner than him? No. Any, any, well, any sport? I can't. Uh, well, so, the one that got snapped off in, uh, in L.A. over that controversy might be up there. Which got snapped off for what? Well, for, for from that lady, remember that story on the news? That lady who he made all those racist comments and uh, oh, was that the LA owner? Yeah. Very yeah, good. Well, he's not an owner anymore. No, that's what yeah. I mean. That he could have been worse. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the whole story. Yeah. Well, maybe. So anyhow, finally, native, you know, Miamians and, and transplants like me have a little bit of, you know, hope now because the team submitted or the. The team accepted a bid for 1.2 million, which is grossly, you know, over over what the Marlins are worth. But whatever. 1.2 million. 1.2 billion. 1.2 billion to a team uh, to an ownership group that's led by I don't even know his name. He's a hedge fund owner. Um, I don't even know if he lives in Florida, but dude's worth billions. And the guy that's going to be running the baseball operations and marketing and basically the face of the franchise 
is going to be Hudruff. What was that? You're saying the? I was saying that I said the owner, the the actual majority owner is oh, 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 uh, Derek, Derek Derek Jeter. You're talking well, Derek, yes, Derek right, Jeter, but the yeah. guy that is going to be the namesake and and just the, the face of the Marlins is is yeah is going to be Derek Jeter. So you know, <laughs> listen, Derek Jeter, you know, classy guy, Hall of Famer. Yeah. You know, even if you're not a Yankees fan, you can't argue with that. So this is what comes out in the news today. Derek Jeter informed, and this was not a shock, he informed all of the high management for the Marlins that if if and when this bid's accepted, which is going to be, that he's going to be firing them all. And what I mean, like, I mean, like the president, you know, the head of uh, scouting, just everybody big. So the president's a guy named David Sampson. He's actually also the owner's son-in-law. So this is what happens. This comes out today. Derek Jeter tells David Sampson, the president of the Marlins, that he needs to fire, uh, they're called luminaries. Like, they're five like guys that work for the Marlins in various capacities that uh, are just either have been with the franchise or been in baseball. I'll tell you who, who I think four of them are. I can just name off the top of my head. Andre Dawson, Jeff Conine, uh, Tony Perez, Jack McKeon. He's like 89 years old. He's the one that led them to the last World Series. That he has to fire these guys. So, because and Jeter doesn't want to do it himself and look like the bad guy. So, what does, of course, Samson do? He leaks all this to all the media, <laughs> world, you know, all over the U.S. So now it's it's on the news, and, and Jeter's just getting hammered. Go ahead and Google it. And I was trying to think, like, I get it, like, you know, a new ownership comes in, and you kind of want to do your own thing. But like Tony Perez has been with them, you know, since their first season. Jeff Conine, he's a, a probably the greatest Marlin that you know was ever drafted by them. Um, you know, Andre Dawson, the Hawk, he finished his career with the Marlins and, you know, he's a native South Floridian, but anyhow, it just was embarrassing. Like already, like there's, you know, this going on. I'm thinking, why would, I don't know. Why would Jeter do that? It's kind of shitty. Like find you. And these, like, these aren't guys that are in like top spots, like, you know, running the organization. They're like, you know, they more handle like community affairs and, you know, things like that. Like Andre Dawson, Jeff Conine, they're not making decisions. They're just getting a salary and, they're, you know, doing public relations stuff. So, but anyhow, it's just, it, it was just kind of shitty because I really thought we were going to have a fresh start here and, you know, Jeter's going to come in and all these other mutts are going to be gone, but I don't know. You know, it's Chuck, just, so are you a Dolphins fan? Yeah, I'm, I'm everything South Florida except for college football. I am uh, a Seminole, which, you know, that's because that's where I went to college, talking about Florida State and Tallahassee. But I'm Dolphins, I'm Miami Heat, I'm the Marlins. I mean, the guy well, from the Marlins had probably... What do you think about the Jets the, this week? I'm, listen, I'm, I've been saying this to everybody. Fade the Jets. Okay, the spreads have not caught up with how it's historically six. bad. I know, I know what it is. The Jets are 0-2 against the spread. They got demolished last week. The spread was, I think, I think it closed at 14. 14 yeah. yeah, but you could, you could have got it at 13.5 early against the Raiders. And... Once variants kind of set in, the Jets kind of hung with them close early. By the early third quarter, mid third quarter, you never were sweating. You know, it, it was a it was a three plus possession game, and that's but, very anyhow, uncommon it, in the NFL for those spreads to cut statistically. It, well, look at look at look at Houston this week. The Texans they're getting fourteen yeah. right now against against uh, the Patriots. But yeah, Patriots yeah. fade the Jets. The Jets are a historically bad team. The only thing they want to do. Okay, I'm telling you, their only goal this year 
is to get the number one pick next year and hopefully luck box and draft the correct quarterback. Because Josh McNown, their 38-year-old journeyman quarterback, he's obviously not the quarterback of the future. He's barely a serviceable. Actually, he's not even a serviceable quarterback. So fade the Jets until, like, the, the points, you know, odds makers adjust and start adding three or four more points to, to these numbers. They're that bad. They're, like, literally oh, so historic. No, well, you know Cincy what? Cincy has scored a touchdown, and this is a, an NFL record. Uh, it's tied for it. In the first two home games, been, they haven't scored a touchdown. Yes. That's correct. That, you're correct. It hasn't happened since the 1930-something Philadelphia yeah, Eagles. Or, yeah, Eagles. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're right that a home yeah, team Eagles, hasn't scored. Yeah, well, okay, knows his knowledge there. Ballin! Ballin! Yeah, he does. He and does. Jeff always criticizes my picks, but that's why I don't post them. A lot of users did well last week with my picks. Three so that's my advice. Fade fade the Jets until the odds makers catch up in a few weeks. I still are... think I don't know. I think the Jets may surprise Miami this week. I, I don't want to hate against you, but who knows? You never know with that Cutler guy. The divisional so, game. So, so are you saying, TMLK, that you like the Jets this week? Uh, I yeah, I, I I think they have a good chance to cover well, the six. You know what? Let's see. Let's put your money where your mouth is. No, Daniel okay. McKay doesn't like to uh, like to uh, do those types of negotiations on air. <laughs> and um, I mean, okay, he listen, would, he would so just like confident. that. He just likes to support his fans and and just and, and, and McKay, just, when you when you wager on a sporting event, what do you normally wager? Uh, it's a, it's a secret amount. <laughs> okay, how about this? Then you know what? Let's make it. Let's let's be fair. That we don't even have to wager between us. Okay. How about this? If the Jets cover the six, I will donate 50, 25, 50 to the PFA free roll next week. And if the Jets do not cover, then you do, then you'll donate said amount to the free roll. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what the said amount. The said amount is going to be zero, <laughs> zero. Point yeah. zero. I mean, TMLK. TMLK. I can, can afford, afford it, it, but TMLK prefers not to gamble with other others on the site. No, but we're not gambling. Due to his religious it's, it's for charity. It's for charity. It's going to go to the free roll. It, it's to, it's to, I like I posted for Todd, fellow gambler, take my hand. I am your friend. I understand. I, I don't want to be involved with those type of shenanigans, but I appreciate the offer coming from you, Drexel. Right. I'm, just, I'm just trying to support my fans out there. And, um, well, listen, I, I how think about the this, Jets then? have a strong, don't, strong don't, chance don't, to cover the search. No, never going to happen. We but don't even have to bet. We don't even have to bet money. How about this? If the Jets cover... I'll send you something from my home state of Nevada or my adopted home state. You just want my state. address. I'm sorry? You just want my address. Do you have my no, we escrow we'll we'll through Druff. And if you oh, win, yeah. what do they got up there? What Don't they have like maple syrup or something good like that? Tomato, <laughs> ch- tomato chips? What, what do you people have up in Canada these days? It's okay, Drexel. I appreciate the offer. TMLK wants to remain right. unbiased on this topic. He just wanted to give his his um, tips for his fans, and, and no okay. pun intended to your team. I, I hope them all the best. And right. uh, TMLK so what, wants what are your, to stay what are, So, what are your what are your picks? Your best picks for your fans this week? What are your well, three the top? Only, the only the only the, the, the it's too tough this week. The only one I have is the Jets plus six. That's your favorite game out of that whole fucking board. Yeah, the, the board's terrible this week. TMLK just likes the Jets plus six. And I think possibly the Jets 
could potentially win the game. So, so let me ask you, when these top handicappers, these top touters list a game, they'll address it like as being a one-star pick, a two-star pick, all the way up to a five-star pick. What would you, using that classification, what would you call your feeling on the Jets pick? I would, I would rate it a, a four-star plus. Oh my god! But yet you won't make any sort of wager with me whatsoever, even non-monetary. Non-monetary. But I think I, I think all of his picks are, are four-star plus. Form, you know. I just want to keep everything friendly and peaceful with everybody. I, want, I wish everybody the best on the form. I, I don't want to have any hard. Teams. But hold on, aren't, aren't all your picks four-star plus? No, that's not. No, a majority of them are winners, but some of them are losers. But I feel I, I don't want to uh, rub it into Drexel. He's a Miami fan. No, so no. I'm, I'm asking here. Win. What I'm asking here is, would you before seeing if they win or lose? But when you're making them, wouldn't you say that you classify all of your picks as four star plus? A lot of them are four star plus. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but. Um, I don't know. I just have a feeling with the Jets. I, I, why would Vegas have a line at six points? It makes, you know, like it, it's a divisional game. Jets are at home. And, um, you know, like and Cutler, I mean, he's not an ideal quarterback in my opinion, but who knows what he'll do. And we'll see. We'll see what happens, Drek. So hopefully it, it pans out for you. But just, you know, you never you never know in the NFL. Anything can happen, you know. Like these lines well, makers you know don't make things for no reason. Okay, is TMLK still post limited? Yes. Oh, yeah, I'm post limited to five. Bowling. Draft, draft, and I talked about. Mm-hmm. It. I had to make a promise, but I, I can't do that. I mean, I just, I don't want to make a promise and disappoint Todd again. I mean, yeah, he's running a, a form, and I, I don't want to upset him and have. His well, he's already under stress. enough stress, TMLK. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. I don't want to have his stress levels right. I gave him a quote earlier. Did you hear it? Uh, I just was. That's when I first started listening. Yeah, about something about rats so not much. thinking about you or mice not no, thinking. You wouldn't, no, that just two quotes. You wouldn't worry so much what people thought of you if you knew how seldom they did. And for every rat you see, there's 50 you don't. Mm-hmm. With that said, guys, it was a pleasure talking with you two tonight. Thank lovely, you, Druff. Thank you, Druff, for allowing me on air. I can't believe he's snapping himself off. this ability to talk to you, it was very special. This is like the first time ever. I look forward to talking to you next week, and hopefully I don't get snapped off clean. This this is the first time you're snapping uh, yourself off. I've never seen this. This is a very very humble TMLK that we're hearing. This is a strange situation. I've I've never seen him drop off himself without me hanging up on him first. I just, Let's, you know, how, with, how with all these sponsors and everything happening, good to you, Druff, I thought it would make your your day and night more non-stressful without having to snap me off clean. And and, and all the best to Poker Fraud Alert. And now, let me ask you something. You. I'll make you and, a deal, and, GM, okay? I'll make you a fair deal. This is a free roll on your part. I, I, if, again, sir, I appreciate the offer. This, and, no, but let me I, just tell you, if, if the Dolphins do not, this is how strong I feel, if the Dolphins do not cover this week, I will make a donation in your name to your favorite Canadian fund, charity, whatever. In, in, in what, what province are you in again? Ontario. Okay. I, there's got to be a good fund for Canadian Asians out there that are kind of lost without a way. Can you? TMLK <laughs> appreciates your, your kind gesture, sir. Right. However, at this point, uh, I would have to decline that, but I, I respectfully decline that, sir. And and thank you for all the offerings and best of luck. Oh, look, with I'm the, just getting uh, a message Miami right. Jets. Listen, I'm just getting a message right now. Just, just landed in, just landed in Moscow. TMLK is God. 
He's listening to you right now. On thank, the you, side of the world. thank you, C Money. Thank you, C Money. All the best to you, sir. And thank you for all your free roll donations. Mind you, I never play on them, but um, <laughs> hopefully um, um, we get to meet again one day soon. And right. uh, maybe you should we'll play see. in them. If you played in them, maybe you could afford to bet on the games you pick all the time. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, that, that was that was a good shot at me, Druff. But I mean, you know, I don't want to keep things uh, hectic in the. Form. You're already under a lot of stress, Druff, and I, I don't want to have it where, you know, like, I don't ask for all your time, and Drexel gets all excited. But just let's let's keep everything peaceful, and uh, and, and we, we don't want to have any conflict on the form again, okay? Thank you all, gentlemen, and I hope you have a wonderful evening. God bless. Good night. Wow. This is like what the, was that? This is like the self-help TMMLK. Oh, I don't like him that much. I like the old one. Better. I, I said that to him humble, also. Too I nice. know. I, to, I told him I don't like it either. He's like a, like one of those gurus that you hear like at yeah. four in the morning on TV. Like, you know, do you want to make 50000 You know what I mean? Like one of those self-help I know, it's, it's, There's a reason why that uh, Love it's Guru awkward. movie flopped. People don't want to see that. It's awkward. Well, let me ask you. How much do you value, Druff, uh, WSOP bracelet winner, TMLK's feeling his strong feeling on the jets covering this week would you be willing to use his tout advice and make a small friendly wager with me on air no i think he's wrong (laughs) (laughs) but you you know what you know you know what would have been a huge a a very bad beat so i was i was for thursday this past thursday all right i watched the game i i I thought okay i i the The 49ers 49ers are terrible they're just absolutely terrible and the Rams are kind of inconsistent, but I, I thought the Rams were really going to destroy them, and I thought the minus three line for the Rams was was uh, I thought it wasn't enough. I thought that a minus three you bet would have been on, right for the entire right. game except for the final two minutes. And so I, I thought the Rams. So I I didn't do it. I forgot to do it, and then I saw it started, and I saw they were already uh, winning handily, and I said, "Crap!" I was right, and I didn't do it, and I was very frustrated. And then I I looked at the final score. And I couldn't believe it. And I, and I saw what happened. And I said, wow, I can't believe it. The final score forty one thirty nine. It would have missed by one point, and it would have been uh, uh, right at the end of the game, well, the whole thing fell apart. The sickest thing, though, and I, I assume you don't know this because you didn't, you didn't watch the entire game, was that the 49ers kicker uh, missed an extra point in the third quarter after a touchdown. And, you know, most people think, well, it's only one point. What difference does it make? But that caused them to later have to go for a two-point conversion to tie it, which they failed. Which, if they had made the prior, you know, extra point, they would have made an extra point. The game would have gone into overtime, and there would have been a, a more likely chance that the Rams could have either potentially won or at least covered the three in overtime. Uh, so, you know, that's just such a key thing to happen when you're betting like that. Um, you know, you're just it was a missed extra point, and that's what led it to that. That's a weird number, forty-one thirty-nine. Yeah, I don't even know if there's ever been a, that kind of score, that exact score in an NFL game. It's just a weird number. It's hard to score thirty-nine points. So yeah, it's, it's, it's but, very high scoring. Eighty points were scored in that game too. It's crazy. Yeah, the over under was forty and a half. Yeah, it went <laughs> twice as much. Is yeah, and you know what? You're right. If you looked at all the key stats, I don't really bet totals because I'm pretty bad in predicting, and you know this is a perfect example why. But if someone said to me, okay, bet, I'd say, okay, well, you know what? You have San Francisco. They haven't scored, you know, they hadn't scored a touchdown all season until, you know, this past week. They have a new quarterback. That's not great. Brian Hoyer. 
you know, the Rams, they have a second-year quarterback, Jeff Goff, who, you know, hasn't been great either. Um, let's take the under. It's going to be a low-scoring game. And what happens? It's, it's the highest-scoring game of the year. It doesn't make any sense. Like, you know what I mean? It just yeah. doesn't. Like, logically, I don't get it. I would have bet the under, and I would have got toasted. So, I don't know. At least there wouldn't have been drama. He would have lost that already by uh, almost the first half. So, Yep. So, listen, finishing up real quickly, I know you want to go and thank you from the bottom of my heart for allowing me this this forum, this opportunity to come on here. What is going to happen with your Dodgers? I mean, it's well, never you, happened before. Talked about the that. team has been so, so hot and then so cold. What they won tonight, I think. I think I saw they won four to two against San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, they did. They they clinched the West, and I and I talked. Uh, you must have not had the show on before. I, I talked. Uh, I talked about. Uh, yeah, I, just just before I talked about how they. No team has ever won the World Series with a with a one in sixteen slump, or even like a one in twelve slump. I don't think they've ever won the World Series any team, and I and I said that uh, they're just not playing well. They're even struggling against bad teams, and I'm I'm concerned that this is going to carry over and and they're just not going to do it. So uh, I I could see them before. I just I thought it was going to be even though it's anything's possible in this short playoff series. With baseball's variants, I, I before I would have been, I still would have been surprised if they didn't at least make the World Series. Now, again, any round that they lose wouldn't be a surprise here. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of the reasons they were winning so much uh, up up until the end of August was uh, a lot of those are reasons are gone. And so, and I'm, I'm afraid some of these won't return between. Pitchers that seem tired and and hot hitters that just seem to have cooled off and injuries and so there's just there's there's too many even Clayton Kershaw is in himself right now so there, there's too many factors working against him it's, it's kind of sad now on the bright side the Nationals are kind of banged up and uh, the uh, the Diamondbacks there they seem to have cooled down from their super hot play so it's not like any team in the National League is playing great right now so yeah. Well, I've always said this before. I think, you know, every sport to some degree has this except for basketball. But, you know, anything, it really just comes down to whoever is really hot at the right moment. I mean, it's just the postseason is such a small sample size. First, like, you know, the NBA where you're you're very rarely going to see, like, a team like the Gold State Warriors or even the Spurs, like, losing the first round. Like, it just doesn't happen. You know, I think it's happened a couple times ever in history. Whereas in baseball, I mean, you know, a team just – Offensively goes into a slump at the wrong time, and you're done. Your season's over. Yep. I mean, it's, or or if you know. or if they have enough pitchers that are unexpectedly hot on the other side, and yeah, so a lot of factors can come to create this variance. It's it's uh, you know it's it's almost like going sitting down at a poker session, and and uh, you you can't just sit down and say, oh, I'm going to win this time. You, you could run bad and lose, and you, you know there's not much you can do about it. So. The Indians lost tonight for only the second time in, I think, either 30 or 31 games. And that's fucking nuts. I mean, that's such a – I don't think people realize, you know, we'll probably never see a run like that again in baseball. I mean, we, we had it in, since, what, 19 was, – what, what was that, the Giants? It was like the 1930s, 20s? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the Dodgers' 52-10 and 10 run was, was – that, that yeah. was amazing as well. And then the lose – what did they lose, 13 in a row? No, eleven or and sixteen out of seventeen. Jesus. Hmm. 
Are you uh, are you planning on taking young Benjamin to a ball game, a, a postseason game? Uh, postseason, I don't know. He, he went to two regular season games this year and sat in very good seats. The postseason, I don't know. I, last year I did not take him. The year before I didn't take him. But I've gone with uh, other people just because I, I felt like the the I, I felt to be appreciated more by. Uh, an older person, yes, an older person. But, uh, but yeah, he enjoyed. The, he did enjoy the games he went to this year, and it, it helped the Dodgers won on both of them. So hmm. that that was back in the days when they just think we're never losing at home. Yeah. So interesting. Uh, but well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go to a postseason game for sure. It's just, but it's just a matter of who I go with. And what is what is the going rate that you will just put your foot down and say? I will not pay this price. Like, what is your cutoff point? How much would you pay? For see, I, see, it also depends where I sit, and uh, and then there's also the factor of if if it's if the tickets themselves are reasonable, but sit, but I reasonable meaning around the same I've paid before, but the seats are much worse. I won't pay. So, like, it's it's a I don't really want to go and sit in crappy seats, and then I'll just stay home and watch it. I, I've always been, I should say always, but. For many years, I've felt that if I'm going to go to the game, I want to sit in good seats. And I, I don't want to be up really high and see ants playing down there. And I, I, I want to sit in very good seats where I just feel so close to the action and feel like I'm just right there with it. And fortunately, thanks to StubHub and, and me knowing the timing to buy tickets, I've gotten some really good deals and gotten some excellent seats. The best one being last year in the NLDS. I, I got seats uh, in the eighth row behind the visitor dugout. Uh, or the, the eighth row in the field level. There are some dugout seats in front of like six rows of those, but so I guess overall like the 14th row behind the visitor dugout on the field level for uh, $109 in the NLDS. That's... Uh, Pretty good. That's, that's that's amazingly good for for the NLDS. I mean, these are some, some of the be- these are yeah, among the best seats there in the stadium. This is for the playoffs in in Los Angeles. Wait, was that when they played the Cubs? No, that was the NLCS. The NLDS was okay. against the, the the Nationals. But uh, oh, okay, well, that's still you know that's still another very good team. Well, that's not. I mean, the they team. don't have the drawing. They don't have the drawing power of the Cubs, I'm sure. But you know, no. But but it was it was still the playoffs. It was the playoffs here in Los Angeles yeah, that's where where it's expensive because it, a lot of times these tickets go based upon the, the you know the amount of money first the interest in the team and also the amount of money in the uh, in the city. Well, well, listen. I just read an article today that that some people are speculating that the NFL may force the LA Chargers to move back to San Diego. Because the numbers for their attendance, I, I mean, I know you don't follow it that much, but it's so bad. Like they had eighteen thousand people. They had like they had like almost sixty thousand, or maybe it was sixty for for a college game for USC, and they couldn't even get twenty thousand for an NFL game. I didn't understand. I didn't even understand this two LA team thing in the first place to just uh, go from zero teams to two so quickly. It didn't seem like a good idea. LA has been without the NFL for so long. They have to get used to it being back here, and also bringing it a terrible team like the Chargers doesn't help either. So, I didn't yeah. understand. I didn't understand where they thought they were going to get a fan base there. So, 
But yeah. but yeah, I, I'll, I mean, I'll go to one. It really is better these days that StubHub exists. I mean, I I I, I hate the fact that StubHub collects about twenty three percent in fees in every ticket they sell. It's just if you think about how much money they must be collecting to be twenty three percent of every ticket sold on there. But putting that aside. And this isn't good for the seller. Being a seller on StubHub kind of sucks. But being a buyer, if you know the right time to do it, you can really take advantage of seller's panic of when it gets too close to the game and they haven't sold yet. And then they just drop the price to way lower than you would ever have been able to get before StubHub existed. Because scalpers wouldn't do this. Scalpers would rather just eat the seats than, uh, than lower it and then establish a pattern like this. But StubHub, since it's a collection of individuals, uh, nobody wants to eat the, the the seats they can't sell, so they'll drop it to really low prices, and that's where I've uh, gotten these great deals. And it's uh, and it's funny because like I sit in seats like that for a hundred nine dollars, and then there's people who just buy it the conventional way through Ticket Disaster, or through uh, through StubHub, like a week before the game, and then they pay eighty nine dollars to the nose, nosebleed seats. So so like it, it, you I, the, the value I get on these seats. You know, for where I sit versus what I pay is is incredibly good, and it's just a matter of timing. So, yeah. but but Long like that, show for you tonight, huh? Yeah, what is well, this going on seven hours. Uh, you know that now that you mention it, uh, it is we start around eight thirty, so it's yeah, six to six, six and, and a half. half. Yeah, so you know, like I've. I've advised in general with StubHub, and, and you guys should. This applies to everything: concerts and basically anything on StubHub. If it is not selling really well, and when I say selling, I don't mean on the general ticket site. I mean on StubHub. If you don't see them being grabbed up, and a lot of tickets are sitting there for a long time, always wait until the day of the event. Baseball during the regular season at six hours they they cut it off, but playoffs they don't do that. Uh, but other events, they'll let you go all the way up to the time you can buy it, until uh, the time of the event. But if you wait till the day of, not always like the very last minute of the day of, but the, the sometime the day of in the morning, the early afternoon, you'll sometimes get some incredible deals. And you just have to, people have this built-in panic of what if it sells out? People, you know, you want to go to something, a concert, a game, whatever, it just feels weird to buy it the same day because you think, well, what what if I wake up and all the tickets are gone? What what if I wake up and uh, the few that are left are just in super high inflated prices? But the truth is that's not going to happen except on a very high-profile game, like something very, very high-profile that's already selling really well. If, if a few days beforehand, if there's still tons of tickets available, that's not going to happen. It's just never going to happen. If there's a demand, you'll see the demand a long time before that. So just wait. As strange as it feels, just wait, and you will see people just drop the prices. And as soon as you see like a big drop, watch it a little bit more. And when it keeps going down, 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 as soon as it kind of starts to flatten out and, and stops dropping, uh, that's when you should buy it. Or if you see an outlier where someone drops it way lower than everybody else and it probably won't get there, then you buy too. And it's, it's kind of a judgment call, but I'm, I'm pretty good at catching it like about at its bottom of anything I'm buying there, just from watching the pattern. So that that's what you need to do. You should I've been to every I've been to every major sporting event in my life except for a Super Bowl. And I've always bought and I've always gone to the venue without tickets. 
and I've never been close to shut out, and I've always gotten a great deal. Um, you know, like I said, Super Bowl would probably be the only exception to what you're saying. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I would just think that you're, you know, you're, I don't think you're ever going to get a great deal. Like when I say great deal, I mean like a couple hundred dollars a seat, you know, at the Super Bowl. But other than that, for baseball games, national championship games, you know, of course, regular season games, everything you just said, I totally agree. Great advice. Yeah. Now, like the World Series, I was afraid of, since it has not been in L.A. for 29 years, and since there's a lot of money in L.A., I was and still am concerned if the Dodgers make it there, it'll be similar to what the Cubs had, where it was just insane prices and there you weren't going to do better. I mean, yes, the the insane prices improved some, but they were still terrible. So, like, if I see prices like that, I won't go. Uh, I know I'm not going to get it. Well, I also think, excuse me, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I also think the, the majority of the demand is going to be towards, you know, the clinching, if it's possible, game at home. Meaning, like, the first, whether it's game one or two or, you know, three or four, depending on the rotation, you're going to be able to get tickets to that game. It just may be any of the, you know, potentially clinching games that, that would really... Uh, for the Dodgers, I think, it'll I, mean? be, I think it may be very expensive for all of them. Sometimes they will drop, especially if people get depressed about the team's chances. So if the Dodgers, uh, let, let's say they... Uh, you know they they they're they're behind three one in the series. That's that's when you'll see the prices fall because people start saying we you know they they start feeling defeated and they they don't want to pay a lot of money anymore to go to the game. I actually have done that before where the prices don't come down like for the NLCS and then the Dodgers get behind and suddenly uh, the the price goes way down. Sometimes when the Dodgers lose in the postseason, I say I not like lose the series, but when they get behind, I say, "Well, the one bright side is here now. I can go to the game. It'll be much cheaper." But so that's definitely a factor. But but the clinching game, I haven't seen that much of a factor. Now, yes, if the Dodgers, like in the World Series, go three three, and the, the clinching game is in Dodger Stadium, then yes, that'll probably be the most expensive game. But the the first one's not going to be cheap, or or even reasonable. I'm afraid. Just because they haven't been to that. The NLCS, that will be because there's been so many NLCSs the Dodgers have been at in the last decade. That's no thrill. And actually, the losing streaks the Dodgers had in September probably will bring the ticket prices down. Like, if they had set the record for national for uh, regular season wins this year, which can't happen anymore, had they done that or even come close to doing that, then I think there would be enough excitement about the team to where, again, it would be expensive. So this is the one bright side to the slumps they've been been in recently, that uh, it will bring the ticket prices down somewhat, at least until they make the World Series. So uh, you, you just have to have a, a feel for this. And it's funny, because I'll give people this advice and they won't believe me. And they'll buy their tickets early. And I'll say, why do you do that? Oh, I wanted to just make sure I had tickets, and they they just don't get it. And like, and they go, oh, it's fine. I had you know, I, I had a seventy dollar budget for each ticket, and I got my tickets for sixty eight. Like, yeah, but you got the, like the nosebleed seats; they're awful. Like, oh, it's fine. I, you know, I'll make do. I'm just happy to be there. And then I, you know, I I don't pay that much more than that and sit in some of the best seats in the park. And I think these people are so foolish doing that. Like, why not just? I, I I've always had the attitude with things that it's not so much about how much I'm paying the, you know, the actual dollar amount. It's about the value I'm getting. So if I don't pay much, but I'm getting crap, then I feel lousy. If I, if I pay a good deal of money, but I'm getting excellent value for the money, then I feel good. So like, would, would I rather stay in a, in a complete shithole hotel room for, uh, 
for $59 a night or, or, or a really nice hotel room for, for $165 a night. Uh, for for sure the hundred sixty five dollar one because that one I'm getting if I'm getting a really nice room for one sixty five a night I've done great if I've uh, and, and I just wouldn't want to stay in a really horrible hotel room fifty nine. But you, listen, the next time you're at the main event though and it's day three or whatever, you just pay the forty five bucks at the Rio and stay. Well, no, it wasn't it's forty. No, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't forty five bucks. That wasn't the problem. If it was forty five bucks, I would have paid it. That wasn't the problem. The problem How is no. The problem is it doesn't matter what it is because then I'm locked out of getting comps at all until I leave for two days. Wait, that, say that again. The rule, which is the dumb rule, but the rule at Caesar's Properties is that if you're getting the seven star comp for the four free nights, mm-hmm. if you once that's up. Yes, you can continue paying for nights at, at whatever rate they're going to oh, give you. Oh, you think it doesn't reset? It doesn't reset until you're gone for two days. So if I, if I made uh, two more days, then I'd have to keep so paying. So you could pay – you could in theory pay for a week out of your pocket, but before you can get a comp room, you still have to leave the property for 48 hours. Yeah, or two days. Not yeah. for full 48 hours, but for, you know, for two days, two nights there. You, you, so, so my mistake right. the last time was was going to an unfamiliar property. And, and I appreciate the, the help Chertorowski gave me. That was uh, mm-hmm. very nice of him. And uh, But the problem is I went to an unfamiliar property, and so when they put me in a crappy room, I didn't realize until it was too late that I'm right above the, you know, the intersection with, 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 the, with the church bell and all that other crap. Like, uh, like I, I, didn't realize, I didn't realize that, uh, that, that I was put in a horrible room. That seems right out of an 80s movie, going to sleep and being woken up by the church bell. At 3.30 like, in the morning, really even, that's go- even at 3.30 in the morning, the church bell's going. It's like my cousin Vinny. Remember? Every night, Joe Pesci, the character, would, would get woken up a different way by some sound, yeah. a train, a bell. You know, so finally, they, they, he wanted to go to jail and contempt of court so he can get a good night's sleep. That's what it was. And I'm not, and I'm not blaming anyone for this for myself. Is what I should have done is I should have just said, okay, I, I, I wasn't able to get a comp at any property I'm familiar with. So what I'm just going to do is I'm just going to pay for something that I know. Uh, or, or even, even like a, a courtyard Marriott. Yeah, or even had someone come down and just you know have it in their name, and I'd pay them back. So this way, I'm technically out of there for two nights, but I'm really not. In fact, I could have even done it and stayed in the same room. Like you know, I was considering doing that, like having someone come down, you know, claim that they were you know it was their room, you know, do a fake checkout and have them take it over, but it's really me. Like do do some trick trickery like that where I'm actually paying right. for it, but they it's just, they think somebody else paying for it just to kind of circumvent that rule, something like or or, or just or stay somewhere like a courtyard of Mar- by Marriott. Still, it's unfamiliar. Something I'm just familiar with that I know is going to be a good night of sleep and isn't going to be a lot of fail and it's going to be a lot of problems. But this uh, that this was a lot of trouble, and I, I don't know if it cost me. I on day three of the main event. For sure, it was. For sure, I ran very poorly. For sure, I I, I couldn't win hands. Yeah. Uh, I won that one double up there, which was helpful. But uh, other than that, every hand, I ran into something real. Like every single time I, yeah. I raise call, it flops something. It looks like a safe flop to to, to you know to bluff. Even though I miss, I bet they they call and they, you know they either call or raise me. And like every time they have it, so. I ran into a lot of real hands. I didn't have any real hands myself, so I definitely ran bad. There's no question. Just like the first two days, it was the opposite. The first two days, like my opponents were missing every time. So even though I wasn't hitting that much, or actually I was hitting, they were missing every time, both when I hit and missed. So, but but I not only did I have a good feel of when to bet them off, and not only did I have a good feel of, of avoiding like trap situations where where we both hit something and I, and I lost the minimum, by that, but uh, I also hit more than uh, there were a lot more than average hands where my opponents missed and that helped a lot 
Uh, it was the reverse on day three, where it was much more than average that my opponents were hitting, and I wasn't. So that was a big problem, and that I probably couldn't have overcome that even. But I will say that I played better on days one and two. There's no question I played better uh, on days one and two than I did on three. And you can say, okay, that's just going to happen sometimes, where some days you're better than others. Uh, I, I didn't play horrible on day three, but 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 I was very proud of, of the play I had on days one and two. Days three, I was thinking, you know what, some of this I think I could have done differently. And I was like, you yeah. know... I, and I th- I wondered how much of that was because uh, I didn't get as good a quality of sleep there as I had on days one and two. So uh, you know what, when you go to sleep tonight, at least tell yourself this: that that Telly Savalas never made a day three. What was it? Well, was it day three? He made he he was twenty he was twenty first at the main event. So those oh well, maybe he did make a day three. But what, what I can say, but but he lost though. He he lost money on that. He lost Probably money because of he got he was paid so top heavy. Yeah, he got he he got paid less than the buy-in. He got paid eight k for 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 a ten k buy-in, and yeah, super top heavy. But you know I, what I'll say though is that uh, you know you, you learn something new every year about these type of experiences. And I said, okay, next year I'm, I'm going to take the main event very seriously, or day th- really day three of anything. I'm going to take very seriously, and I'm not going to screw around with a hotel room. And even if I have to just pay decent money for a you know a, a good hotel room at a place that I, I at least somewhat know, I'll do it rather than screw around trying to get comps at a place I don't know. So sometimes of it's course. sometimes it's a mistake. That was a mistake to do. So I was a uh, that's it's something that uh, and as I said, it may not have mattered because I, I ran so bad that day. It may not have mattered, but. Uh, well, but just the aggravation alone of, you know, especially I would never drive that, you know, just knowing you can get there in a matter of minutes versus having to drive from all the way downtown. And, and that's, it's a pain in the ass. It's it was, the drive wasn't that bad. I, I was able to make the drive in a reasonable amount of time. It was, it was the fact that, that there's all these stupid hassles going on there from the checking in, from the, uh, the noisy room and everything. And then the, uh, um, you know, I got an attitude when I called, you know, I called up to complain about the noisy room. And when I, when I went down there to check out, when I when I checked out to their credit, and I got a manager there, who by the way would not get on the phone with me, I had to go down there. Uh, when I got down there, and when I went to the front desk and asked for a manager, the manager came out. She was very nice about it. She agreed with me. She uh, acknowledged that the person who assigned me this room should have been aware of where they were putting me when I was asking for it to be quiet, and that uh, she doesn't understand how they could have put me there. So, yeah, she she immediately agreed with everything that I said and 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 offered to comp that uh, the, the one night that wasn't comped, they uh, agreed to comp off because of that. So that was nice, but that was that was already after I busted the main event, and uh, it's crappy. So uh, you know, you just you, you learn these things for the future. Sometimes you have to just not be a cheap Jew, and uh, that 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 was that was one of those times, and. You know, there's, there's other times I've I've just learned you have to just say you're not going to screw around with it and just uh, just take take the more expensive option because the uh, not doing it is uh, is worse. And by the way, uh, obviously I'm not you know not going to say the name of the party, uh, but I, I I know I told you this 
privately, but I don't think I posted this or said it on air. I had cross-booked Druff when he played uh, in that Stone's stream. Uh, you know, And when I say cross-book, what that means, in case people don't know, there's another person that basically bet me that whatever Druff won, he would owe me. Whatever Druff lost, I would owe him. And that was only for the portion in which the stream was on because it, you know, Although I would not suspect or even think for a second Druff would lie about it, there'd be no way to really verify how he did. Yeah, and, and, on, know, bo- and on both and on both ends. And, but, and by the way, just for people who still oh, yes. don't, just for people who still don't understand, it's very simple. It's like it's like Brandon is is sitting next to me at, as a ghost, and 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 whatever I win, he wins. Whatever I lose, he loses. During the time I'm on the stream, exactly. So it couldn't really be a hundred percent determined by looking at the video from when it came on to when it ended, what the exact amount was. So I used the information you gave me, the information we both were able to kind of just look at, and I ended up settling and just owing $300, which I think is – what, what do you think? Is that a pretty fair amount? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was not three, maybe five at the most, but it just it was somewhere in that area. Yeah, it was somewhere it in that area, and uh, it was a good result considering how I started where I was thousands of dollars down. I wasn't but. very happy. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest you know, you lose five thousand. You know, I lose five thousand. Yeah. So, well, you you saw. I don't know if you were watching. You saw. I just I got no winning hands. It's not like I was docking it off. I just uh, every hand I missed. Yeah. Well, you know, I I would look. At, you know, I I was out. I wasn't home, and, and the internet wasn't great. Trying to stream this thing on a phone. The one hand that I tuned in and saw right off the bat was I. You know, I saw that ace queen hand where you and the other guy both had had the same hand. Um, yeah. and then I saw a couple, but really when I, every time I would watch, you weren't playing. I mean, you were folding, you know, yeah, I was getting, I was getting dealt trash over and over critical. Like you just said, you know, seven, three, eight, you know, eight, eight four, like you didn't have playable hands. Yeah, I didn't. And then, and then when I played them, I, for the first half, I just lost every one of them. So what was the name of the black guy that was in that game? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, it was the guy who made that incredible ace eight fold. <laughs> did he? Buy, did he really buy in that whole game with a thousand dollars and last the whole time? No, I think he bought in twice for the thousand dollars or something. Okay, because I saw in the beginning it listed him as a thousand, you know, and then I, I just kept checking, and he always had like between eight hundred and tw- whatever yeah, it was. That, that's what he did. Huh. Interesting. I, I think I heard in the beginning that they said he was a regular at that casino. I mean, I don't know. I, I thought I heard. Yeah, he had been on the previous on the previous stream too. So yeah, he was he was the big fish in the game. And then, as I, I mentioned earlier, the the once Rep Porter left, and once I got a better handle on who was in the game, it was actually better than I thought it was at first. At first, I thought that this was gonna be a crappy game, but then uh, it actually wasn't bad. As I was saying before, that if this game was not far from me, even if I could play that exact game every day, I definitely would. That's definitely better than the average hundred two hundred game that runs. Uh, right. But uh, was it as good as the one two months ago that they broadcast? No, not even close. Uh, but, uh, but but you know it, it wasn't a tough game, and that that's part of the reason I was able to come back. And I just ran better, of course. But as part of the reason I was able to come back and end up winning when I was down. Uh, one of the funny things I saw, and again, you know, I was at home. I was just sporadically watching. Is I think it was towards. Yeah, it definitely was towards the end. They had that Asian kid, uh, Kyle. Yeah. Was that his name? Yeah. They had that Asian kid up in the booth with the two announcers. Yes. And then one of one of the announcers, I think it was a straight guy, not like the you know, the guy in the suit, he said, 
You know, we're just getting some word, Kyle, that uh, Todd Dandruff or whatever they were calling you had appeared on Man vs. Food, and we're just trying to look into that to verify it. And, but it was such an awkward question because how is Kyle supposed to answer that? It's like, oh, okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they asked, you know, they told him that, and then the camera goes to You know what I mean? Like, what is he supposed to say to well, that? You know what was also like, weird? Was, I'll tell you what was also weird about this Kyle guy commentating. So Kyle played in the game, and then he also went up at some point in the booth. And the weird thing was that uh, he was up in the booth commentating while he's still in the game. So there's two Kyles. There was one that was playing, and then it was him. But but it was like I don't know if you guys if you remember back in the yes. '80s they used to do those panoramic pictures where it would uh, they do it like in schools where they take a picture of a of a of like a large class, but it would be from yeah, a camera that that moves slowly across. So what people would do is someone on the side would run around the back and duck down and then get to the other side and it looks like there's two of them. So that was what it was like with this Kyle guy. He's commentating and yet he's in the game at the same time. So he's commentating on his own hands that are supposedly yeah. going on live and it's because the commentating was being done uh, on, on the delay. Right. Yep, so, I that. so he was able to go up and, uh, and he was able to go, or I should say the commentating was done live on there and, and the game was on a delay. So he was able to commentate on things that had happened half an hour ago when he was actually in the game. He was the, he was the other winner on the stream. He and that Zach guy to my left were the two winners on the stream. I was the very slight loser on the stream and, and, uh, and then everybody else lost. So, uh, and uh, but but there were, there were people in the game who were ma- definitely making mistakes. Not just that guy who was the biggest fish, but there were there were some that were making repeated mistakes, which weren't while not horrendous, were ones that would add up over time playing them. That would be you know big leaks where they were calling down too much, or, or when they have something not being aggressive it, enough with it, it or was, whatever. It was pretty funny because, as I said, you know I wasn't home, but I tried to get in the chat on my phone and then it like told me i had to register something i'm like i'm not going to do this now but i did read the chat for a while and apparently i guess they were a handful of regulars that turn in or that tune in every time that the stream goes on and they you know interact but the whole you know and they were shocked because the whole entire chat was just bombarded with pfa people yeah, that's and what I, I heard. Like, Where do these people come from? Like, it, you know, because there are regulars that are in there and they know the host's names and they're talking about other broadcasts. And, you know, maybe there's like 10 people, eight people in there on, on a normal stream. And this was just filled with PFAers. And they just, everything was like, a, you know, like I, I think I even told you on the phone, it, I kind of got embarrassed because of trolling. And it wasn't like mean trolling. It just was ridiculous stuff like, you know, you and food and other things that you've accomplished and you know it just got kind of ridiculous well you know, like it, it just someone someone one of the regulars in there apparently asked i don't understand this how does this dandruff guy have such a huge fan club right. like they didn't understand it because they, they like the, the the size of the the fan club that the enthusiasm for me there seemed to uh, be what they'd expect for some like major name in poker so they didn't understand <laughs> why i seemed to carried this giant fan club with me that that went to to follow but uh they they just don't understand the site they don't understand that like if, when it comes to like chat room trolling that's exactly what the the members of the site are going to go do and i did hear one of the announcers say does anyone know if druff drove here with my clitoris <laughs> yeah i heard that about my clitoris yeah i heard him he actually said that yeah he didn't catch it yeah it's funny so 
yeah, so, uh, so yeah, they definitely took they took over the chat room there. But the, the host said they actually they didn't mind it. They thought it was funny. They eventually caught on that these guys were messing with them and that uh, that they weren't mad about it. At, at first, I said to them, you know, I'm sorry if the, my site was making life miserable. They said, Oh no, 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 it was funny. So they they didn't seem to mind. And uh, I, I asked them after the game was over. So what? Out of curiosity, what hotel did they put you up in? I say they put me up in the in the Crown Plaza, uh, five miles down the street, where a murder took place six days beforehand. Hmm. How did you find that out? I, I was googling it, and I, I saw about the murder story. And now, as I mentioned earlier in the show, the murder was actually two people who knew each other. I guess a guy. There's some woman found like almost dead in the hallway, and then she died in the hospital. But I guess I don't know how he knew her. I don't know if they were dating, but the guy was arrested who knew her. So it wasn't just like a random mugging, which made me feel better. Hmm. But yeah, how, how was I'm not familiar with Northern California. I've been to like San Francisco and Oakland a few times, but it's been years. How is that area in general? Like, well, is it safe? No, it's not. It's not a very good area. Uh, Sacramento, it's, it's varied. Like many cities, where there's some nice areas, there's some okay areas, there's some not so nice areas. This wasn't a horrible area, but it wasn't a very good area, and. Uh, you just have to. It's kind of like all card rooms. You know, the, most card rooms in California, uh, may, maybe like I don't even know. The, I don't remember the neighborhood of Bay One Hundred One when I went there, but uh, maybe those are okay. But I like the LA card rooms. Those are all in kind of uh, not so great neighborhoods, some worse than others. And and so same, you know, same with this one in Sacramento. The, the neighborhood's not that great. It's it's not absolutely terrible, but it's it's not that great of a neighborhood. And it's, you know, I was careful when i walked the car and uh and the hotel you know i was careful in the parking lot there so that's that's where they put me up and uh you know i I paid for one of the two nights but they i appreciate that they paid for one night and uh, what's what's the rack rate for the room for the night you had to pay well i actually got upgraded to quote a suite through my own doing not through the hotel but uh the uh and i also got i i also self-negotiated the price down by saying, well, I want to pay what the casino paid for the other night. I don't want to pay what the rack rate is. I want to pay what the casino paid. So I said, I'm not looking for the casino to pay a second night, but I want you guys to give me the casino rate because it's the same stay. So they agreed. So So you just walk in there. You don't know anyone, and you're doing negotiations like you're buying a a Mazda Miata like in the 80s or something? Well, as far as the rate, I called that one in, but the negotiations I made when I was there was to get a room that was quieter because that the biggest problem with that property is that it's right backed up against the 80 freeway. So it's very noisy in most of the rooms. So that wasn't going to fly since I, I got there at like five in the morning and I had to sleep during the day. So can you imagine trying to sleep if like a, the room's facing the freeway? So that wasn't going to happen. So, <laughs> But what was so? What was the rate you negotiated? I, I ended sure up, I ended, yeah, I ended up paying eighty nine dollars plus tax. Oh, that's not bad. And what and what was the rack rate? What did you save with your negotiations? Well, if you ignore the fact that I switched to a suite, which is more expensive, uh, but if you ignore that, the regular rate was like uh, you know, like one thirty something. So it was substantially cheaper. Oh wow. Now, and it was this a traditional suite in the sense that there was a standalone living room with yes. a separate bedroom with a door, or yes. it was like one of these big rooms that they called no. a suite? Like no, a- it, it, was, it was a standard suite. Okay. Now, the, the hotel is, is older, so it needs some renovation. 
it's not horrible, but it's not, it needs some renovation. So uh, that's why you see when I say a suite, I don't want people to picture like it's some baller place. It's just a bigger room with a separate living room and stuff, which I I didn't really need. The reason I was happy to have it was just because it happened to have the quieter location. But uh, I, I didn't need the room being by myself. That's why, like, like, if I'm by myself and I'm offered a suite, I'm not that excited. I, I kind of feel like it's a waste because the, the the advantage to having that is is the extra room there. Uh, when I'm with the family, it's great, but right. uh, by myself, it doesn't matter much. Yeah. So well, it could have ended a lot worse. Seventeen hundred is still seventeen. That was actually that was my, no, that was my high point. That was my high point in the whole session. <laughs> I was never better than that. Then, now, did you did you get up when they did the game break, or did you just say I've had enough? I've eaten the pizza and the steak and the donuts. And I'm just I actually there. said, yeah, I actually said I was done. But the reason, part of the reason, also was that uh, uh, the remaining players in the game by that point were uh, none of them were bad, and the game was just like a very tight, straightforward game at that point. It was uh, there wasn't much value to be had. So everyone was just kind of being tight, you know, betting if they have it, not betting if they did. And, like, you know, yes, I probably, you know, I, I could have extracted value by making, you know, if people call down ace high when they shouldn't and stuff like that. But I wasn't going to be there. I knew I wasn't going to go long enough for that. So I was just going to be introducing more variance with, with, you know, a little edge. So I said, you know, that's not worth it. It's not. Uh, yeah. And and everybody agreed, like everyone was saying that the game, sucked right then like right around when i quit uh i sat out to eat the pizza and then i just never sat back in because everybody agreed that the game sucked so uh, i didn't technically quit i sat out first to eat the pizza and then i just didn't sit back in and by the time i was done people quit the thing anyway so uh i i was honestly surprised you got the action you did on the cross book you even asked you know do i want part of it i i didn't want to do it just i didn't want to introduce the variance i thought 100 200 was high enough for what I play these days, so essentially, yeah. So if people again are following, Druff would have been playing two hundred, four hundred, because that just would have doubled. Well, had I bought the whole action, but if, if I yeah. bought like half, it would have won one fifty three. But one fifty three. And, and in the old days where I played this all the time, I would have definitely done that. But here, because I don't play this high that much anymore, I didn't want to. If I lost there and ran bad, which I, it could have easily happened, I was down four k at one point. Uh, if I had lost and ran bad, I didn't want to multiply that by 1.5 or whatever so i chose not to buy any of it but i and even though i slightly lost for for the stream so so brandon had to pay uh i i thought it was still a good spot even not knowing that the lineup was tougher but uh even even with that knowledge it I was felt still a, a good lot spot. better when you messaged me and said rep porter wasn't gonna play yeah i felt a lot better than two but uh uh just, just the way that makeup of that game was that I, I was, I, I felt like I was definitely playing with an advantage there, uh, skill wise over, over the. Does he live in that? Does he live in that area? Yeah, I was surprised. Apparently, he does. He lives in the Bay Area now. People were surprised by that. They said, oh, are you visiting from the east? Oh, no, no, no I live in. I forgot what he said. He, he so I was going to say that's kind of nuts to just leave them. You know what I mean? Like go all the way there and travel. Yeah, and, oh, people said okay, that. Pe- gonna... People were surprised that like, he didn't come from the distance I did, but he wasn't close either. He probably had to drive back two hours to get back to where he lived. But uh, he was very insistent about it. I I was My attitude about that was, you know, if they were going to do it for rep, I was going to have them do it for me, but I was not going to leave the game for that. 
In fact, they didn't even bother to come back to me. Like, they came back to rep and said, no, we're not doing this for you. And he argued some. They said no. And then they uh, said, okay, well, then play to your blind and leave. So he did. Uh, with me, they didn't even bother to come back to me and say no. They just, I just didn't bring it up again. I just, I was kind of like the ride along with that. I just said, hey, I agree. I want that too. Yeah. And then when they didn't, well, okay. The, you know, the only thing I could really see that that is if you did indeed – or either of you or any of you luck boxed and won the main event or final tabled it, you know, I could see. That's what I said. I said that. that could be problematic. I, I said that. Them marketing you, you know, oh, main event winner or final November Niner or, you know, final table list. But other than that, what would they really use? No, that's, that, that's what I said. That's what I said to the remaining people at the table when I was saying that some were saying, well, I don't think I'm a big enough name. I don't think they'd ever want to use me. I said, I said, if you never play any. Uh, significant tournaments like the main event, then you're correct. Uh, however, if if you do play the main event, and uh, and you were to get very far in it, like like I said, like final table or win it, then yes, they they could use you and and, and say, hey, you once played on the stream and put up a big poster of you, and you couldn't do anything about it. So I said, I said his concern was very valid, and the truth is, if they're going to say, oh no, we're really not going to do all that, we're just going to do this, you know, we're just going to put it in the archives and and broadcast, and that's really all we're doing. Uh, then they should. That's what the, contract- the thing is. Even someone like him, you know, he's a bit. Reporter is a big name. If you if you follow, if you really follow tournament poker, I could almost bet you ninety percent of the people in that in, in the entire you know room that were playing had never heard of him. Yes, because you have to you know you have to play in World Series. You know, he's not like he's on the WPT, so he hasn't been on you know that kind of TV. I mean, you have to, you know what I mean. He's yes. a main name in a very niche market. Like, yes, I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah, I know, I know. And and uh, so, but I, I, I bet most of the people aren't. I would bet most of the people on this fraud site don't know who Rep Porter is. No, I bet I some mean, of them. Just, uh, they follow it I'm more not, here. No, I'm not saying. I'm not saying some of them don't. I said I bet most of the people. Like literally, if if you took a poll of a hundred, somehow we determined a hundred random PFA users and asked a hundred of them, you know, if they knew Rep Porter, and they answered honestly, I'd say more than fifty did not know who he is. I'm not sure 100%. about that. I'm not sure about that. See, he's been around for a long time. I just think people would have heard of him. Uh, but like, what mean? What I mean? I think you're just kind of. He's won a few bracelets. Uh, he's won two or three bracelets, and he. I'm not just talking about it because I know him from Limit Hold'em. I'm just saying that. Uh, yeah. Well, that's what I was saying. Well, I was going to say I think you're biased because you know he's been around Limit Hold'em for a long, long time, and you also you know just have played with him in tournaments, but he, he hasn't been on any. You know, maybe he's gotten some minimal coverage on ESPN broadcasts over the years, but it's been minimal at best. And he's never made any kind of big TV table. So, and again, I'm not taking anything away from the guy. The guy's a beast, but I'm just saying, I would, you know, I, you know, what? I'll be curious. People that are listening now, you know, that actually post in the thread or whatever, the, one of the call-in numbers, just tell us if you know who he is or not. You know, just if you really, not just you've heard the name randomly, but if you really know anything about him, could identify him. You know, in a lineup or whatever. It's actually kind of an interesting, you know, it's interesting. Because sometimes, you you know, you get biased because people that you, are, you, know, you or I know just because we're around it aren't, aren't really names that are even known amongst other people. Well, I'll, I'll tell you someone who I remember who knew of him because I actually, I used him in the game on one of the early episodes of the show of Older than, or Younger Than Druff. And I picked a lot of people who were close to my age that... Uh, you know, for people to choose from in that game, where they guess whether the person's older or younger than me. So he was on there, and Vowels, who you know, she didn't play much poker; she was more just 
like like posting on the forums, she knew who he was. Like right away, she's like, "Oh, that's a tough one. Let me think." And then uh, I don't remember if she got it right or wrong. But uh, wow, do, 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 you, do you know the answer? Do you think he's older or younger than me? I'd say older. And I don't know. I don't know how old he is. I have no idea. But he, I would he is. Guess he's older. He is a year older than me. Oh wow! I would have guessed maybe four, four or five. Hmm. Yeah. So. He's uh, forty six. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't wasn't his last bracelet in? I think it was Raz, but I want to say it was definitely in the non holdem game. Yeah, it was Raz. Uh, it was Raz. He has two. Okay. He has two Raz bracelets actually, and it's pretty remarkable. I met him either in two thousand five or two thousand six at Commerce, and ironically enough. The, the the day I met him, or the, excuse me, the game I met him in was the biggest game I'd ever played in in my life to this day. Like it or limit hold'em wise, at least it was like I think it was either one hundred, two hundred, or two hundred, four hundred to start, and then by the time it was done, it was like four hundred, eight hundred. Every it just kept. And this was a long session. I played. It was during the LAPC. I played for like twelve hours, and you know how it is at Commerce, you know, or at least how it used to be. A game starts at whatever it is, and people start getting stuck. Or, you know, if the game's really good, it will just get, you know, bumped up every yeah. couple hours. I mean, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know if it's still like that, but I remember. I I want to say it was two hundred, four hundred, but then it became, you know, everyone you want to play three hundred six, and everyone would agree, and then it, you know, so it was four hundred, eight hundred when all was said and done, and that was a huge game back then, you know. But that was a massive game for me for limit hold'em. I mean, again, that's by far the biggest. You know, I played. I played some 200, 400 back in the day on Stars, uh, but that was it. I never ventured. I don't think you did either. I ne- never ventured into like five hundred. No, I played. I played five hundred thousand sometimes, not often. Okay, never, never one thousand too. No, I, did, I didn't play that. Yeah, I was sick. I remember I used to watch uh, Dustin sit there for hours and play that. You know, play five hundred or thousand. That you know, there were times. This is just how crazy it, it was back then. I mean, people, a lot of people don't know this. There were times when that 1,000, 2,000 limit hold'em game on stars would be almost full ring. Yes. Like you'd have like six, seven, eight people in there. Yeah. It'd be a waiting list. Yeah. Like you'd have, uh, uh, you know, just the stick man and, and the Minnesota people and, you know, just a new house and, and um, uh, Joe Cassidy. Like, I mean, it, it, it was amazing. Like you'd sit there and you'd watch somebody win a hundred thousand. Yeah, I, actually, I don't think the Minnesota people did it. I think it was more like the the Germans and ones like that who would go in there. But uh, and, and Joe Cassidy, like you said, and, and uh, Newhouse, they they played it. Well, I know. I thought what's his name Schneids. I definitely used to play the five hundred, a thousand. Yeah, he, once he, in a while. yeah, he did. And then and then they uh, for a short time, and then they kind of all got more nitty as time passed. Well, the point I was making, it definitely wasn't like a heads-up thing. Like, I remember watching Dustin, and it, and it was like five, six, seven. Yes, it times. was sometimes. It was, yeah. And that's pretty amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and I, you know, by the way, I think the reason you, you believed Rep was older, he was one of these guys who, who kind of looked old early. So, like, when he was in his yeah, 30s. Yeah, right. that, When he was so in his 30s, he already, he already looked like he was over 40. If he's, I'm sorry, so how old is he now? He's 46 now. Okay, so 2000, it was either, I think it was 2006, so 11 years, so he's in his mid-30s. I would have guessed back then he was in his early 40s. That, that's what I thought when I met him. So the funny thing, if you see him now, he doesn't look that much older than he did 11 years ago, but 11 years ago he looked way older than his age, so that's, that's the yeah. thing. That, that, uh, so, but what was remarkable is he's a very good inspiration 
for those people that are listening on how, you know, because I'm sure many people that are listening now only know one variant or maybe two variants of poker. You know, a lot of people still only really play Hold'em, you know, fundamentally sound. But back then, that was all he played. And it wasn't just Hold'em, it was Limit Hold'em. And that was, you know, he, I remember when he used to play in the WSOP 10 years ago, he would only enter the Limit Hold'em events. And maybe he'd enter a couple No Limit tournaments, but I don't recall him ever having any great success in any of the No Limit tournaments. But he taught himself all those mixed games so well that in a matter of years, he was winning bracelets in them, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's, it's you know, it just goes to tell you that, you know, you can't really be a one-trick pony and you have to switch things up and, you know... But he wasn't a mixed game player, and now I think he plays mixed games, you know, as, as good as anybody. What? What? Do you remember what were his other bracelets in? It, it was there was two rash bracelets and one in, in no limit hold'em. Oh wow, amazing! So he doesn't even have one in limit hold'em. No, nope. well, and doesn't he? I played with him once this summer, and he busted out really early. He was at my starting table. No idea which tournament it was, but I remember he was wearing a hat and a shirt that had some training site on it. Actually, so I don't even know. Do you know what that is? No, I, he wasn't There's wearing. Something. He wasn't wearing that one when I saw him last week. Okay, I wonder if he's actually gotten into the uh, instructional side of poker. Hmm. Interesting. You know, he also well, finished. He was also twelfth in the main event in thirteen. I didn't know that. Wow, really? Yeah. Who won that year? Uh thirteen. Was that? I'm just trying to I think, try to remember. Was that Ryan Reese's year? I don't know. You know, I remember up until like Jamie Gold, and then I guess Jerry Yang. Maybe I was able to name everybody. If you, if you literally right now, it's not even about you know the order. If you, well, you know, I'll ask you. If you had to write down every main event winner, you know, obviously no cheating, no clues from moneymaker to this year could you do it so 18 18 winners in a row or whatever it is no i could you actually so. I'd i mean not forget order, so. but just can you write down eight you know from 2000 I, I would i would forget some year. of the, i'd forget some of the later ones all the ones from like the Me 2000s too. i I'd, I, I would know but uh yeah i just it kind of is just kind of who i don't even who won this past year oh it was, I, I remember that fat that big kid i don't, I don't even know his name yes yeah, it's uh Blum, blumfield or Blumstein. Was it Scott? Scott? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Don't, and then last year was tw- or the Asian guy. I don't remember his name either. The guy with the, the weird hat. Yeah. Kui Wen. Kui Lee. Kui Wen. Yeah. Something. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. Kui Wen. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I, like I said, I remember... Everyone that, you know, I used to go all the way, maybe even up to Eastgate, and then I just, I don't know. Ryan Reese, don't even remember that World Series at all. I couldn't tell you who was at that final table if you paid me. I had no well, idea. Newhouse is one of them. He, that was one of his ninth, ninth place finishes. What what year? What were those two years? Was that 13 and 14 or 12 and 13? It's 12 and 13. Amazing. I still think that's that's a feat. That, you know, I thought that was, that was a feat we'd definitely never see, and then... Didn't that one guy come close to it from last year again? One of the it was a non-American. I'm, I I don't remember his name, but one of the non-Americans that made the final table last year almost made it this year again. Oh, it, it was it sorry. Was, it was, Newhouse it was thirteen to fourteen. It wasn't twelve and thirteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, but but he hasn't cashed since then. You know, I I don't think he even tries to play anymore. I mean, other than the main event, 
Like I know, like I remember either it was Facebook or Twitter seeing the comment, you know, finally coming to Vegas now for the main event. But I mean, in years past, he'd come and he'd play the prelims, he'd play the 10K limit hold'em. I just think he comes now just because, you know, like some people do, just to only play the main because it's, you know. Yeah, well, I think what would surprise prestigious. people. I think what would surprise people about him, despite the fact he's been around for a while, he only has uh, eight caches at the World Series. Hmm. Wow. Do you know, are you looking at something? Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at, looking at, at right? Wikipedia. No, I didn't memorize. All so this. what is what is he now? I know that his lifetime tourney wins. The majority are the Borgata and the two main events. Yeah, I'm going to say he's definitely has four million. I'm going to say it's like maybe close to five. Because those three caches are four million. It's a three point five million. Three point five. Yeah. How? What? What? Did, hold on. What did he make for the Borgata? I thought he made close to two for the Borgata. No, like it was one. Each. No, it was one point something. Oh, okay. And then each World Series ninth finish was, I think, an even million. No, it was. Uh, they were both like in the sevens. That was before they. That was before they guaranteed the money. Oh, okay. That's yeah. You got got to screw by that. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, Jesus, poor Newhouse. Newhouse can't catch a break you know, he's here. The, he's the kind of guy that like you won't hear from him for five more years, and then like he'll turn up at some star-studded final table, like in two thousand twenty, yep. you know, three. And we're like, Jesus, Newhouse is still around. It's funny. It says on his Wikipedia. I wonder who wrote this. Newhouse was born in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and was a rebellious teenager. Like, okay, <laughs> like who wrote that? Like, the, like how was he rebellious? I, I didn't even think when when I met him originally, he didn't seem rebellious at all. If if anything, he became uh, more rebellious as he got older and got uh, exposed to some of these well, commerce people. He talked about on one of the podcasts, or it might have even been like a mainstream poker publication how he learned poker and he was in some juvenile facility um when he was younger like maybe 17 or 18 maybe even 16 and that's how he learned poker. oh really so maybe like, so maybe like he was really a teenager penny, yeah one penny two penny or something but he told this story like this isn't like some gossip or something he told me firsthand so i remember thinking oh wow i've known the guy you know this many years i never knew that but he had gotten into some trouble. I think it was like alcohol related. Like he got a DUI or maybe like a second DUI or third DUI, whatever it was. And he was he was in some sort of like monitored, you know, at risk juvenile detention place. And that's how he learned poker. So maybe that's where they're getting that from. Like, I don't know. I mean, who writes those things? Like who would put that adjective in there? Would that be up to him? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, anyone could have written it in there, but it's just weird that it was put in there. Well, like, if you edit yours, you have a Wikipedia, what is the process? Like, could someone question you, or could you say, well, I'm Todd, well, tell us. No, you know, anyone, anyone can, you don't have to even be there, you can be anyone. No, I realize that, but they could just, okay, if I went in there and I wrote, Todd, well, tell us is a notoriously cheap former computer scientist, blah, 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 that's not going to stand. Somebody's going to remove that. I'm saying what grounds or what proof Oh, what, okay, whatever. believe it or not, you can't even quote yourself as a source. That's what's so stupid. That's my question. Yeah, Wikipedia has really stupid rules that uh, um, it, you can use crappy sources, but uh, I mean they can't be total terrible sources. But you can use you know, kind of dubious sources. But then if that person himself shows up to correct uh, mistakes or add things to the article, they won't take it. Like then, then it'll uh, even if your your justification is I am that person, they won't accept it. So. 
so they, what they're trying to do is they're trying to make independent verification so people can't even tell lies about themselves, but it, it kind of fails in that you don't need very much to be considered a, a source there that they'll accept. So, uh, anyway, you, you can... So anyone can edit anything there, and if a page gets vandalized too much in a short time, they will lock it to where it can't be edited or it'll be uh, under watch to where every time there's an edit, a, mod- a moderator gets notified and they'll quickly reverse it. So, But, like, so you couldn't, I mean, even, like, an adjective about yourself, you couldn't go in there and change it? Like, say you wanted to put in there, like, Todd will tell us, notoriously cheaper. Todd will t- or say you want to go in there and add that you played in a stream recently or whatever. Oh no, that I could or do. It, a- that I could. I, like I could add that I played in a stream and then put a source as the link to the stream, and it wouldn't be. It probably wouldn't be removed. Right, but right. But my question is, who decides if that stays? Oh, the moderators there. And, and do, do they know that it's actually okay? Well, you know, here's a better example. So, say you have another child, and you want to list on your personal information. He is. Girlfriend gave birth to a you know a baby girl you know how do they verify that that's accurate? They don't like. Um, so but, uh, would it stay? In they there, they will sometimes leave it, sometimes won't. It depends if it seems uh, like like something that's that's vandalism. Like like oh okay. So if let, let's say someone puts a, let's say someone puts in fact there have been things like this. It, uh, you know Todd came out as gay in such and such uh, such and such date. Like uh, you know they'll immediately suspect that's a, that's a troll. And 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 probably remove it unless there's some kind of real news article about that. Uh, whereas if it's like, oh, Todd had a, a you know, the father of, of a baby girl born, you know, uh, October first, two thousand seventeen. You know, no one's going to question that. They're let us assume it's right. So that's uh, these aren't hard rules about it. And also, the, these things aren't always checked. Sometimes it stays this way for a while, and sometimes the person who it's about will edit it out. Like if I I will edit something out if someone's like trolling the page in some way. Uh, who are these people? Like they're volunteers. Like it, 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 it's always amazed me. And I know this is going to sound ridiculous that I've done this, but sometimes, you know, somebody will die and I'll see it like on, on CNN scrolling and I'll look on my phone. Cause I want to see when they were born or something about it. And literally they've already updated the Wikipedia. Like they'll say such and such was, Yes, you know, an actor was a an athlete, and I'm thinking, fuck, like it just just happened ten seconds ago. How is it? I mean, are these people just round the clock sitting in front of their well, computers, it, like an it, army of these so, people? Well, no, someone who's famous will probably have someone immediately who will think about it, like some fan of theirs, and think, oh, I better go update their Wikipedia and run over and do it. There's, that's usually not done by moderators. The moderators in Wikipedia, it's actually interesting because these people. There's not really much they get out of it. Like they they, they spend a lot of time doing it. it, it it's they're not getting paid. Uh, they're not really getting recognition for it. They're just moderating Wikipedia, and some people just enjoy it. It's like a hobby for a lot of people. And there's a lot of these moderators on there. So and, and some of it is is just self moderated by people reading the article. So if you read an article about something that. Uh, you're interested in and you know something false is up there, you can actually go edit it and change it. And, uh, and of course, the, sometimes there's change, change back wars where at some point the moderators will see this and, and intervene. But, but sometimes these things are corrected just by fans of the person or, or people who are reading about the topic. So that's, that's one way sometimes things are corrected. Uh, but, uh, uh, it, it, the weirdest one to me, this didn't have to do with Wikipedia. This is actually the 
IMDb. Uh, do you remember a, a poker writer named uh, Andy Glazer? Yes, I know that name. Where, how do I know that name? I uh, he he know was it. just a poker writer for for a while and did a lot. anyway. He died. I think he was in uh, 2004 or something like that. 2004, 2005. He died and committed suicide. I believe he reported his own suicide on IMDb for killing himself. And wow. the reason I think That's that is because unlike Wikipedia, IMDb is not so easy to edit. And he had definitely written his own IMDb entries. I guess he, you know, he had written a few. Like he made a few appearances. Like he, he. he he wrote a very extensive profile for himself on there for someone who barely had any TV exposure. So this was someone who was definitely trying to kind of use IMDb to promote himself back then. So he's not someone like a TV personality you even think of going to IMDb to update. And furthermore, uh, that was immediately up there upon the reports of his death. And unlike he, he wasn't a big celebrity by any means. So, and since again, it's not like Wikipedia where you can, uh, just anyone can just go on and edit it quickly. So it seems like somebody who wrote the original profile, which was him, clearly, went and edited that he committed suicide. The date of death was suicide. So I think that's the last thing he did is updated his IMDb, put his date of death was that day with parentheses suicide, and then killed himself. So... Uh, I even wonder if he did that because he wanted everyone to know he committed suicide and didn't want the death to be listed as something else. So I, I don't know if that's true, but that's uh, that was one theory I had why he actually reported his own suicide, or that's or just that he was he wanted the page to be accurate, and that was the only way that's he could odd. know. Yeah, it's that's eerie. Yeah, like that's a strange that's a strange last thing to do before killing yourself. I'm gonna let her you know, update my IMDb page to make sure everyone knows I committed suicide. So. By the way, if do, it, uh, by the way, just poker stuff. I know. I think you have another week, or maybe two weeks before it actually takes place. Have you talked about this? And, and I'm not making fun of it. I actually am impressed. It's taken, you know, such a amazing, like you know, just turn. But this Grinders Poker series. No, I haven't paid that much attention. I know of it, but I haven't paid much attention. I mean, to it's it. small, but it's just impressive that this can just start. They, well, they have a. They have a like a week plus long poker series at the Venetian. Oh, um, oh, you're talking about the real grinders poker. I, was, I, was, I don't know. I was, I was conf- I'm confusing something else. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Was, what, is it called the real grinders? Real, the real is grinders. Different- yes. And okay. and oh yeah, no, we we've okay. had Raymond Davis on a few times in the in the past month here, and he so he he, he called in tonight not to talk about this, but he called the, the last time he called in, he talked about it, and yeah, they really got uh, a poker series going there, and uh, it's amazing. And it's, it seems to have some interest, but yeah, it doesn't surprise me. They have a huge Facebook group. So, I mean, listen, I'll tell you, I look at you know some of these posts because it just shows up on my phone, and I try to read them. And there's so many comments. I'm like, I'm not even going to try to like navigate. You know, like someone asks a question or someone posts a hand, and you know, it's an hour that's gone by, and there's a hundred comments or yeah. hundred responses. I mean, it's it's massive. Like this following, it really is. Yeah, and it's funny it's because amazing. when they started their website, which was supposed to be the big thing, it was kind of a fail, as I predicted. And I, I kind of three dollars a month. Yeah, I thought the whole like thing women was women and titties. And, yeah, I thought the whole thing know. was ridiculous, and then somehow they, <laughs> the Facebook group was what ended up being the big success. And I, I don't even know how, quite how they managed to. Become, but I don't. I don't even hear any more about that other part of the site. I, 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 I would guess they probably just gave that up. 
Yeah, it's still there, but they don't seem to talk about it. Yeah. So, so basically, though, they're not making any money off this. I don't know. They they sell some some hats and shirts and stuff like that, but uh, so they probably make a little off that. And, and they'll, prob- they'll definitely. A lot of people don't know this, but and I'm not. You know, I, I could be wrong, but I, I know I'm not. They'll definitely get some sort of cut from the rake in this tournament because I know. Uh, whatever it doesn't matter. I know that. Do you, know, do you know what the lips? You know what lips poker? Is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ladies in poker series. Exactly, and I, yeah. So I know the person. I know this for a fact. The person that runs that, and it goes. You know, it's all over. It's all over the United States. And you know, I'm not saying she doesn't deserve it or whatever, but I'm just saying when they have a stop somewhere, she gets like five or even ten dollars a head. You know, per person. And you know, these lips tournaments get. You know, sometimes they get hundreds of women in them. So I, I'm sure that. You know this grinder series that you know. And I'm not saying he shouldn't. Like, you know, listen, Ray Davis has done a good job in, you know, promoting this thing, and you know, he's always commenting and responding to people. So maybe that's how they're gonna. You know, maybe this will be a series if it's successful that they'll have in L.A. and they'll have like in the Midwest and they'll have it a couple times a year to get closer to you know where the members are. Yeah. Um, well, and, and I've given the credit here. I said that they've. The, They've had a very good uh, attitude over there, allowing me to post about Poker Fraud Alert Radio and what, you know, when we're on every week and stuff like that. And uh, and yeah, I participate in the group. I don't just go there to spam. But uh, yeah, I've seen you. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's one of my Facebook settings, but if any of my friends, like any of my normal Facebook friends, post or comment in that group, I get a notification. Like you'll say to me, like when I look at my notifications, Todd would tell us post in Real Grinders. Or such and such, yeah, know, it, David or whoever. Well, it'll show you. See, if, since you're a member of it, it'll show you. If you were not a member of it, unless it's a wide open group where you don't need any. No, kind right. Of I realize that, but yeah. I'm just I'm just telling you that I get a notification every time you post. Yes, I, I, so I, I can actually. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You can change that setting. I, I actually turn that off, but yeah, you. Okay. So, like, when you post, I can read. You know, I'll say, oh, okay. So Todd was obviously interested enough in this. So what was it, or? You know, like I remember, what was it? I know you posted some hand history. You did a while ago. It was like, guess this hand, and I'll tell you what I had later, or something like that. Oh, that was, was that was the wor- it was it was a World Series hand where, where the, 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 that uh, that oddity where I was all in, and oh, uh, that's right. I remember. I, I, yeah, I was I all in and and called by a better hand. Didn't improve. Uh, the other guy, the guy who called me, didn't get worse, and I won. And I said, how is that possible? And the answer was that there was a third guy who went all in over him, and he folded. And then, uh, yeah. and, then and then, I beat the other guy because he had just had a draw. That was the answer. Yeah, yeah I remember. That's the only time that's happened to me in my, my life where I'm all in, get called by somebody and uh, who has a better hand. Uh, he, he still has the better hand by the end, and I, I win. Very unusual. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I posted that riddle on uh, on Real Grinders, and <laughs> no one got it. Like a lot of people guessed, but no one no one got it because it's it's, it's a tough thing. Like it's, it's the the trick is it's a trick question because there's a third person. I didn't. I never said that there couldn't be a third person entering the hand. I just said right. I went all in. Somebody called me with. I went all in with King Three. Someone called me with King Ten. Uh, and, and I did not improve. They didn't get worse, and I and I beat them. I guess one more thing before I go, or before we go, or I know you probably don't want to be on much longer. 
pretty amazing you've been on this long. I know that you've been to a lot of the Caribbean over your lifetime, as as I have. I've done it, I guess, similar to you. You know, mainly via cruises, but also just independently, like you know, flying to the Bahamas, uh, flown to Puerto Rico. I mean, I don't even think it's a question that that region has been unprecedentedly hammered like no other time in, in modern history. Like, it's just nuts. Uh, have you been following a lot of it? Like, I was reading today, like, what is it? How do you? Pro- I've never been there, but I think it's pronounced, is it Dominica? Oh, yeah, yeah, Dominica. Or Dom, okay. Dom- and I, I, I've, Dominica. I've, I've been there before, yes. Like, they're saying that it, it, it will take a generation at least to rebuild to what like it was that destroyed and devastated. Well, I, I, and I heard the rainforest was also destroyed. Yep. Yeah, it was gone. It was gone. I, I read it was just gone. All the greenery was gone. And that's just too gone. See, see, this is what's too bad is that in that area of the Caribbean, or the Eastern Caribbean, that is, is probably the nicest Island. And for, at least for scenery, for things to see, I'm not talking about the beaches, but, uh, well, that's, that's funny. Cause I've never been there, but from what I read, it's exactly what you said, that they're not known for their beaches, but they're known for their mountainous regions, the rainforests, and the scenery. Yes. so They don't have the best beaches in the world. They don't. So, so I, was, I was there once on a, on a cruise uh, about 20 years ago, and I think it actually was 20 years. I think it was 97. And I would have liked to go back there, and in fact, I took a Caribbean cruise – last year that passed right by it and i and i mentioned to benjamin's mom that i said it's too bad we're not stopping there because that's a that would have been a really nice port and you know i'd like to take a cruise you know sometime in the future if you know that that actually does stop there because it's been 20 years since i've been there i'd like to see it again uh that's not going to happen now and this that whole eastern caribbean area has been devastated tortola has been uh they had they got hit very hard by by irma uh, there's uh, Puerto Rico itself is having uh, big problems. That's where the, that's actually the launching point for a lot of these cruises. Uh, but with so many, I'm sorry, I, I didn't, I didn't hear you. What, what did you say was having big problems? Uh, Puerto Rico. Oh, it's, it's, it's the whole entire country. No one has electricity. Yeah. Yeah. The whole country. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. So three and a half million people. So, so, and then uh, a number of those Island nations have been, uh, really hit. So, some of them will take a long time, and like in cases like Dominica, a very long time before they're viable stops again for for tourists. And uh, th- this really changes everything for for a lot of those nations, especially ones where a lot of the money that was coming in was from tourism, and they can't do it when there's uh, when everything's been destroyed. So. This this is really these hurricanes have really been very devastating to those uh, little nations. Uh, Puerto Rico at least has the benefit of it's part of the U.S., so they can you know no matter what happens there they they, they can be uh, the U.S. can help them out. But some of these these tiny nations they well from what I read and I, I don't know I I didn't know this until I read it recently. Puerto Rico has been in over the last decade plus the worst recession in the history of. The country. I, I did not know that. Um, the utility company that supplies electricity to the entire island filed for bankruptcy. I think it was about it said a year ago. The infrastructure, specifically the electric grid, is so outdated, has been so poorly uh, taken care of 
that, I mean, it, it, it literally is like a third world country. They were saying even with bringing in the best engineers from the United States that there are going to be people, you know, that, that are not going to have electricity for six months wow. because the whole, the whole grid needs to be rebuilt. I mean, I read this on CNN. I read this on, you know, Fox News. You know, I've read a lot of articles on this because it, it was so amazing to me. Um, I didn't know the country was that much in debt. I didn't know that they were in such a deep recession. Um, and I didn't know that you, know, you would just think, you know, the United States would never let the, their, the, the infrastructure get so poorly, you know, depreciated. But apparently it has been. I mean, that it's that bad. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I mean, not to get, like, all political, you know, and I know it's late, but, you know, there's this argument that this is just, like, bad luck. Like, that, you know, just all these coincidences, you know, like the earthquakes and, you know, just all of it, you know, the, the three massive hurricanes, Harvey and then Irma and others that are suggesting that this is just the beginning because of global warming, that it's going to get worse. That this is just, you know, we're going to start seeing more well, and, however, storms. We, we saw, well, the earthquake, it didn't have to do with it. The, the, the storms, it's easy to say that, but 12 years ago with the year of Katrina and some other very bad storms in 05, and that same thing was said then that this is going to be the norm from now on that every year we should expect yeah, things but like we've this. never seen storms i mean and, and this was back to back in terms of the sustained winds we've never had storms with 175 miles an hour in the atlantic before and we just had back-to-back storms that were i mean you know what i mean like just the sheer strength of it yeah i i know but i'm just saying that what was seen in 2005 there was uh a lot of that was unprecedented and it was said that this is going to be and the number of hurricanes, they had a, 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 so many of them that year, and it was said that this is going to be what we can expect from now on and, and get used to it. This is going to be our future, thanks to global warming. Well, everybody who said that looks stupid. And they said this not like this might be or watch out, this could be. That people, It will be. Well, they look stupid because the following year was a below-average hurricane year. The following year after that, a below-average hurricane year. Then 2008 had some hurricanes, but then again after that, it uh, it calmed down again. So after enough time passed, it was clear that that was just uh, bad luck in 2005. It was not uh, there. Were, there were too many years that were normal or below normal following it that uh, it clearly wasn't a change in the pattern. So it's always hard to say that from something unusual happening in one year uh, that that it's indicative it's it's easy to jump to that conclusion but a lot of times it's just not true a lot of times it's just uh, it's other factors and uh or, or or just bad luck so well that's what i'm asking you we've just seen back to back or actually back to back to back uh you know once in a century type storms the last two being unprecedented at least the wind speed you think it's just bad luck you think it's just coincidental? Yeah, I, I think, think so we, far it is. And the Harvey one was different. That one was so bad because of, of the odd pattern where it uh, it just sat there without moving. And then when it did move, it moved back to the ocean and reloaded and came back to land again. So it's, they, those were unusual. So that caused a massive amount of damage. But it wasn't from the ferociousness of the storm. It was the fact that it didn't move. It moved so slowly. And the fact that it went back out to the ocean and got more uh, more water and came, came back again. So those were that was really just something strange that we're not going to see again for a long time. Uh, so it, it, now the 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 more recent two hurricanes those uh, those were more typical except except the winds were much stronger. But uh, so I don't know. But I, I I hate making any conclusions from one year. A lot can happen in one year that's that's uh, weather wise that's that's not uh, 
indicative of a pattern, and even sometimes there are short-term patterns that uh, that are completely natural and just uh, and just change after after some years. So there there were weather patterns before humans had the ability to change anything, and uh, there were massive differences in weather that that were occurring sometimes over short or semi-short periods of time. So it's 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 a hard thing to say that this is a result of global warming. I'm, I'm not saying it can't be, but I'm also saying that it's, there's, it's way too early to say it is. And even if we have t- like two more consecutive years of this, that's not enough. Now, if we have if in the next 10 years that most of them have are very bad hurricane seasons, then you can start to say, okay, at the very least, it wasn't just bad luck. Uh, something has changed. Whether it's caused by global warming or not, we don't know. But but uh, but something has definitely changed, at least for now. If if it's something like eight in the next ten years, but one year I can't I can't say anything about one year. It's just there's just there, 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 yeah there there could be even separate factors from this that just uh, have to do with with the ocean temperature, water currents, or things like that that happen to be unique to this year that that uh, that may not be related to global warming. So. Uh, it's, yeah. But it's too bad, and, and anyone who wants to visit those islands over there, I, you know, some of them may not be what they were for a long time. So, uh, like a very long time. So it's, uh, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. It's just last year I was talking about uh, Dominique, and also last year I had uh, I went to Puerto Rico in November, and by this point, had this all happened last year. Um, I would have had to uh, probably cancel my flights and eat, eat everything I paid for the vacation, which of course is minor compared to the was suffering. That, was that your over. first? Was that your first time in Puerto Rico? No, no I've been there a number of times. What, what do you? What are your feelings on on the island? Well, what do you like to do when you're there? Um, Puerto. I did notice probably because of the recession. I did notice that hotels were cheaper than I expected this last time. Uh, I will say that the so it's it's uh, it, it seemed like it's at first glance it appears to be a, a great place to vacation because it's you know it's closer it's I mean it's not close to me it's or you it's it's very far it's it's far that way but I mean closer than some of those islands. And the water is very warm. Like the water is like, like when I was there in November, the water was eighty-four degrees. So the water's warm. Uh, there's there's places you can snorkel there. There's a lot of things about it, and of course the weather is you know, typical Caribbean weather. So you can think, okay, I can go here. Actually, be in the U.S. Uh, it's easier to get to than some of these small islands around there. And uh, you know, so why not do that? Even even. People in the east could say, "Why not do this instead of Hawaii?" Because Hawaii is very far for people who live in the east. But uh, after being there a while, you start to see it's got yeah, you know, it's got somewhat of a seedy element, and uh, especially if you venture away from the the, the main tourist areas, and uh, so yeah, there's some downsides to Puerto Rico, and I I even ate at a restaurant there that uh, that that was a scam like the they they had a menu where they just would charge you 
they'd upcharge every price that's listed there, make up BS excuses why, and then if you try to complain, they feign not knowing English. Like they say, like the, the, the waiter will speak English, but then you'll be referred to the manager who pretends not to speak English and doesn't understand you, and they just keep telling you like one-word answers and try to run you down until you can't stand it anymore and just pay. So, like, I actually ran into that scam over there, which was frustrating. And I know it's just one place, but, uh, like, that already kind of put me off. How much did they screw you out of? They ended up not because they ended up not because I was, I, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't back down. And, uh, I just kept saying, no, no, no. And I, I wouldn't accept it. And, and the funny thing is, I, I did reverse, I did at least, I actually, I shouldn't say reverse scam them, but, but one scam that they tried to run failed and I think I actually benefited from it they had a lobster scam going where no matter what number of pounds of lobster you order you get the same lobster so whether it's one pound, two pound, three pound four pound, five pound, it's the same lobster and they charge per pound (laughs) okay, so the funny thing was I already ordered something else and I thought oh you know I may want a lobster too so I said uh yeah, how much does it cost to add a lobster tail? They're like, well, the, you know, we don't do the lobster tail here. We can add a, a lobster on. Uh, so what, what lobster are you like? One pound, two pounds? I've never seen a one pound lobster. They go, oh, yeah, we have it. I go, you sure? Oh, yeah. I said, oh, yeah, I haven't seen it before. Fine. Uh, the lobster tails have the one pound lobster. I've never seen that before, but all the one pound lobster. So the lobster comes. It was no one pound lobster. The thing was probably three pounds or something. You know, it was a, it was, it was a normal sized lobster. So... I thought, well, that's good. I'm paying for one, one, and that was the one area they didn't cheat me. They actually really charged for the one-pound lobster. So then I read reviews of the place later, and people were complaining that the five-pound lobster looked like more like it was three. So they tried that trick with other stuff. Where like they, uh, I ordered a fish. I think it was a snapper or something. They said, do you want the small, medium, or large? So the uh, like the small was was so they it just on the menu one price of like twenty dollars. So then I'm thinking, well, what does small, medium, large mean? So I said, well, what's the difference? And so you know they tried to describe it to me, but couldn't really quantify it. And so I said, what's the prices? Well, the small is twenty is on the menu, but you want medium is twenty five and large is thirty. So I said, uh, I, I already was uncomfortable. Like, uh, fine, just do a medium. So it comes, and I have no idea whether it's going to be, you know, what, what that is compared to a smaller medium. Yeah, it was just a fish, and I ate it, and it was okay. It wasn't great, but the bill comes, and it was uh, it was 30. So I said to them, yeah, no, you, you guys got it wrong. Remember, I ordered a medium, which is supposed to be 25. Why are you charging me 30? And I was told, oh, yeah, you're right. You did order a medium, but we were out of them, so we just gave you a large and charged you for it. So the the truth is, I believe there was just one fish size in the whole thing with a medium large is the way to upcharge you. And then, the, you know, for some reason. And so then then Benjamin's mom, she got upcharged by eight dollars for other bullshit. And uh, so there was that. And there's one other upcharge there. The only thing that was correct was that one pound lobster. But that one actually was that's the only place where I got a good deal because they uh, they were trying. They were actually hoping people are going to order the bigger lobsters and, and, and they don't expect people to want the one pound. And so. In, in that way, I actually benefited, but they would not back down. They they would not accept the like. They didn't say no, but it was like, oh, we can't change. It's only the manager can, and the manager get get. And then you know, and and well, let me ask you this: if you weren't in a you know Commonwealth 
of, of you know the United States, if you were in a foreign country, would you still have put up the same resistance? Yes, um, but it, it depends how far I take it. Like, it never got to the point where anyone looked threatening. It was just like, uh, you know, it, it, it was just they, they feigned not speaking English to try to wear me down, but there was never anything where there was like a big, a huge confrontation, which means just saying, no, 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 I'm not paying. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's, it's, I kept saying it has to get down to the price I expected or I'm not paying anything. I said, and I kept saying, I don't pay incorrect bills. I said, it's either got to be correct or I don't pay at all. So, uh, but later on I read reviews and, and this is very common, the scam they pull there. Like they, they, they pulled this. It wasn't just on us. They pull it on everybody. So that, uh, that, that, that turned me off and I know it's just one place, but, uh, I've heard of like shady things but, that, that go on in Puerto Rico. If you could give tips to the listener, are you basically saying order the one pound lobster when given a number of options? In that one place, I would say that. But but uh, I, I would say if I gave tips to the listener for Puerto Rico, it's that uh, if, if they start offering you things that deviate from the menu like that, then just leave because you're going to you're going to get screwed. That the there should be a, a clear menu with clear prices for everything, and if they, if, if the price is twenty, and then they start telling you about. Uh, uh, different sizes that would be more than twenty or anything funny sounding like that, then they're being scammed. So, uh, I I don't think that's a common trick in the whole Puerto Rico to to sell a one pound lobster. But uh, anyway, I, I that that was just an experience I had that was uh, kind of an introduction to the shady element there. Which I've read other stories of things, not just like this, but just the. You kind of always have to be a little bit on guard over there. Not so much on guard for like violent crime, but for for being scammed. So, uh, I, I will say like it's. I really like swimming in warm ocean. Like it's just so nice to just walk in, and and uh, the ocean is just so warm. You just walk in, and and it just feels like warm to your body, and it's and you can just swimming it right away without even like the cold sensation even like in hawaii where the water 77 or 78 that's you know it's decent but it's not you still have the initial feeling of coldness when you get in but like 84 you don't and this is in november it was 84 late november so that that's nice there there's there's some nice beaches there you can you can be there and feel like you're somewhere like hawaii and and yet it's cheaper, but then it's got more of a CD element than Hawaii has. So I don't know. Who knows what's going to change now after what happened there? But it, it was still an interesting. It's still an interesting place to visit, and uh, if you're coming from the west, it takes a long time to get there. It's a pain in the ass to get I there from the was, west. Every time I've been there, I still think the same thing. I think it's filthy. It is. I'm sorry, it's, maybe that's just part where I've seen, but every part I've seen, it looks filthy. That's what I'm saying. If 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 you if you stick by the beach and 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 you stick, you know, in, in the you know, right where the most touristy areas are, you don't notice it as much. But it, you go anywhere away from that, and you, and you you start to see what you're saying about being being filthy, and and it's got a kind of a seedy look and element to it. So, uh, what about uh? What about St. Martin? Have you been to St. Martin? Yes. Yeah, that was part of the trip last year. 
I was there last year as well. They got annihilated too. Yeah, I saw is, that. Which which is bad, but the the scariest part is areas that I was staying in, resort areas. I stayed uh what the hell was it called last year? I think it was called Mohesto uh, something like that. It was the name of one of those all inclusive resorts. It's right by the airport. Like literally like, you know, you know how you, they have that famous airport with the planes that yes. fly right over the beach? Yeah, we we It was we, literally yeah. We visited it that. Was, yeah, I, well, that's where I was staying. Like I was on that beach where you know my resort was right behind it. What was nuts to me was after this storm and during the fucking storm, the locals there were looting during the storm, and and they were like robbing visitors. Like these posse's were going out when in the eye of the storm because they they knew there, there was no police, and they were robbing tourists. Like uh. there was all these reports, um, and then after that they had to bring in. This was on the Dutch side, so they had to bring in the Dutch Marines to to calm down the looters. <laughs> like, I mean, I, you don't read any of that. Like, I mean, no. I, I guess I found it fascinating because I just had been in that area a year and change ago. But uh, Saint Martin was heavily hit. I mean, this was by Irma, not not you know the last storm. But anyhow, the point I was making is I I don't think uh, a lot of the Caribbean is going to be the same for a very long yeah, time. Yeah, that's I mean, how I feel too. It, it's I have no interest, and in, I would probably advise anyone that wants to that have been planning to go down to any of these countries cancel. Well, I, I, mean, I should it, say this though: we're talking about the Eastern Caribbean, the Western Caribbean, uh, places like uh, like Jamaica and the and the Cayman Islands and all and Bahamas. All all of that is uh, wasn't really hit hard by this, so you you can go there. I'm obviously referring to the Eastern, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the Eastern Caribbean, it's it's. It's not going to be the same, and uh, I'm actually glad I went to some of these places last year because uh, some of them probably are not going to be the same for a long time, as you said. So it's amazing how some storms can do that. I'll tell you more than anything, the country that lucked out more than anything was was fucking Haiti. I mean, you would just think the bad luck that that cursed yeah. island has, that, you know. <laughs> Well, I'm just I'm just saying. How many how many couple of years do we hear about some sort of disaster in Haiti? In Haiti? I mean, it's very very common, you know. And I know the the Dominican Republic um, got hit a little bit from from both storms, but nothing you know nothing too catastrophic. But I don't know. Are you uh, are you planning to travel anywhere the rest of this year again? Or are you in until the holidays? I, I'm I'm going to go to the Western Caribbean. Actually, I got changed. I actually had an Eastern Caribbean plan, and I had to cancel it. Oh wow! Where where were you going in the Eastern? No, one of the, one of them was going to be Tortola, and I was I, I'm not, oh. I can't I can't go there anymore. Wow! Yikes! <laughs> well, we still have another month left, so it's going to be interesting to see if that was the last storm. I think yeah, about a month and a week. I think end of October is when hurricane season. No, it's ends. actually technically the end of November, but you don't really get much in November. Oh, I thought it was October. Okay. Yeah, and 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 I'll say this that. People who travel to the Caribbean in September are really asking for trouble. You you don't do that because they, they, this is not a fluke that there's a hurricane in September in the Caribbean. Like this is, you don't travel there at that time. People who were on these cruises who got stuck for a while, oh, we're such terrible luck. How does this happen? Well, because you you went to the Caribbean in September. That's why. It's be, you you pick the absolute worst time to go. Do not go in August. Do not go in September. Because there is a decent chance a hurricane will come there and either disrupt your travel plans or, or make it dangerous for you. Uh, so just don't go in those months. 
even October can happen, but it, but especially stay away in August and September and probably early October as well. You do that, you're not going to get hit by hurricanes. So I, I don't know why people do that. I'm, I'm glad I don't have maybe, to deal with that. Maybe over here. the rates, maybe the rates are much cheaper. I've looked; they're really not. They're a little bit, but not that much. They're more dictated. You'd think they would be, but they're not. Really, the the cheap it gets cheaper in general if you're just at a non-holiday time where kids are in school. So yeah, something that's not Thanksgiving or Christmas vacation is going to be cheaper. But other than that, it's not that much cheaper. There's really no reason to be doing it. And I don't even understand it because most places in the U.S. are are, are pretty warm in in, in August and and even in September. So why why then travel to somewhere that's that's also warm or or hot? Like you'd think you'd want to do that anyway in the winter to get away from the cold. That would make more sense anyway to go in November, December, January. That that's the better time to go. So you you escape the winter for wherever you are. Even if you're in a place with with mild winter, like like let's say you're in Los Angeles, even there it's nice to go where it, you know it goes from the high in the 60s every day to the high in the 80s, and then and, and the water's warm. Where in L.A. the water's too cold to swim in in, in December. So even that's nice. So I, I I don't even understand why people go to on a Caribbean cruises in August or September, and it's it's a lot more humid and hot in these places anyway that you're going to be visiting. I, w- I would never even go to those islands in the summer. That the people that are complaining is just bad luck that they hit a hurricane, the heart of hurricane season, in the heart of the area that hurricanes hit. It's really just not bad luck for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. That there, there are people that, that are acting that way. So Next time, schedule your cruise for November. This won't happen. Right. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, that's that's the show for tonight. We've uh, gone a very long time. I, I was just about done, and then, then Brandon came and we did a second little conversational yeah. show here or whatever, so thank you for coming. Thank me. you for having me on. I've appreciated that. I've enjoyed the camaraderie. Yes, it's always nice to have you on, and uh, we'll be back next week. I'm thinking right now, probably... I can't hear you, what? Now, this happens when I play the oh, okay. the yeah, closing yeah. song. They can hear me, though. I'm thinking around uh, September 28th, which would be Thursday, will be the next show. I don't want to do it on Wednesday, I think, because it's just, it's just too close to this one. So, should be Thursday, September 28th. Then, uh, then Yom Kippur is coming for, for all you Jewish listeners, and... Then we should be back to a normal Wednesday schedule on October 4th. That's what I'm expecting to do. So, thank you for listening here, and I hope you like the long show. I hope you like the long show. Because this show tonight, uh, what was it? I think about eight hours. Mm, Crazy. Can't believe I talked that long. And listen, people... Don't be going into the hurricane territory during hurricane season. It just doesn't make any sense. Stay <laughs> safe out there. Am I right? Yep. That's that's the it wise decision. If it's double points, triple points, whatever it may be. It just doesn't make sense. It's just not worth it. No, it's not. 
And if you go to Puerto Rico, they give you three different lobsters. Get the smallest one because it's all the same. It's all size. the same lobster. Yeah, re-roll them on the lobster. <laughs> Druff fell for the Puerto Rican lobster scam, but he came through on the right side of it. Yep. They're like, damn it, he got the one pounder. We didn't expect that. We now, did not expect that. If you're in that. Mexico and they're giving you shit about it, how far do you take it in Mexico? Probably not that far. I agree. Okay, everybody. <laughs> this is it. Eight hours is all I can do. Mm-hmm. Shalom. Shalom. Have an enjoyable weekend. I'll be sleeping for the next several hours. Free Lou, father. He's been freed. It's done. Yep. I saw. Better behave. <laughs>